Welcome to the next episode of Ranked. This is part two of two, where we are going to be going through the best films of 2022. If you want to hear us discuss all of the stinkers of the year, whether it be Morbius, whether it be, uh, well, you know what? I won't spoil it. If you want to check out the terrible films, according to us, that was released last week where we went over the 30 worst but it's time we address the best films of this year, because there are a lot of good ones. And of course, to break it down, we have both guests returning from last week, Tristan and Hayden. How are you guys doing today? Doing fantastic. Excited to be back again. This Some more positive movies. Things I liked a little better than we had last week. So, really excited to talk about some of my favorite movies of the year and this incredible year for film. So, all 30 of these movies are, I love them all. I, I can't even remember which ones they are, but I know I'm going to like them all, because <laughs> I know even like the first five or ten last week, I'm like, man, these are on the worst of the year. These are good movies. So all the 30 on this one are going to be good movies, because this year's had a lot of good films. So honestly, really not too many stinkers. There's some real, real stinky ones, but they were few and far between. So got lots of good ones to talk about today. Oh, yeah. Just like Tristan said, uh, this year was freaking awesome for movies. Um, Kind of sad Sonic 2, not on this list. But you know what? That's okay. we got other good movies here, and uh, I'm excited to talk. Yeah, well, at least you guys both have your top 10 in the best of list. Unlike me, so, you know. Yeah, you, well, you Andrew, honestly, and in hindsight, I do. I kind of regret putting Enter Galactic so low. I know that when you had number 9, and I most definitely... Yeah. But it's just tough this year. There's so many good movies. It's really hard moving things up on the list I found, because there's so much good stuff. That's fair. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, we could just jump right into it here. Start with the 30th best film, according to us. And that is going to be a pick from Hayden. And that is She Said. Wow. So Hayden has this at 12. Tristan has this at 29. And I have this at 42. One jump in first here, Hayden. You picked it. You yeah. put it at 12 there. So I was actually, I heard about this movie a while ago. And instantly, it just, it just caught my eye. So I was really keeping an eye on it. I went to theaters. I think the date came out. Which I think we went the I think date. I think it might have been the date came out. Came out. We, we saw, I was super Earth. excited for this movie. Yeah. And I'm someone who loves horror movies. I've never felt so sick walking out of a movie theater. This movie, like, it's obviously not a horror movie. Um, it's about the Me Too movement. And, man, it just, it made, it made your stomach turn by what uh, the events some of the women in this movie had to go through. The story, how it all played out. Um, and they did so in a way, what was the man's name? Harvey Weinstein? Yeah. They didn't have to show his face, but, like, we knew the monster he was throughout the whole film. Um, yeah, just everything about the movie. I really enjoyed the way they went with this movie. Um, I just I enjoyed everything about this movie. And 12, it might be high, especially with the year we've had, but it's, def- it's my 12th favorite of the year for sure. I, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I like this one quite a bit. Uh, I, I tend to like those sort of investigation, you know, journalism dramas like this one is. I thought this one was a fairly, fairly well done one. I don't think it's the best investigation journalism drama or anything like that, but I, I do think it's a good one. I thought it was pretty well done. The story, as Hayden mentioned, quite interesting. Uh, some moments were, were tough to sit through and watch. Uh, there were some, you know, hard-hitting scenes. But overall, I thought this was really well done. I liked the film. Like I said, it's just a tough year for movies. I put pretty much smack dab in the middle there. And I feel like a good spot for it. It was a good movie. But when I think back of all the great movies this year, it never pops up in my mind. There's no scenes in this movie that really jump out to me. And I'm like, man, I gotta watch this movie. Uh, there's really it didn't have anything super special in this film. It was just good. Uh, I never quite reached great for me, and I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. And so I, I, I would recommend this film, particularly 
story, particularly if you like those sort of investigation sort of dramas like this one and Spotlight and several others happen every couple of years. You seem to get one based on whatever current story just came out a few years before. Um, and so this one is a good one. Uh, sort of a modern history type film. I, I like this one. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's, it's right where it deserves to be, right smack in the middle of the list here. Oh, Gwen, you have it fairly low there, 42. Why, why, why did this one not connect with you so much? Yeah, 42 seems low, especially because we're starting the ball running here at number 30. Um, but like what I said with the first podcast last week, I think for me, anything from 46 and above, like, like I think they're good movies. And I, I like this movie. So 42 does come across as low. But it's kind of what you said, Tristan, where I feel like every journalism film has at least like the wow moment, like that scene where whenever you think of the movie, you go, oh my God, but like that one scene, like you kind of reflect on just one moment that sticks with you. And this movie doesn't really have anything that really stuck with me. And maybe it was also just bad timing. I watched Bombshell for the first time the exact same week. And I feel like people liked that one less, but I thought that it handling its serious subject matter and about journalism and them exposing this terrible story of this industry you know this one's about film she said while bombshell is more about fox news and about television so it's a different medium but it's still about this big company and this terrible man that is leeching itself onto these you know females that just feel like they're powerless to him and so I feel like Bombshell handled it really well because it was through the viewpoint of the victims and their experience during this industry. And it just, it felt really brutal and terrifying. And this one was more through the perspective of the journalists and them just trying to get the stories. And I do think this movie was pretty good. But I think without the wow factor and the fact that it's very journalism heavy and them just sitting there on computers trying to get the good story, it it, it was just a little boring i would say like i i I really felt its runtime at moments in this film and i thought it was good maybe if i saw it in a theater i would have been more latched on to the story but like you know i was kind of sitting there at home like all right like you know it's 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 dragging it's you know it's kind of dragging its sweet ass time with this movie let's maybe pick it up a bit like it it was a little slow for me um but as a whole i I, know i thought she said was really good yeah i haven't seen bomb say it even though i was excited when it's coming out last year i never i still haven't gone around yeah, I do want to check that one out. Um, but and I, I'm not surprised the two are pairing them. Yeah, uh, if you did like one more than the other, I can see why you rank this one a little lower than they are. Yeah, like and I watched them the exact same week, so it probably did have an impact yeah, on me yeah. without even yeah, realizing. You like this one so much. I think Leisha must have to check out Bomb time. You'd probably enjoy that one I'm, quite a bit as well. I never really knew what it's about. So I'd be it's a fairly similar story as Hayden Clinton said about a uh, abuse uh, of women, sexual abuse of women in the uh, the entertainment industry. Just more focus on Fox News and. It stars Margot Robbie and a couple other big Margot Robbie, Nicole Kimmon, and Charlize Theron. Uh, it's about three females, all in different moments in their career of the Fox News, and how this one man has impacted and destroyed all of them. Like it's it's kind of cool how it's through three different perspectives of women that are all under Fox News. Like I, I thought personally, I thought Bob Chill was really good. Like I, it was it was pretty good. Yeah, it kind of came out last year and it had twenty nineteen. But when it came out, it didn't really yeah. really hit anything. You know, it got kind of mixed reviews. People thought it was all right, but it didn't really go anywhere. I think it's on there. Prime, so that tells you something. Yeah, now now it's find its way on Prime. Even Blonde made it to Netflix, so you know that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> I like how depending on the streaming services where it stands as in filming. Oh, oh, you don't want to find yourself on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the Walmart. 
<laughs> oh my god. That's the one you bought because you want packages to come faster, not because you want to watch quality content, all right? Oh my god. I hate to tell the boys that. I, the boys is awesome. I love the boys. Eh, I think the boys is fantastic. Going into number 29, we are going to one of Tristan's picks here, and that is going to be Triangle of Sadness. All right, yeah. So uh, he and I are pretty close here. I have it at 32. Hayden has it at 30. Tristan has it at 21. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. I, you know, I like this one. I thought it was fun. There were, I, I felt like there were some moments that dragged, you know what I mean? Pacing-wise with this, I felt the pacing was a little off, and I enjoyed a, uh, most of the first I liked, I liked a lot of the parts. And I thought most of the performances were really well done. Overall, I thought it was a, a fun film. Um, we did quite a few of these sort of uh, culture warfare type movies. Not culture, I mean class warfare type movies. About the classes or diving into how the classes interact with one another and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I thought this one handled it in a pretty well, pretty good way. I, I really liked the, uh, how this one took it. I liked all the stuff on the island at the end there. Overall, I thought this one was good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I can see why you guys sort of more so have it in the middle there. I think Atlanta pretty much were deserved. Kind of smack dab in the middle of the list here. When I think back of the good moves of this year, uh, this one probably won't cross my mind too much. But I, uh, I, I most definitely did have fun with this. Yeah, this one, uh, man, I went into this not knowing what it was about. And it was a ride. Like, mm-hmm. it went from, it went everywhere. Um, the first half was definitely lackluster compared to the second. Yeah. I think. Once they got to the island, uh, money became irrelevant. The poorest person on the island became the richest because yeah. there's no money. Money is knowledge at that point. And she knew how to survive. People became dependent on her. And it just goes to show how, at the end of the day, money ain't shit. Knowledge is what's important. And it kind of switches it where, I, I don't know, it's just like, it was good. It was a good, like, at the end, survivor story where you got to do what you got to do to live and you got to fend for yourself. Almost a Lord of the Flies-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, for those who haven't seen the film, it's mentioned in the very beginning of the movie where it's an upside-down triangle, right? So it's the, the thing between your eyes where it's one point down to a triangle, so basically flip the triangle around, which is essentially what Hayne was saying with this movie when we get to the island. The social class, literally the people on top and all the people in the bottom, there's so many people in the bottom, but they are below the hierarchy of power. The triangle is a class symbol. It's flipped upside down. That's the triangle of sadness because when they're on the island, it's flipped, right? Like the, as Hayne said, all of a sudden, wealth isn't really what's power anymore. It's knowledge. It's your own self-perseverance. It's about, you know, wealth is irrelevant as soon as we get to the island. And I think that that's, a really great moment in the film. I really love the third act. The film is divided yeah. into three acts, which is yeah. why I think the title is really fitting because the second act is really bad. So I think I think the, the, the first act and the third act are the top points of the triangle and then it all goes down into the second act and that's why I have it at 32. I, I just, the second but act Woody is Harrelson just... Woody Harrelson was in the second act. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I love Woody Harrelson, but I thought he was one of my least favorite parts of the movie. I don't, I don't think he was that great. Like, you know, there was like five people better in this movie than Woody Harrelson. He's fine. But, but there were like, a lot of people. Yeah, there's actually... Right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great ensemble cast. And the third act is really good. Like, I, like, I don't want to praise the tunes enough. I really like the third act. When they hit that beach, I, I was finally sold. But that second act... Is basically just like 30 minutes of just shots of people throwing up. 
and I just don't think that's funny. Like, like I'm just sitting there, like, grossed out. And, like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, it's just whatever. Like, the second act is pretty bad. I think the first act is really fun. I really, really like the, like the third act. So as a whole, I think this is actually a pretty enjoyable movie. And I, and I can see myself revisiting this a few times. You know, visiting it every now and then. I think it's got some fun scenes, some memorable characters. I had a good time with it. I really like this movie. I'm kind of glad it made it to the best picture lineup because it's just such a weird and interesting yeah, film. I was surprised to see yeah. it get the nom, but I was really happy about it. Yeah, like this isn't. Them. Yeah, this obviously isn't in my top ten of the year, but I'm kind of glad this made the made, made yeah. The best it's picture not my top ten by any means. I mean, it didn't even make my top twenty. It's right. just out. Uh, still in that sort of that middle third there. Uh, I, I do really like this film. I don't love this film. I agree that the middle act is the the, the weakest part of it. But I like how this movie really swings with the fence. It doesn't play it safe by mm-hmm. any means. Not a single second of this movie really playing it safe. They went crazy and wacky off the hinges the whole time. And I, I, that I appreciate. I like it when they take risks. I like it even better when those risks land. And I think most of the risks they took with this one uh, stuck the landing. Yeah. I'm also glad the director got nominated. Like, I just think this is a really great directing film. Like, yeah. just a really good style. So, you know, I'm happy with its representation for the Oscars, at least. And I, I think this is a interesting film like what in 30 years time when new film buffs that are just starting watching films are going back through old best picture lineups i just i just think it's really funny in my mind if they check out the fablemans and then they throw this on right after and they go what the fuck what the fuck is this movie like it's just such a wacky movie i'm glad it made it all right so we can move on to number 28 here we're going to bounce back to one of hayden's picks and that is going to be bell Yep. So I have this at 35, Tristan has this at 27, and Hayden has this at 20. Damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> Damn straight. This is like a modern representation of Beauty and the Beast, and I think they did it near perfect, as good as they could have. I think the whole technologically advanced world was beautiful, absolutely stunning, and I wish almost we could spend more time in there because whenever we were in the real world i was kind of just waiting to go back into this virtual reality like world um i think the story of a person uh who with insecurities a young kid having no friends becoming a celebrity overnight um in this world is super fun super fresh where she also has these morals where she wants to be friend with uh with the outcasts and treat everyone the same she doesn't want to be treated differently she wants to be treated the same um which is why she's so willing to do what is right which you see in the third act where she does what she does because she was raised properly she doesn't care that she's a celebrity she doesn't care about any of that simply that she believes that everyone should have the same uh ability to do what they what they want to do in their dream world which is What's it called? Echo? What's what's the dream world? I think it's called Echo. It's like a virtual reality metaverse type thing. Basically what Meta or Facebook's trying to do with like Horizons. But yeah, here it actually popped off and successful and everyone loved it. Like Ready Player One. Think of like the Oasis and Ready Player One, but instead it's a anime and it's all yeah. Ready Player One's next level. That yeah. was but I think this movie is just beautiful. I loved it very, very much. Um I think it's the best beauty be since business. Yeah, I I agree. I think this one was a pretty good modern day uh, reimagining of Beauty and the Beast. And over the summer, we talked about Beastly, another sort of uh, old sort of attempt at doing a modern day retelling of Beauty and the Beast that absolutely whiffed. And I think this one a uh, knocks the ball out of the park as far as just 
taking a classic story of Beauty and the Beast and shifting and changing it into a more modern-day context uh, with our more modern-day technologically advanced society, I guess maybe a far future from where we are today, but relatively modern retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And I think this does a pretty good job. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It took some liberties from the original source material in a fun way. As Hayden mentioned, uh, beautifully shot, beautifully animated. It was an anime film. Uh, I like this one a lot. I thought this one was, was quite well done. Quentin, you seem to be a little lower there, but you still have that, the 46 special, so I'm assuming that means you like it. What do you think about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I could have it as low as 46. So I could still be like, yeah, I said I liked it at the beginning. I don't, I don't know what to tell you guys. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, Belle, I think Hayden nailed it on the head here, actually. A really great looking movie. I really like the virtual story. Uh, but w- but when we got to the human character, like, like, when it was about the reality, which was about close to a third, um, it was a decent portion of the film, and I thought it was really boring. Like like when we get to the you know the reality of these people, I just don't care. But when we got to the virtual stuff, the animation, the story, it's really good. I I, I really liked this movie. I thought it was really exciting, and, and it's a good excuse to watch more of these Japanese films because I'm pretty yep. guilty at not watching them unless it has the title studio ghibli attached to it so i'm glad that i checked this out i'm glad that hayden picked it uh it, it is good um i don't think it's anywhere close to the disney beauty and the beast but no but well it's but, way better than the live action it's better than live action oh, oh well, well yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that original was it 1995 or and personally i would put it pretty close i think disney's still better but i would put it pretty close both of them are four stars the, the the original Disney one. The original Disney one's so good. Yeah. Not that I one's really not like good. It. This one this one was quite well. No, no, this, this is good. One, but that one's class. Yeah. No, I know I do like this movie a lot. Uh and I, I do really like the style of the virtual world. <laughs> just as like the metaverse. I'm sure in like thirty years it'll be like the metaverse. Like, like oh, it just, yeah, no, <laughs> know, this I'm is kidding. this is what like the metaverse that <laughs> yeah. we were promised, not the metaverse that we got delivered. Yeah. Yeah, we're not certain that Mark Zuckerberg saw this movie and went, fuck, I'm going to make this right now. And he just could not match it. Because, yeah, the look of this virtual world is really fun. It really feels like a virtual world. Like, it feels much more than Ralph Breaks the Internet or the Emoji Movie. Like, whenever people make this online world, it looks so bad. But in this, it like actually feels like it is imaginative like like you, you could do anything and, and that's kind of what like you know being in a virtual world should feel like right like the possibilities are endless and that is kind of what this vibe gives off like anything you can create like if you look at all the characters there right they're all wearing insane outfits people are dressed up as weird ass creatures and it's you know there'd be like you could pick and choose whatever your avatar is and it is kind of what i would assume the internet would look like if we ever had a metaverse eventually come to light uh, this is a pretty realistic depiction of what i hope it would be like like it's very exciting and colorful uh it looks great the, the virtual world looks great and it looks really good in comparison to the real world uh, maybe they looked at made it look so bland on purpose so it made the virtual world look so i great. think that was a, a, yeah. a choice because they want because obviously the main character is likes the virtual a lot better than the real yes. world she was, she was pretty much nobody in the real world, and she was a huge celebrity in the fantasy world. So I think that was a deliberate choice. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, they most definitely did that on purpose. All right. So moving on to number 27 here, we have another pick from Hayden, although he's Ooh. not the highest on this one, because oh. we have Hustle, 
Uh, oh, sorry, I guess he's tied with me. Just kidding. Tristan's not the highest on this one. Me and Hayden both have it at 21, and Tristan has it at 38. Yeah, I guess I'm the, the Debbie Downer on this one. I dislike this movie. I like this one quite a bit. I, I've always liked everything. This one's no exception. Honestly, uh, this one I think maybe sort of similar to The Fallout. When I was going, I had to Google what the hell that movie was. Uh, I remember this one being the Adam Sandler basketball movie, but I, I really only remember this being the Adam movie uh nothing else besides that really stuck with me too much besides appreciating adam sandler's a little more dramatic performance i always like it when he takes a little more dramatic role because i think he is a genuinely good actor and he's really good and he was good in this one uh but i truly nothing else really stuck with me and in a year uh this stack of great movies uh if you don't make a real impression you're gonna find yourself somewhere in the middle of the list which is where this one ended up for me yeah i i really like this one uh, i'm kind of i'm really glad he picked it because I always wanted to watch this one, and then I just never did. And then at the end, this was like one of the last few I had to check out. And I'm glad, because it probably would have been one of those movies that just slept through my fingers, just slipped right through, and I would have forgotten about it forever. But uh, I'm glad I checked this out, because I, I, I think the screenplay is really good in this one. Like, just the writing's really sharp. Adam Sandler is at the top of his game. Like, he's just really great in this. Like, and he really wants an Oscar, right? Like, he's doing uh, the huge campaign trail. He really wants to get a nomination. He wants to prove that he's a real actor. And, like, yeah. I guess that's arbitrary. But, like, he wants to prove that he's, like, more than just the funny guy because that's his reputation. And he's trying to do these more grounded films. He campaigned hard for Uncut Gems. He campaigned hard for this. He did not get nominated for either, but I'm going to make the call now. He didn't get nominated for Uncut Gems? No. No. That's silly. Insane. It, Uncut Gems, his performance in Uncut Gems uh, is probably top 10 lead actor performances of the decade. And he didn't even get nominated. It's insane. But I'm going to make the call now because he is doing another project with the Safdie brothers, the guys that made Uncut Gems. He's doing another film with them and it's going to be releasing either this November or December, I think. Like, I believe it's coming out this year. I'm gonna call it now. He's gonna get his first Oscar nomination this year. This is this I is his year. So. Like I, I don't know if he'll win. Like he's really good. He's yeah. really good. He's really good in this. He's really really good in Uncut Gems. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's gotten some steam. I think this is gonna be his year. He might not win, but I think he's gonna finally get the nomination. And I'm stoked for the Sandman. Like I think I'm fully on board with this guy. I have learned to love his comedies even more. I love him in this kind of stuff. He's really great in this. Like he's just. He plays the perfect role of this hard ass, this hustler, and this charming guy, right? Like he can balance all three of these balls. He did it for Uncut Gems. He kind of does it as well here. Uh, it's just a good time. Like it's 21. It's not like a groundbreaking film. I don't love the movie, but I just, I just had a really good time. I just thought it was a super fun movie. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that very much. I think Adam Sant. I didn't love Uncut Gems. Which I th I like this one more simply because I'm not the biggest fan of Uncut Gems. I know that's a very hot take, mm. but uh, in this movie, the connection between that Adam, uh, Adam Sandler made with this basketball player felt super genuine. Uh, the basketball player would uh, make mistakes, uh, problems would happen, but you would see Adam Sandler uh, genuinely care for him, for his family, uh, and it felt genuine, which is. It's often hard to find in movies where you're, two people are meant to care for each other. One person cares uh, for, as like a father figure. Um, it feels fake. But in this movie, it felt so real, so realistic. And that's part of the reason why I picked it. I thought 
it was just very well done. Adam Sandler did amazing. And I don't know, I forget how to pronounce the dude's name, but whoever played that basketball player did an amazing job as well. I think the two of them did really good. And it gave me almost vibes. I was like a drama about sports. But uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this movie. So it gave you wet vibes? Moneyball. Oh, yeah. 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 Moneyball's way better. But, but yeah, this I agree. Moneyball's really good. Moneyball's really good. Yeah, no, a g- great movie. I'm glad you picked it because I probably would have forgot about it. It is good. I think a lot of people probably did sleep on this one. If you guys haven't seen like sport movies or sport dramas or just like Adam Sandler, let's definitely check this one out. It's because it was just dropped on Netflix again. Yeah, once again, another Netflix movie that they just dropped, but the only one promoting it is that he's out there singing the high praises of this movie, as he should be, because it is good. It's definitely a good film. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you did miss this one, you didn't catch it, got the shuffle of Netflix's catalog, I would go search it out and watch this it is quite fun. Yeah. yeah. He campaigned hard for this movie. Like This movie came out in March, right? Yeah, it came out earlier in the year, yeah. And like this title is pretty apt because he was hustling to get that Oscar now. Like He <laughs> yeah. was and doing a lot. <laughs> he does do really good in it. This movie just isn't a caliber film. It's good, but it's not like that. I agree, I agree. Yeah, this is a really good movie, and I really like Adam Sandler. But I like yeah. I don't even know if he was top five acting performances for me of the year. Well, right? and this year had a lot of incredible. Yeah, I did. I did. For the lead actor, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough group to crack. I think. Yeah, I'm not bummed that he didn't make it. Unlike Uncut Gems, I was, I was pretty livid. Uncut Gems, he got wrong. He that was stolen. He, he deserved that. He should have won. He was the best of the year, but you know that's. Fine. I don't know. Joaquin Phoenix did really good. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, well, Joaquin Phoenix wasn't even my favorite of the noms. I thought Adam Driver and Mary's Story was better. Like, Joaquin Phoenix was my third favorite I, of the year. Adam Driver did good. Yeah. But anyways, you know, uh, the same man's going to come for the third time. He's going to get the Oscar nom. I, I feel pretty good about it. But uh, speaking of Oscar noms, coming in at number 26 is uh, one of my picks, The Banshees of Inisherin. So I have this one at number five. Tristan has this at 34, and Hayden has it at 37. Oh, wow. Is this... Oh, no. We've had a couple of yours crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my third one for my top 10. We're, we're burning through them, baby. Um, I think Quentin should start us off here. Yeah, you start us off here. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, I'll start it off. Um, I really like this movie. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't know if it was just because it was the theater experience as well, and it was just a perfect storm of everything, because I, I went into my theater... And my entire audience, it was a packed theater. I don't know how that happened for Banshees of Inisherin. It was a packed theater, and everyone was loving it. Like, everyone was laughing at it. It was just such a great time. The cinematography is great. So when you're sitting in the theater, it's just these huge shots of just open Ireland. Like, it's just, it's gorgeous. And the acting's really great. Like, Colin Farrell, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, guys. He's my favorite acting performance of the year for actors. Obviously, for, for lead actors, like he's who I'm rooting for to win. I thought Colin Farrell was incredible. He's able to play that balance of comedy and sympathetic in such a such a unique way where he's like, you're you're laughing at him because he's so pathetic, but at the same time, you're you're like laughing and also a little heartbroken. Like this character is so sympathetic and pathetic at the same time. And I just really liked him. I loved Barry Keoghan in this movie. I thought, what's the other actor's name? Uh, Brendan Gleeson. I thought, I thought he was yeah. great. Like, I, like, it's a really great group. Uh, Carrie Condon, I think yeah. she's the best supporting actress of the year. Like, really, I think Banshees and Everything Everywhere should be splitting the acting wins in half. Like, I think Carrie Condon and, and Colin Farrell should be getting 
two of the acting wins here. I don't know if it's going to get either, but I really love the performances in this movie. But it's a screenplay. Tristan, you know I'm a sucker for Martin McDowell. I just really like this guy's writing. Like, Seven Psychopaths is an incredible screenplay. In Bruges, Three Billboards. Like, like I love all these movies. This one's no different. I really like the writing. And I find the story very interesting. And it's kind of interesting that this is like an Oscar movie. Like, this is a, very much a Martin McDowell film where it's very out there very weird but unlike three billboards it's like it seems a little too weird for the oscars like it's about a dude that's like cutting his fingers off and throwing them at his friend and like the movie ends on a sad note like there's nothing happy about the ending of this movie and so it is weird that this is like a big heavy hitter player for the oscars because it's you know the oscars kind of like movies that make them feel happy and movies that are kind of normal and this is kind of neither but it looks great it's shot great and I just really, I don't know about you guys, but I really connected with somebody trying to, you know, process the fact that someone that they saw as their best friend is no longer a friend of theirs. And th- no matter what they can do, th- there's just, you know, with the progress of time, people that end up being your friends years ago, they're no longer your friends now. And as a matter of fact, you, you haven't thought of them in years. And it, it's a saddened thought. It's something that we kind of don't think about much. And it's never addressed in media. Like, it's just... Who cares? You move apart from someone. Like, like, you know, someone that you were best friends with in university, you've never talked to in the last five years. And that's just life. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And, and it is, a, it's sad. Like, the beginning of you losing that friend is kind of a depressing moment in life. And to kind of see this guy go through that and the real, you know, balance of friendship and legacy. And I feel like we're all kind of going to lean towards the idea of, well, obviously, friendship and just living in the moment is more important than your legacy, but that's something that has been tearing apart uh, Brendan Gleeson's character, where, you know, legacy is important. Like, I'm not saying I relate to that character, because we all relate more to Colin Farrell, but I did, you know, kind of understand that. I'm not comparing myself in any way to someone that's making violin, you know, making actual music like what he's trying to go for, but, like, when I lost my world record to my Mario Party speedrun, I got fucking pissed. I picked up a new TV and I got this all set up beside me. I have not won it back, but I'm going to do my fucking damnness to win this back because you kind of have this moment and everybody has this thing in them where they want a legacy. They want something that they can leave behind. I'm not saying a Mario Party record is the same, but everybody has something that they want to at least point to. Something that they want to point to, to their kids or to their friends or to somebody when they're long gone and at least like have like a, you know, an imprint on this earth. Everybody has this desire to have some kind of impact and to at least have something that they can point to and proudly say, I at least did something with my life. And, you know, Brendan Gleeson has this reality and this realization that his best friend is holding him back. And so it's kind of a brutal story of losing friendship but also sacrificing your own comfort and just i guess quote-unquote happiness to at least feel like you've done something in life so i I thought it touched on two themes pretty well that neither are really that prevalent in other films that i've seen like i feel like they don't really legacy is something that is touched on a few times you see quite a bit but not to this extent and i thought losing a friend is such a normal thing that everybody goes through that has never been shown on film so i just really like them both i just love the screenwriting like when barry keoghan has that stick at the beginning and he goes like what's this supposed to do like get something a stick's length away 
And then that ties into the end of his storyline. Like there's just the, the whole movie is just little throwaway gags that like actually have some kind of relevance to some of these characters or to the themes that it's going for. It's just a really fun movie. And, you know, I, I, I had a really good time with it. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I didn't love it, did, and where I ranked it. I thought this one was good. I like the performances in it. Uh, this is not a comedy. I mean, it had some funny moments, but it's not a comedy. It's definitely more tragedy. This okay. thing is sad and depressing as shit at moments. <laughs> um, and I, but I did like, you know, the whole going through losing a friend and then how difficult that is, but not necessarily that even long. Just that the relationship ran the course, and it's time for it to be over. It's time for, for them both to move on and, and do other things. And obviously, Brendan Gleeson is hoping to want to do bigger and better things to cement his legacy as a, as a, a violinist or a fiddler or whatever instrument he was playing. I, I like this movie. I, I Honestly, I did find it boring at times. I, I felt it was, it was slow. It, it was long. It wasn't like long, long. It was really slow-paced. It wasn't super exciting. It was it was good, but not great. I liked it, but I was hoping I would have liked it. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is good, yeah. but not great. Yeah. It, it's this, it's the, I think it's the pacing that gets me more than anything else. And I think also, like, the whole cutting off the finger. Just, like, why if a pianist, like, I mean, a, a violin player, was the first finger you cut off your index finger? Why was that the first one you took it? Like, why would he start with a pinky and move Yeah, if he wants way? to go on to do bigger and better things, yeah. how can fingers? And I get, like, the cut off the finger thing supposed to be funny or whatever, but I honestly thought it was mostly just kind of... Why wouldn't he cut off the other guy's finger? Or toes. Then he wanted to be coming back around for sure. Cut off a pinky yeah. toe. He's literally giving him the finger. Like, I don't know what more you want. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I understand that. They beat that one over the head a couple times. Also, I think another reason why I didn't love this one people... I never once, and spoiler here quickly, so skip ahead if you don't want to get some spoiled. I never gave a shit about the donkey. I didn't care about the donkey at all. I think that was like a big emotional moment. I couldn't care less about the donkey. When that happened, I didn't realize that was really the heartbreaking scene in the movie. I, I didn't care. I'm like, oh, okay, the, the donkey's dead. That's weird. Like, it, it, didn't, it didn't phase me for a second. I did not care about the donkey in this life. And I get that was him losing his other friend or whatever. Like, I, 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 I didn't care about <laughs> Yeah, come on, you don't want to call it out any friends? Yeah, heartless bastard. Come on. That's all you yeah. had, the donkey. Yeah, no, that's fair. Oh, what about you, Hayden? Anything else? Or did Tristan nail it all? Not really. I don't have much to say about this movie. That, and it's not all, all he had, though. Right? And when his sister, you know, reached out in Olive Branch, he goes, nah, fuck you, I'm going to keep doing nothing the rest of my life. Like, what the hell was that? Why didn't he go with her? That didn't make any sense to me. He had nothing left on the island. There was no reason for him to stay in Indochina except for his stubbornness. And I'm supposed to feel bad for him? I don't. He should have gone with his sister to Dublin. There was no reason he didn't. He was just being stubborn for no reason. Didn't care for it. I liked the movie. I liked the movie. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't sympathize with Colin Farrell character that much. I he's uh, okay. To. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, yeah, I agree it's not a comedy, but uh, one of the funniest scenes of probably the whole year was when Colin Farrell goes up to that one guy and he's like, Hey, you're uh, I just got a letter. Your mom died. And he goes, what? My, my, my mom's already dead. He's like, Oh, I, I meant, I meant your father. And he goes, Oh, Oh my gosh. How, how did he die? Oh, he got hit with a milk truck or whatever. He goes, Oh my God, that's how my mom died. There were some funny moments, particularly um, Barry Keoghan. How do you pronounce his last name? Uh, Keoghan. Barry Keoghan, he was hilarious. Yeah, he was really uh, good, yeah. Yeah, he was quite funny at parts, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, it has its moments. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I 
fucking died from that one. He sets up his jokes pretty well. They're few and far in between. This is definitely more of a tragedy, but yeah, it, it's pretty good. Um, anyways, that's fair. I, I didn't think you guys would love it. I, uh, I just need to talk about it. So we can move on to number 25 here. And we have one of Tristan's picks, and that's going to be Vengeance. So we are all very close with this one. I have it at 27, Tristan has it at 25, and he has it at 23. So we're all two off of each other. I thought this one was quite good. I thought this one was a, uh, a, a pretty, pretty freaking entertaining. This one's uh, BJ Novak's directorial debut. He also, he might have also read so. Because he is a writer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he writes a lot of things. I'm pretty sure he wrote this one as well. Wrote, directed, and starred in it. But he's all over the place on this film. And you can feel his style in this movie. In the comedy and the... Yeah. And a lot of the scenes, you can really feel B.J. Uh, Novak coming through. So if you like him, if you like his stuff in the office and his other works, you'll probably enjoy this one. This one's got a little more of a, like a murder mystery edge to it, almost. Yeah. Uh, we don't really know what happened to the fate of this uh, buttfuck nowhere town in Texas uh, to, to try to sort of figure it out. He's a journalist. And he thinks there might be a story here, so he sort of stays on the case to see if there is a story there. And uh, he kind of just gets involved with her family and starts getting to know her family a lot better and starts a... Because uh, they think that he, he was her, her boyfriend. And I guess he sort of was, but not really. And so then he's just sort of getting to know her family and trying to figure out what happened to her in this weird, sort of crazy, small Texas town. And I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was cool. The twist at the end was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed the whole thing. I thought it was a, a pretty well-made movie. What do you think, Kate? You seem to like this one. Uh, maybe a little more than the two of us did, but pretty much. Honestly, uh, I thought this movie was very, very funny. I think BJ, no- BJ Novak uh, did a great job writing this story, where, like Tristan said, uh, he was, I think they were like a one-night stand, or maybe they dated for like less than a month, and the family truly thought he was the one that was going to marry their daughter. So they knew all about this boy, she talked about him a lot, and he knew absolutely nothing about this girl, but he decided anyways to go there, and it was just super awkward at times, but also funny. It got hectic, it got wild, but I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it deserving of the 25th spot. Yeah, no, I, I like this movie quite a bit. I really liked the first 30 minutes. Like, I thought the setup of this movie, I was going, okay, I don't know where this movie's going, this is really good. Like, this is really clever, it was hilarious, it's a really fun premise, like Haynes said, where he's literally just going to the funeral of a one-night stand, and all of a sudden they think that they're like this huge couple that were together for years and that's not the case at all and like what he goes up to tell the speech and he's he knows nothing about this woman so he's just like saying really vague stuff and all these country people are so impressed with what he's saying like it's a really funny setup i really like the first 30 minutes i think once we just stay in the country for a little bit i you know I, i start getting a little bored it gets a little fine the jokes kind of start coming in less and less like it starts off really strong and then the rest of the movie's kind of just fine. Uh, spoiler, I guess, quickly to those that don't want to know the killer. But, like, I thought it was super obvious. Like, I, I thought it was a mix. I thought it was a terrible casting choice to have Ashton Kutcher in the film. Because there's no way he's just going to be in the movie and do nothing for five minutes. Like, obviously, he's going to end up being the killer. I just thought the fact that they cast him, similar to, you know, as soon as they announced the cast for Glass Onion, I told you to, oh, Edward Norton has to be the bad guy because, you know, it's... uh. Edward Norton like they're only like if they're going to cast a big name they're going to kind of have to be important and so when Ashton Kutcher was only in it for five or ten minutes and he disappeared I went okay he's coming back at the end and he's going to be the bad guy like he like you know they're not just going to have this guy in a movie with a bunch of nobodies 
and actually not do anything. So I, I just think it was a bad cast. I thought putting him in the movie just was really obvious that he's going to be the killer. And so it kind of made the mystery almost pointless halfway through the film for me. As a whole, I have it at 27 because it's just really well written. I actually am excited for anything BJ Novak does now. He's a great I, writer. He, I think he's, he's a really good writer. writer. His comedy, yeah. obviously, I love The Office. His comedy is exactly what I like. And yeah, I'll definitely want to check out anything this guy does. Like, he, I just think he's yeah. really good. You just spoiled Knives Out, by the way. Glass Onion. Glass Onion. Ah. I don't but it's know. on Netflix. I, I feel like everyone's will Anyone who's wanted to see this, they already. And also, like, that's even more obvious than this. Like, everyone knew who the killer was. Like, you know. I, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, everyone but hate him. Sorry. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about Vengeance Tristan since you picked it? No, I really like yeah. this one. I think it, was probably, it came up, probably got missed by a lot of people. The biggest release. Uh, so if you didn't check this one out and you, you see it on a streaming service somewhere or you want to seek it out, I would recommend it as just a fun a fun time. The concept's pretty fun and creative. And I like that BJ Novak's directorial debut. I thought he did a good job directing it. Uh, I just want to mention he's a great writer and he's a pretty good actor as well. So a real talented guy. Bit of a passion project for him. So I really like it. If anybody listening was going to skip Glass Onion when we discussed it because they didn't want to get spoiled and I did spoil it for you, you can send all your hate messages to me on Instagram at Felipe9. <laughs> that is P H I L I P E A nine. Thank yeah, you. That's the one. Okay. <laughs> Send them all there. <laughs> Send them all over there. All right. We can go on to number twenty four here. The twenty fourth best film according to us. And is it even a film? Who knows? It is Jackass Forever. That's that's a movie. That's a film. That's a film, baby. Tristan has it at 33. Even though he picked it, he is the lowest. Wait, I'm the lowest on this? Hayden has it at 27, and I have it at 15, baby. Woo! Wow. Good job, Quentin. I should have had this higher. I didn't want to be like, I, okay. I didn't know where to put this. Ask what I'm Is it even a film? Where can I? That's where I was going to rank it. Now I feel stupid for putting it at 30. <laughs> this movie's hilarious. Dude. It's so funny. <laughs> It's so funny. It's just hard to compare this with, like, you know, a narrative or like yeah. a scripted film. Because it's just a bunch of guys going around doing ridiculous stunts. And I think Jackass Forever, I think it might be the best of the Jackass movies, honestly. Because I feel like there's less stunts in here, but they're more elaborate. They're long and elaborate. There's levels to them. And they're hilarious. I think they're fantastic. They kept hitting the guy in the balls, and they kept getting stronger. They had, like, a baseball professional. They had a boxer <laughs> coming to punch him in the ball sack. A hockey player. Uh, a pogo shot. stick. Oh, God. oh, man. It was so funny. That one guy did amazing. Yeah, Aaron Danger picked this movie up and carried it on his back. Aaron Danger did all the best stuff. He was Jackass forever. <laughs> so. Yeah, with like yeah. the bear and the honey. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That guy, he was by far the best part of the movie. Bear and the honey is the best one. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really. Honestly, the reason why I really like this movie. Like, like, I think this is really good. Um, I binged all four of them in one week. Uh, honestly, I don't know if this is gonna be a crazy take. I don't think the other three are like great. Like, like, I, like I, I think, think the, the third one in particular felt weak. To me. Yeah, the first one was solid. Like, 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 I think they're all fine. Like, I think they're at best a three, and at worst, like a two. Like, like they're all in like like totally fine. You know, it's just thrown on for dumb fun kind of way. But this one's almost like better than that. Like, this is genuinely really crazy, really fun stunts, and it's just a genuinely fun time. Like you guys said, the bear and the honey. 
uh, whenever I talk to people about this movie, I'm just cracking up dying at I'm putting a fucking bear in a room. It's not cocaine bear, but it is a bear. And he wants just some fucking honey on this dude's crotch. Like it's just shit like that is hilarious. This movie's genuinely just a really funny time. <laughs> it might be the hardest I laughed the whole year. Like, this is just a really funny movie. It's just genuinely hilarious. I agree with Tristan. Uh, I put it at 15, honestly, because I was banking on YouTube not putting it super high. And I just wanted to be that guy that put it high. But like, it, it, it's hard to really put this in like the top 10 of the year because it's not like a narrative film. Yeah. It, it, it's well, I different. About, I thought but, for sure I had it in the top half. I see, when I make my list, I don't look at the numbers. I just kind of look at, I just start at the top of like, yeah. our written list. I put that one here. And then I go to the next one. Is that better or worse? Then I go to the next one. Is that better or worse than these ones? I keep doing it that way. So I never really like count w- w- what numbers they're in. I would for sure put this one in the top half, though. Like, this most definitely deserves to be in the, in the best of podcasts, not the worst. Yeah, kind of like where Hayden put it. Yeah, no, honestly, I, like, I probably should have put it. The one caveat that like I didn't enjoy uh, was some of the new people. Like, especially that bigger guy. They were, they were fine. fine. Uh, I don't really think they were necessary, but I didn't dis. I don't know, some of them annoyed me. Like, the girl was fine. I thought the, the black guy and his dad were kind of funny. They were funny, yeah. Were, oh, like, yeah. I liked and uh, the two of them. They were funny. But the big guy who uh, just, like, glided into the cactuses, he was so useless. Does his name Poopy? No, Poopy's is the other new guy. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I like his name. I, I love the idea of someone doing stunts and then Yeah, they had four Poopy. new guys plus Dark Shark, like the black guy's dad. Black yeah. guy, then the woman... Um, and then there's a, a poop scene in the back guy. Okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, no, I had a blast with this movie. The reason why it's 15 is because I gave this movie four stars because it's fucking awesome. And this is, and 16 and lower was a three and a half. So I would have had to accept the fact that this is a 3.5 movie or I had to put it at 15. And I was not ready to face the reality that this is oh, probably this is not a four, a four star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this had to stay at 15. It's just, it's a good time. It's too much fun for me to put any lower. But, yeah, there you go. That's it for <laughs> Jackass Forever. Um, honestly, this is perfect. You don't, you don't need a fifth one. I'll just watch this one over and over. This is my new go-to Jackass movie. If someone says, let's throw on Jackass, this is the new one. This is the one I'm putting on. This is, this is my go-to. I, I really liked this one. Great time. All right, we can move on to number 23 here. Uh, We're going to do kind of a reverse Uno where I was the one that was defending this movie uh, and you guys are going to be defending this movie because we are moving on to Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Wow. So Tristan has this at 13, Hayden has this at 14, and I have it at 48. I, I really like this one. I want seven more knives. I thought this was fantastic. I agree. Like, I'm, I'm pretty stupid. Uh, I've only been able to guess who it was for one Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> so, like, I'm pretty stupid when it comes to that. But this movie, although worse than the first, um, I think it was, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to put it into words. I think the cast was good. I Gosh, think it was yeah. cool how they showed it blatantly who the murderer was, but like watching it, I didn't see that the dude switch the cups. Like I didn't see anything like that. But 
they showed it in broad daylight. Yeah. And only people who were truly like paying attention or on a second watch, obviously, um, were able to catch it. Uh, I thought that was really fun, something that I haven't seen in very many other movies. And just little things like that where the whole background story of the, the one girl, how she took her sister's place. Um, she cracked the code herself for the box uh, when everyone else had to work together for this box. Um, she uh, got, what's his name? Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc to come here, um, played it off like she didn't know him. I thought she was a super entertaining character, and then she just, she just dies. And then it just leaves Ben by himself trying to figure out who, because she was the only one he could trust to help him find the murderer. I thought that was very well done. I thought he did great. And I thought the whole cast did great, even the big guy. I don't like that big guy. I like oh, him. Oh, but God. he changed my mind in this movie. He's the yeah, best. I like um, he did really good. And this movie, I just, I really enjoyed That's why I put it at 14. I think it's deserving. I think you are wrong, Quentin. No, I, no, no. See, Quentin, just like he did last time, putting a uh, jackass real high because he wanted it to be high. He knew we were having this one high, so he put it real low because he wanted <laughs> This yeah, Glass Onion is a great movie, and I, I guess like the one knock, and I think it's one of the few things we probably won't bring up here, is it was a little obvious of who it was, but it most definitely plays into it. Like even when I was watching it, my first gut feeling was it was, and we've already spoiled it, so I'll continue to. Hey, but spoiler, if you <laughs> skip ahead if you don't want to know who the murderer was, Edward Norton's character. I pretty quickly goes, oh, that's for sure the guy. But then throughout the film, as we you know kept seeing more and more clues get revealed and more things get start happening. You start questioning yourself. Is it him? Could it be this guy? Could it be that person? You know what I mean? You start pointing the finger all over the place. And you're, no, it's Edward Norton's scared. Of course it's the rich guy. It's always the rich guy. And I did guess it right. Uh, I didn't find the smoking gun with the, the napkin in, in, in the painting. But I, um, I didn't know who it was. But overall, it wasn't the fact that it was yes. It was that it was hard to decipher. It was that all, all, all the, the muddying waters and then the finger pointing. You can never really know who you can trust in this film, except for Ben Wall. Of course, we know who you can trust him. And it was just, I think this is a, like a, a masterclass on how to do mystery movies, both this one and Knives Out. Uh, the big ensemble cast, the great acting, the cool characters, the fun locations, cult, funny jokes, all the pieces right in broad daylight, right in front of your eyes. Yeah, That's yeah. where the murder happens. You see it happen, but not until the final reveal when he pulls the red thread and you see all the clues fall into place and Ben Blanc solves the case yet again. But even then when that happened, the bad guy still won. The letter got burnt, and the bad guy still won. They couldn't convict him in court uh, in, until you stop doing it the legal way, and you just do it the way it needs to get done, and she but fucked shit up. If they all went to court, he would yeah. have been convicted. Only if they were willing to testify. Why wouldn't he be willing? In the movie, they weren't willing to testify because he was the one financing. If they testified against him, they lose their money. They're no longer rich. Didn't they then change? Yeah, after she blew up the house. Oh, okay. Did you not watch the film? No, I was saying, I was like, <laughs> wait, no, they did switch. They <laughs> Because he already lost. She beat him by blowing up the house. Then they were willing to because she already won it. Um, but I thought this was great. I think this is a masterclass on murder mystery. I think this and Knives Out are both incredible. We had a lot of murder mysteries this year, as we've already discussed. This is hands down. The worst. No. Nowhere freaking near. What do you think? Go ahead. Say your piece. Um, although I will say, uh, you were wrong. You said that you are assuming I would bring up the fact that Edward Norton being obvious is uh, issue with the movie. I, I have no issue with that at all, actually. I actually think that there's no problem with being obvious with who the killer is, because this isn't even really a murder mystery movie. Like, they never shy away from the fact that it's Edward Norton. Like, they show you that he hands the glass, 
and they gla- they, they, they gaslight us. Oh no! Instantly, it, it, they showed it to us. We we literally saw him hand it to him. We, like, although I will say I when they oh really? So when they gaslit us and they like showed like an alterated version of it, I wasn't once like oh yeah that's what happened. I went okay they're tricking us. We already know that he's the killer, but. I thought that was a really cool moment. I like, like that was the best moment of the whole movie when they retell that and manipulate the audience into thinking that they saw it wrong. Obviously, I I, I knew I saw it right, so it was obvious. But I, I I thought that was a really cool way of telling that story was trying to trick the audience into not believing what we actually saw with their own eyes. So I do think that was a really good moment. And there are things I like. I think Dylan Craig as being LeBlanc is really, really good. Like, I really like this character. I, I think he's really fun. And I think he might be better in this one than in Knives Out. Like, I think he's really fun in this one. I think he had more personality in this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, he was more, like, it was actually less of an ensemble cast, which is one of my many knocks against this movie is, I just think the cast in the first movie is just way better. Like, it's just a way more fun dynamic. Yeah. And this one's very much... Daniel Craig and everyone else is kind of playing second fiddle. Like it's the Daniel Craig show. Like look at the poster that we're looking at right now. It's literally just the Daniel Craig show, which is fine. And I really like him as a character. He's really fun in this. And the second note that I did enjoy was I do. I'm a sucker for summer vibes. Like I'm a real sucker for just everyone's in bathing suits. It's a hot summer day. Like it's, it's, I loved the vibe of just a nice tropical Island in this film compared to like, the wintry sweaters everyone wore in Knives Out. So I really liked the, just the the vibe this movie had. Everything else about this movie, I fucking hate it. And like I said, Tristan, there's 47 movies I liked. This is 48. I, I, I don't like this movie. This is the best of the bad movies because of the few things that I mentioned. But I genuinely think this movie is unrewatchable. You You cannot rewatch this movie. I saw it a second time to my own detriment because the first time I watched it, it was the Friday night this thing dropped. I had four glasses of wine, and I turned to my wife and said, wait a second, Glass Onion came out tonight. It's 9 o'clock. Let's throw that bad boy on. So you're telling me you, you had four glasses of wine, and you saw him? Yes, it was that obvious. It, it was on the screen, of course. So I was already four glasses yeah, of wine. you're full of shit. I'm not, dude. Are you, Tristan, yeah, were you not watching the movie? You, 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 I was watching the you movie. You didn't see him hand the glass. Uh, no. Okay. All right. Well. No, no. Honestly, I think most people missed it. Okay. Or if they saw it when they re-showed it, in their mind, it, it tricked them. Very Maybe I, I I do think it was handled really well, but I I, I thought it was pretty obvious. And uh, like yeah, I said before, fun. the movie started. If they're gonna get Edward Norton, he's yeah, gonna be more than just like some douche. Like he's he's he he loves being the villain. I I kind of knew going in. I had this in my head. Like this guy's easily the killer. So maybe I had that preconceived notion that, you know, they cast over Norrin. He's not going to agree to be like the Dave Bautista of this movie and like just be prevalent for half the movie. Nah, he's here for the whole thing. He'll be the bad guy. So maybe that also, is Edward helped. Norton like the biggest star? Edward Norton's pretty hard to get. Like he's pretty picky I, with his never... projects. Okay. In yeah. Quinn's defense though, like there were a few people who I suspected. So every single thing they did, I was watching. Yeah, but I, Edward Norton was one of my top stars only because he's the rich guy. It's always the rich guy. See, you know, I, I mean, that's what I thought for sure was Edward Norton from the beginning. He's the rich guy. Yeah, I, I, I assume it was him. Not yeah. because Edward Norton's. I don't. I, I've heard of him, but I don't know much about Edward. I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with his work. 
So, yeah. uh, well, 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 once I, again, I uh, knowing it was Edward Norton didn't hurt the film at all for me. I had a good time knowing yeah. it was him the whole time. Yeah. So I've already mentioned why you didn't like it. You just said everything else about it was bad. The reason I rewatched it was because he picked it for the podcast and I realized, fuck, I, I couldn't tell him what happened in the movie. I, it, was, it was all a blur by the time I woke up. I, I couldn't really think about that much of the movie. So I, I, I had to rewatch it. And so sure. rewatching it, I don't know if you guys see, saw this for the second time, but I really no, don't think I, it's... I didn't watch any movies except for the Batman. Okay. I watched I them all once. I yeah. yeah, I really don't think this is a rewatch. Like, you can't rewatch this movie. It's a one-trick pony because the movie is the same movie three times. The first half of the movie is actually still decent. Like, it's, it's, it's just a normal story. And then they have the twist that it's the sister the whole time. So they replay all of the scenes. It's not like they replay a few scenes. They replay almost every single scene from the first half of the movie. So we get, like, another 45 minutes of stuff we've already seen. And then we get the reveal that it's Edward Norton. So then we get another 15, 20-minute montage of the exact same shots that Daniel Craig is focusing on when pointing out that it's him the whole time. So we, there are scenes that we see three times in the span of a two-hour movie. Like, like the movie is basically just, uh, what, what's the director's name? Ryan Johnson? It's basically just Ryan yeah. Johnson just jerking himself off for two hours. Like, oh, look how great my writing is. I had this phrase said three times in my movie just to point to you guys. Like He thinks we're all idiots, so he has to remind us three times that Dave Bautista said this offhandedly, or this person said that. Like, there's no rewatchability factor because we saw it three times, and then when we rewatch it, normally movies like Clue or Bodies, 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 or See How They Run, when you rewatch a murder mystery, half the fun is rewatching it and seeing the clues yourself. But we're not seeing it ourselves because he showed it to us three fucking times in the movie. I saw the line six times because I rewatched it. He keeps showing, like, it's, it's just, it's, he plays his own great skits. Fairness, you only remember it three times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, the first time I kind of forgot most of it. But, like, he sucks the fun out of a murder mystery. It's basically just him pointing to his own writing and saying, look at how smart I am. And the writing is kind of not that sharp. I remember Knives Out being way more clever, because in this movie, it's like, oh, hey, Alexa, can you play the song? Oh, wait, haha, this is a lamp, silly me. Or Edward Norton is like, hey... I love this drink. It's made by this guy. Oh, haha! That guy doesn't make drinks. Like, is it like the whole movie is just like, haha? They're so rich and dumb, and that's the comedy. It's just like, look at how dumb they are. They're so goofy. It's like childish humor. It's just I don't like the movie really at all. I like Daniel Craig, and I kind of you know once again I like the summer vibes, but like, whatever. It's the worst murder mystery of the year. In a great year no, of murder no. mystery. This movie's fantastic. <laughs> the reason you don't like it is because they use flashbacks. It's such a lame reason not to like the film. This movie's fantastic. And what it, it doesn't beat it over the head. It's not showing the same scene on, over and over, shot, shot for shot. It's, it's, it's always from a different perspective. right? They're showing it from that player's perspective instead of original Benoit Block's perspective we saw the first time around. Right? And I guess maybe a rewatch might not be the most... I didn't rewatch films. I, you don't make movies to care about rewatchability. Right, you watch it one day. It's a murder mystery. Well, this movie's fantastic. Uh, the way it sets up all the uh, all the building blocks to the final reveal. I thought this movie was fantastic. And the whole point, of, like the whole shtick of Knives Out, is you kind of see how it works from different points of view, and then at the end they reveal the villain's point of view, just like in the first one. Yeah. Spoiler alert: we saw the bad guy switch the drugs, and we saw all that. 
we saw the main guy die three times in the first film. Yeah. That's the whole point of not, that's the whole shtick of Knives Out of them reviewing it from different people's point of view as the film progresses. And from piecing together all those points of view, you can get the whole story of what happened, not just Ben on Blanc's perspective or the victim's perspective or the, the, or the guilty party's perspective, but the whole, the, everything that happened in the movie. I thought it was great. I think most of your critiques are, are, are pretty silly. You already knew the ending of it because you watched it the first time. It's not really the movie's fault. I thought it built up the, the suspense and leading towards the end of the film quite well. I really liked most of the characters. I thought a, uh, a lot of the acting was really quite done. I do agree that this one was less of an ensemble, more of a uh, Benoit Blanc uh, leading the film. He's very much the lead character in this one, where he's less so in the first one. Yeah. And whether you like that or dislike that, uh, that's, that's fair criticism there. I do think that a, uh, it makes sense, though, going into this one, because if they were trying to connect this in the first one, he's obviously the only form of connection between the two films. So it's not surprisingly lean a little heavier him uh, to guide the audience into this, this new movie, this new sort of universe, even this new cast of characters and everything. So none of that is really too surprising. Uh, but I, I do agree on that one, that filming the first one, even though it still has a great big cast of uh, well-known actors and great colorful characters and all like that. I'm not upset because I already knew the ending. I knew the ending because I knew Edward Norton was the killer when I f- watched it the first time, drunk. Like, uh, that's not the part that the issue is. It's just the fact that he kept showing me the same stuff. And to be fair, I've never rewatched Knives Out. So maybe I'm kind of having that rose-colored glasses of remembering that being really good. And maybe I just don't like Ryan yeah. Johnson's murder really mystery style. What? You must really hate Groundhog Day. <laughs> no, no, no. Groundhog Day is fucking hilarious. Are you kidding me? It's oh, not a murder I've mystery. Seen seen before. No, in my I've opinion, my perspective <laughs> that, that's true. Groundhog Day is a f- is fucking great. That's different. It's because, fantastic. It's those glass onion. Yeah. Yeah, they showed the thing over, but it's slightly different this time. Uh, yes, but like I feel like murder mysteries are meant to like rewatch them over and over. And I feel like these ones are just not I really don't, but I feel like if you know the ending of a murder mystery, you know you know it, they're the worst movies to get spoiled. That's fair, I guess. But I, I like picking out what happened, and he already showed us what happened in the movie during its montage at the end of the movie. Yeah, but, but, but I guess that's fair, that I guess. Do, he knows that modern-day audiences don't... Most people only watch a the one movie and once. Kind of a yeah. one-and-done kind of thing. That's fair. Um, like, I watched 60 movies this year. How many of them did I rewatch? One. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really rewatch. No. And so it makes sense that, that why would you force your audience to go back and rewatch the whole 90 to two hour film again in order to get those clues when you can just show them at the end of the movie. That's a good point. I also think the ending is just nonsensical and you're kind of explaining to Hayden, but maybe you can explain this to me too, because she explains everything. Well, Daniel Craig explains everything and then she pulls out the napkin and he burns it. So her proof is gone and she turns to everybody and she goes, Hey, why do like, you guys just saw what happened. You guys know Edward Norton is a piece of shit. Like, are you, do you guys yeah. have my back? And they're all like, no. And she turns to Craig yeah. and she's like, hey, can you help me out here? You got to take this guy down. He goes, hey, I'm only with the law. If there's no proof, there's no proof. I can't do nothing anymore. However, yeah. and he leans in and he's like, do what you do best. And so she takes that as pushing pieces of glass and shattering it. And it's as if, I understand the metaphor, she is shattering everybody's perspective of him being untouchable but like, yeah. in what world are these people standing there going, hey, this is a metaphor of his, you know, entire empire shattering before our eyes. Let's also push glass sculptures with her. And now they're all of a sudden on her side. This is before the place is burned down. They all are all turning on him because she's breaking pieces of glass. Like, what, why? Well, I don't think they were really turning on him. Um, 
Because at this point, up until the house blows up, nothing's really going to change right. until the house blows up. Uh, I think mostly they're just pushing all the bullshit. I think they're tired too, right? They're tired of him pushing him around. Right. They're tired of him him, but they're not willing to turn on him, A, because they have money and they know they're going to lose anyway. And B, if they do turn on him, they lose their money as well, right? So they're not quite willing to, to turn on him. Uh, but they're willing to get back at him. And until she blows up the house and burns down the Mona Lisa, uh, at that point, the sticking with him would do more harm to them than good. And they clearly don't like the guy already. Uh, so then they happily turn on them. I, I don't think that at that point they were they were they're just fucking shit up because why not? Okay. Uh, and then when everything is fucked up, that's when they, that's when they did. Okay, maybe. Uh, but I agree. The other people pushing the glass sculpture doesn't make the most sense, nor does it really <laughs> matter. It's a pretty small thing in the movie. Um, well, you know, it's it's a pretty major thing in the movie, actually, because uh, it wouldn't have blown up if they weren't helping her out. No, because as long as she did what she did, it was uh, she didn't really need the rest. She was the one who blew up the house. It was from the the gas thing in the uh, you know in the Mona Lisa. But but the gas is released because they're all they all crash all the sculptures on top of the fireplace. Yeah, and it releases it. So, anyways, it's fine. It's it's a knives out movie. I thought it was quite good. I, I want seven more of these. I hope Ralph is in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, if he, if he does release a third one, which he is, and Netflix already bought a third one for $200 million, which is fucking insane. Um, I'll watch it once. I'll, I'll just stick to the one time. You're right. This was, like, I, I, I had a pretty good time from my memory of watching it the first time. I, like, it's, it's a good time. You know, I'm going to go watch this one a second time. Okay, all right. <laughs> or you know what? How about this? The third one, I'll watch it once, and you'll watch it twice, Tristan, and then we'll get back on this list uh, <laughs> two years' time. Yeah. There you go. We'll see, maybe I'll be at 13, and you'll be at 48. I doubt it. I don't think it's going to be that <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. All right. We can move on to number 22 here, uh, one that we might be in more agreement here. Uh, that is going to be one of Tristan's picks, Woo-hoo. Prey. So I have this yeah. at 14, Tristan has this at 24, and Hayden has this at 36. That's pretty spread out there. Yeah, a good, like, yeah. 10 part each. Let's go first this time. I don't really have that much to say, despite really liking this movie, because I have it at 14. But I think this is just a genuinely fun time. Like, it's just This is a pretty great horror film. This is a really fun action flick. And it's exactly what, like the Predator franchise needs, which is kind of like a soft reboot, a totally different world. I Honestly, I just want to see the Predator just go to different landscapes and worlds and just fight in that atmosphere. This is kind of like Jurassic World Dominion, where you kind of just want to see the big monsters fuck shit up in a different atmosphere. Yeah. Let's change the vibe up here. You know, Predators are mostly in the jungle, but what, what would he be like if he's like back in the 1800s fighting uh, people with sticks? Like, it's just, it's kind of exciting to see this change. I think the lead character is great. I think, you know, using the world around them to take down this monster was really exciting. It's just as simple as that. I have it at 14 because I think it's a, it's just a perfectly fun made movie. Like, it, it, there's no issues with this film at all. It's just a good time. Nothing that deep to analyze here. It's just people fucking up a predator, and it was a good time. I'll follow up. I'm at 36. I'm the Bohem movie. Like Quinn said, it's just it's just a fun time. Uh, it, to me, it felt like it was the best Predator movie, but I, I just don't care for the Predator. So I, I gave it 36 because compared to all the other movies, this felt very middle, maybe a little less than middle of the road. Um, 
simply because compared to the horror movies of this year, I'd put it definitely on the bottom half of the horror movies. And we've had so many strong movies this year. This one was good. I never watched it unless Tristan picked it, simply because I don't care for Predator. Um, Tristan made me watch it, and I liked it, but it, it felt different, which was good, because the Predator movies suck. But it was still a Predator movie, which is why I thought 36. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I said most of them have the same Predator ranking, but I, uh, I like this one quite a bit. I thought this one was... I, I really like what they did with the franchise. The best in the franchise, for sure, my favorite. I really thought the main character was awesome. I like how they used the new to take down the Predator. I like the new setting. I like the idea that the Predator always hunts, uh, you know, the biggest, most dominant threats on the planet. And so he overlooked this, you know, the little girl who, who ended up being his demise, a small woman, young woman who uh, took down the big Predator. I thought it was awesome. I thought, I thought they used the whole mythos of the Predator really well in a new time period, a new spot. And they, uh, overall, I like I said, easily, I think, best of the franchise. I'm hoping we get more in this sort of style and this sort of band of the Predator. Where they really try unique and, and, and different uh, takes rather than the same old military men fighting a big guy in a, in a jungle song. That's kind of lame. It's been overdone. You know, this is a way better system. Honestly, I think it might still like Predator better, like like the original. Like I thought nah, that was a really fun time to get to the chopper. No. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was so campy. Like what was it? Yeah, it was very campy. It was very fun. <laughs> and I also I like Predator. I think that one was. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's that good. Yeah. I just drops them in. Yeah, yeah was, the first half of that was good. The second half, really. How can you tell me Predator is not the best one when Arnold Schwarzenegger takes like a stick and shoves the guy's hand into a pool and goes? Why don't you stick around? And then he leaves? Come on. I don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger very much. Are you kidding me? Get out. Get out of this pocket. Are you fucking kidding? Arnold Schwarzenegger is hilarious. I'm a Schwarzenegger fan. Yeah. Schwarzenegger's great. Yeah, I think I like, I might like Predator a little bit more, but Prey is great. And I really like the idea of, I like to think it's only two movies in the franchise, Predator and Prey. Like, what a great yeah. duo title. Like, a really it's a great name movie. for this movie. Prey. Such a good name. I, like, I've, I never would have thought of it. Uh, I don't know how no one thought of this, but it's, it's yeah. a really clever name. All right, we can move on to number 21 here. And we have another Tristan pick, back-to-back here. Woo-hoo. Let's go, baby. We got Weird, the Al Yankovic story. So I have this at 28. Hayden has this at 25. It so didn't crack the top yeah, so. 20. Well, well, it almost did. We're pretty close on this, me and Hayden. Tristan has this at 17. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll jump in on this. I really, uh, I, okay. I liked it a lot. I, I was hoping, I, I, but I, I really, really enjoyed. It. I was super excited. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to get into. I thought it was going to be standard Weird Al biopic. Um, I should have known that it wouldn't be. And we talked about like Spencer and Blonde doing these like bullcrap made up stories of real people. This is how you do it, right? Oh yeah. This is how you make up a story about a real person. All right. Off the wall craziness and have him be alive. Absolutely, yeah. Have him be a part of it. You know what I mean? And it makes sense. Of course, he's going to do a parody. Everything he's done in his career has been parodying off all the work. And of course, when it comes to his own movie, he's going to parody off the group. And he knocks it out of the park as he always does. I thought this thing was hilarious. It was wild. It was certainly weird. And I thought that was very fun. I think it lives up to uh, to the name, to the man behind the name. I think Weird Al Yankovic's biopic is exactly the way it should have been. Off the walls and crazy. This is everything in this career always has been. And of course, filled with some amazing music and great yes. accordion solos, which is needed in a Weird Al biopic. I thought this knocked off, checked off all the boxes for a great Weird Al biopic. If you are going to do this sort of 
fake biopic uh, type movie, this is the only way to do it. This shows Blonde how it's freaking done. This is how you make a fake biopic movie. This was great, hilarious, and awesome. I loved every second of it. The music in this movie was so good. Oh, I listened to incredible. Weird Al in the shower for months after this movie. And, uh, fuck, what's his name? Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. He did so good. I was so, like, caught off guard when I realized from the trailer it was going to be Daniel Radcliffe. But he fit the role so well. The whole origin story of how his father destroyed the accordion and hated music. That was so dumb. It was pretty funny how he went to a party. And instead of drinking, he played the accordion. And that's what he got in trouble for. That's hilarious. The, one th- the reason why I have it at 25 and not higher is because I thought the whole Madonna and the drug story, that was too far. They stretched that a little too much. Nobody killed Pop. Yeah, that was, that was a little too weird. What? Um, but no, I loved all the music. I, lo- I loved it. God, it was absolutely. This was so fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, this movie is great. There's nothing else I can add that you guys didn't already mention. It's just a genuinely fun time. I'm at 28 just because, you know, uh, I just like 27 movies better than this one. But I just, I think this is a great biopic. This is a really fun time. No one mentioned this one yet. But I think easily the funniest bit is the fact that he made the song My Bologna and then someone parodied his song. He made the original song according to this, which is hilarious. That he's making the regular songs and everyone's parodying off of him. They're oh, stealing, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what he did. Michael Jackson copied him off Eat It. Yeah. How dare Michael Jackson steal Eat It from him? Yeah. He made Eat It, and Michael Jackson made a parody called Beat It? Get the hell right. out of here. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, well, and the My Balloon was also a parody, right? Like, he made the original song for that, and then uh, the actual artist made... No, that one wasn't no. a parody. That was a very, very... Oh, okay, okay. I must have got that mixed up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was the, the beat Okay, I thought there was like a couple songs. But okay, it must have just been the Eda one. Yeah, where I love the bit that he made the regular song, and the whole thing was he wants to make a, he's going to prove everyone that he's going to make a real song, and then they parody him. Unbelievable. I thought that was a really funny bit. This that whole movie is really fun. Uh, I don't think they went far enough. I disagree with Hayden. They should have went fucking nuttier. This movie was perfect. <laughs> I was never a sequel. Or it just goes crazier. Yeah. What, called Weirder? Yes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Weirder, you think of it. Yeah. Just a great time. A <laughs> really oh, fun movie. I love how the, the end credit song, right? So all the songs, all like his songs, except for the end credit song. That one is a new song for the... And one of the last lines in the song is, this song's technically eligible for Oscar's creation, and I really hope it gets to the nod. It didn't. Oh, right, it did it. We already know that. Damn it. It deserved to get the nod. <laughs> It was eligible for Oscar consideration. And I don't even think it made the... I don't even think it made the... It didn't make the shortlist. It didn't even yeah. make the shortlist, yeah. Nachi Nachi's got to win that. I, oh, Nachi Nachi's got to win As I it so. fucking should, baby. Because that, like, that was such a good... Like, that's such a good... Whoa, part. we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. we'll, uh, hey, that's later in the list. So, you know, right we, we got, we'll get to it. Yeah. So, coming in to number 20, the 20th best film, according to the three of us, we have one of Hayden's picks, and that is going to be Cha-Cha Real Smooth. So Tristan and I are close to the same page here. I have it at 30, Tristan has it at 28, uh, but Hayden, we have another film from his top 10. He has this exactly at number 10. Uh, Hayden, you, you go first here. Uh, top 10 film of the year for you, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. W- what were your thoughts? Uh, I was uh, up late one night. 
I uh, thought I'd get, grind through this movie. I did not expect anything good of it. But this is, I think, the cutest movie of the year. It's just flat out adorable, the relationship. Uh, this I don't even know any of the characters' names. The boy builds with both the mother and the daughter. I just connected. I don't know if I was just in a good mood for a movie, but I loved this movie when I was watching it. Everything just felt so natural. The relationships between the characters felt genuine. And I don't know. I just thought it was easily the 10th best film of the year. I'll jump in on this one. So this is by the same guy who did House a Shit couple House. years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, in both of these movies, right, he wrote, directs, and stars in them, right? He yep. is the writer as well? I thought so. And I like him. I like, I'm excited to see whatever this guy does. He's a small indie director. He's doing all these, you know, most of the work himself making these movies. And both of them have turned out quite well. I personally connected with Shit House a lot more than Chad Chad Real Smooth. Probably just has to do with my age and what those stories are about and how it's about, you know, going through university your first year. And that's something I can relate a little more with than Cha-Cha Real Smooth. It's more about, you know, a young man sort of connecting with a mother and her daughter and then building a relationship with the two of them. Although I did like this one a lot. Uh, I think this was quite good. I do think he is a stronger writer and director than he is actor. <laughs> and, and, and I think that that might be one thing holding it back a little. I think his writing is very well done. As Hayden mentioned... Uh, everything in this movie feels natural and real, and I think the same with Shithouse. I think the way he scripts these conversations, he manages to make them feel like real conversations and not like a uh, pre-written conversations that a lot of, you know, more mediocre or meddling scripts can feel like. I, I think his writing is very well done. I think he's a good actor, I- I- but I think he's an outstanding director and writer, and I am excited to see what this guy does from here on. I wish I knew his name, so I knew who to look up. Cooper Ray. I don't know anything about this guy besides his two films that he's made, and I, I think he's great. Uh, I, I like this one. I just didn't love it. This one didn't connect with me as much as it seems like it did for Hayden. I enjoyed this one a lot. I for sure liked Shit House a little more. Um, but like I said, I'm excited to see whatever this man does from here on out. I really like this movie. I, I guess the 30 seems like I'm low on it, but I was a really big fan of this one. I agree with Tristan that I think personally I just liked Shit House more. But once yeah. again, uh, maybe it's just because, you know, uh, <laughs> me and just both went to university and maybe for Chacha Real Smooth, we can't relate as much to the struggles he's going through. But I really like the writing in this. I really like the directing. Uh, yeah, I guess since you pointed out the acting, I, I didn't think of it, but his acting did seem stronger in Shithouse. Maybe it's because that was with like just a bunch of his buddies in university. Literally, it was just with nobody. You wrote that movie from scratch. It was incredible. And in this one, you know, he does have at least some bigger stars little you know like at least we have some actual stars in the film with him here Uh, and also i just feel like this movie it's i don't know i don't love the relationship with him and this woman who's clearly older than him like it's a little weirder that she's like married and you know there's some layers with that that does they're both adults in this this is not a call me by your name yeah no 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 yeah no 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 sorry (laughs) i just mean like she's like you know uh, already like married and has a child and he like yeah. just got out of university like no he's still like you know there's nothing illegal going on here it's nothing like no. cringy he's or like anything. 24 and yeah. he's like 36 right yeah like, there's a clear age gap yeah but uh yeah not, mostly uh, the age, yeah and the age is really the biggest issue it's more so the fact that like she's married and has a child and he like yeah is kind of you know just young and going right like he's, he's yeah. just starting living adulthood. Clearly two different yeah. stages of their lives yeah but I do really like the ending of the movie. I actually thought yeah, the ending was yeah. really good. How the movie kind of plays with the audience's perspective on how these romances normally go. We assume that his dad, who is kind of strict, is just like a jerk. And he's like the stepfather. So we instantly assume that, like, you know, it's kind of a loveless marriage and she's just jumping into a new relationship. And we assume that this man, that the woman that he's into, uh, who she's married, he's off doing business trips, right? So we are instantly assuming, oh, he must be cheating. He's probably not a great husband. 
But we find out at the end of the movie that obviously his stepfather is a really good father and his mother loves him. And we find out that obviously uh, the, the woman who he's interested in, her husband, is a great husband. And he's had nothing but respect for Cooper Rafe and he's been a great father. And so we, with him, make these assumptions based on our knowledge of film and based on our lack of knowledge of these relationships similar to Cooper Rafe. And so I feel like they played with the audience perspective of our knowledge of film and our lack of knowledge of their relationships because we're looking at the film through the eyes of Cooper Rafe. And so I do really like how the film, the screenplay is really sharp. Like we instantly make these judgments on these relationships with Cooper. And we kind of find out at the end of the movie that just like Cooper, we're just dumb kids. Like we're just making assumptions off of relationships that we have no involvement with. And that's kind of the, you know, the hardships of growing up as an adult. We kind of need to come to the realization that we're idiots sometimes. We, we don't really know what's going on with the world around us. We're still growing and learning. And so I really thought that this screenplay expressed that really well. I feel like that's something that could have been handled pretty poorly if handled with the wrong guy. Uh, once again, I said this with Shithouse. I have nothing but respect for Cooper Rafe. And I think he's only going to be going up from here. Like, I thought both these movies were really good. I don't know if he has seen Shithouse yet, but I yeah. have... You have. You have? Which one did you prefer? I like this one. Okay. Oh, that's fair. I, I, they're both really good. I'm really excited for anything this guy does. We can move on to number 19 here. We got another film from someone's top 10. And I feel like it's time we discuss one of Tristan's. I feel like we haven't done yeah, that. We haven't had any of my top 10. <laughs> I, waiting for that. I feel like we've gone through half of mine and Tristan still got his top 10 in the top 19. So but here we are. Movie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, this one is questionable. Uh, number 19, we have one of Hayden's picks, and that's Smile. So Tristan has this at 9, <laughs> Hayden has it at 15, and I have it at 43. 46. So this is just barely what he considers a good movie. I, no, no, this is a good movie. <laughs> no, I, I, don't hate I this absolutely movie. love Smile. Okay, so as we're getting closer to my top 10, you're going to realize there's I think like half my top 10 is horror movies this year. My, my top 10 is very much a lot of horror movies and uh i think this one is a uh i don't think this is this is not the highest ranked horror movie i have on my list i think there's a lot of really great horror movies and this is one of the ones that really knocked out of the park for me in the summer i i liked this one a lot i thought it was a really cool a uh, horror film i thought it was pretty scary at times nine honestly honestly looking back on it now nine might be a little high Hayden has it at 15 that feels pretty right to me you know what i mean i think this is like a top 20 film of the year maybe not quite a top 10 film though so Overall, we have it at 19. That also feels pretty right to me. I like Smile a lot. I thought it was pretty scary. I thought there was some good moments in there. Yeah. I, I think the premise was just a lot of fun. That's why I picked it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, the horror was, like Tristan said, it, was, it, was, it got terrifying. And I loved the ending. I thought the ending was chaotic, crazy. Uh, I love when big, ugly monsters come into horror movies. Uh, you can make them look really scary just by how ugly they are. Um, I thought the movie held relationships very well between the main girl and her sister and how this disease or whatever you want to call it, uh, her going crazy, kind of affected more than just her, affected her family. I think the actresses did very well. And I think overall it was just a great horror movie that came up. When you have it there at 43, you're, you're the ball humbug. Yeah, why, yeah, why is that? It definitely makes me look like I'm the Bahumbug. I'm just shocked you guys have it so high. Like, this is a perfectly fine horror flick. It's kind of like Megan from this year, 2023, where it's just like, it's a perfectly fine three out of five good time horror movie. I recommend it to anybody that likes horror. It's good. 
it's just nothing great. And like, there's nothing really well done about this movie except for the ending, like Hayden said. I thought the ending was really good. Like, I really, like, when I left the movie, I thought, okay, that was pretty freaking good. But if I thought of anything besides the last 20 minutes, I kind of disagree that the actress was good. I thought the lead actress was, like, really bad. Like, her screaming and crying, like, it was just really annoying or just really badly portrayed. Like, I just don't think she was the best, in my opinion. I just didn't really enjoy her that much. And I thought some of the jump scares in the first three quarters, since it was more psychological, was, like, a lot of just, like, loud noises just to make people jump. Like, it's kind of like the... What's the franchise called? Like the Conjuring franchise, right? With like the Annabelle movies and all those. Like it's, it's the horror films similar to those where like it just relies on like a loud noise to kind of make you jump a little. Like it's nothing actually scary except for the ending. Like I really think the ending really just picks up. Like it's, it's crazy the look of the creature we see near the end of the movie. Like it gets really exciting you know, in the final 20 minutes. I did have a good time with this film. I have it at 43. I think it's a good time. But it's just mostly the actress, and then just, I don't think the first three quarters are that scary for me. Like, it just seems like it's mostly loud noises and nothing actually terrifying. So it, it was slow at the beginning. It's a perfectly enjoyable horror flick. This is not even close to one of my favorite horror movies of the year. Like, there's some really good ones that came out. Uh, this one's good. We can move on to number 18. We are uh, going to be doing... Three Hayden picks in a row. We have another pick from Hayden here. Uh, this one, we are more in agreement. We have the animated film that will not be winning Best Picture, but probably should. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. You know so, this one's going to win? No. no. No, there's absolutely no chance. Uh, I have it at 18. Tristan has it at 20. And Hayden has it at 26. I thought this one was awesome. I had a lot of fun with Puss in Boots. Uh, significantly better than the first one. <laughs> it's like close but like knowing how you guys liked clerks too like you guys probably have puss in boots one higher or something like that no we should actually have good movies yeah I like movies. <laughs> yeah puss in, the first puss i watched them both the exact same day because uh, did we watch the first puss in boots trust and i don't remember it yeah i i saw that back in the game okay. i for sure saw the first puss in boots back in the game. i knew humpty dumpty was in it but i don't know if i knew that because i saw the commercial i, I, I don't know Pretty sure you saw it with me. I okay. it. Maybe I'll block it out because I remember nothing about that movie and I watched it and it's potentially one of the worst anime films of the last decade. It's so bad. It's absolutely dreadful. Um, it's a half star. It's trash. But this movie... Half a star? It, it looks that's, so bad. That's, that's a little hard. No, it's so bad. It's horrible. It looks disgusting. The screenplay is disastrous and there's literally no purpose. There's no plot. It's just running around finding an egg. But Puss in Boots The Last Wish was incredible. The animation looked amazing. I absolutely loved the whole concept of The Last Wish and him with the nine lives. And obviously Death was just the coolest character. So yeah, that was sick. It was so cool. Uh, my only complaint, if I was to make a complaint, um, is that it just felt like one too many villains. Like there's three villains jammed into this one movie. And I like John Mulaney, but they could have cut that entire guy out. Like he had some fun moments, but like the movie yeah, was all... The big guy, yeah, but he was so cool. I, I, he was I good. Really like, like how his uh, bag of uh, storybook items. Yes, he was really good. But if you're gonna keep him, then you're gonna have to get rid of Goldilocks or get rid of Death. Like, I feel like three villains all packed into one movie was a lot. 
Uh, that'd it be my only complaint. Feel like none of them didn't get enough camera time. I didn't feel like any of them were shoehorned in. You know what I mean? Like, I felt I felt it handled having three villains a lot better than most Marvel movies. Well, yeah, it handled it pretty well. More yeah. than enough camera time without making the runtime a two-hour film. It was still only a crisp, like, hour 45. None of them felt too underdeveloped or, or too unneeded. They all served their purpose. I, I actually thought it did it pretty damn well, all things considered. Yeah, well, yeah. I agree. With all things considered, it did handle it really well. And that'd be my only complaint. Like, I think we got a lot of camera time with the villains, but, like, we could have used a bit more time with maybe uh, the female Puss in Boots. I, I don't know oh, her no, name. No, if there was a character to cut, it was the female Puss in Boots. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. But the whole point is, Puss in Boots needs to realize that love and family is more important than his legacy and, you know, going out on a high and just getting himself killed. Like, he needs to realize that settling and being with the ones you love is the most important. So I feel like you needed to keep the the female cat. I understand for the moral of the story, <laughs> you need to keep her in. She's you, easier to let express the character of the movie. Right? You mean Easer the point of the movie? Of course we need to keep the entire concept of the film. You could have got rid of that. <laughs> to be fair, you could have gotten rid of the dog. The, the dog didn't really add a whole Yeah, lot. I didn't like the dog. Yeah, the, the dog was probably the worst part. He was, he was kind of annoying, but, you know. He added to the whole family thing. I, I get it, but he was a little, you know. Kind of reminded me of a minion. They wanted another, uh, like they wanted like Lightyear, like that little animal that people like. Just yeah. don't like it. Yeah, animated movies with their stupid animated pets. Yeah. Whatever. Every kid mo- movie needs a comedic relief animal. Come on. Yeah. But it sounds like I'm talking negatively of this. I loved this movie. It was one of the most fun animated films I've seen in a while. It was just a yeah, blast. You have the highest on our list. I think that's important to note. You have it higher than... than yeah, I have it higher than both of you guys. I was shocked. I thought it was going to be the lowest. I thought we were all going to be super high on this. I really like this one. Yeah, I like this one a lot. No, no, it is good. It is good. Honestly, the surprise hit of the year. In a year that I think is pretty weak in animation, uh, this one easily a uh, standout above the rest for being the it's- best animated film of the year. It starts so strong, too. Like, when he's fighting the giant, then the bell falls on him, and then he goes through the montage of all the lives he's lost, and then he faces death at the bar. Like, come on. Like, all that within the first 20 minutes? Are you kidding me? It was so good. Man, the way they made death look in this movie was so good. So good. And then, like, also... you make an intense bad guy. Yeah, also, like, his hair sticking up was... The animation on that was so cool. Like, it looked... Like, you, you felt like you were getting... The hair on your arms getting sticking out. You felt like you got that like chill that he's facing. It was so good. Yeah, really good time. I really liked this movie. Um, I think they handled the three villains well. Yeah, like you said, how like you didn't like you felt like there were too many villains. I felt like they could have cut one, but yeah, each one was so different. You have like the ones that like have the character arc, which is Goldilocks and the Three Bears. They realize um, the true meaning of family and how. Goldilocks, even though she was searching for a family, the real family was the one she always had, and they changed from being bad to good. You have the generic asshole who's just greedy. The one that's actually evil and mean. The yeah. real bad guy. Yeah, and then you got fucking Death. But you couldn't do the movie without. No. Yeah. No, he Death was, was the character. fucking awesome. He was yeah. so cool. He, like, he genuinely felt terrifying. In, in a kid's movie, you don't ever really... Like, this is the first time I think I found a character in a kid's movie truly terrifying. Maybe the bad guy from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Well, I was about to say, um, well, there's a lot of, like, old Disney animated characters. Like, I would even say, like, Scar, Jafar. Like, like, we had, like the old Disney villains were, like, terrifying, I feel like, as a child. But, like, is this the first, like, actually scary villain we've had in 20 years for animation? I'm not in 20 years. I feel like the bad guys from Kung Fu Park that box, too. 
particularly uh, not, not as first well. one. And no, I, I would know. say the second one's more scary. Yeah, that's the second true. one's scarier. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say that's yeah, a good I, argument. That's a good one. No, that's a fair point. I forgot about Kung Fu Panda. Disney needs to hire this writer or director <laughs> or someone. Yeah, I really liked this movie. I was shocked. Is this the best Shrek movie? No, Shrek Two. The first two Shrek movies are so good. It's better than Shrek One. The okay. first two Shrek movies are so good. Yeah, always just like a new a new turn for DreamWorks. Are, are we, do you think we're going to see some better, higher quality animation here, or does this happen to be like a one lucky, you know, a, a lucky a, a lightning in a bottle? I don't think film. we're going to get better movies. I think they're going to milk the shit out of Shrek. Now. <laughs> well, there no, you no, I I kind I'm kind of with Tristan, although I think it is. Although Illumination bought them out after this, right? No, see, that's my thinking. No, Universal bought them out. So now Universal owns two animation studios. They have Illumination, which is pumping out the Garbage. two to three movies a year that make big money, that are just money makers, that are, you know, dumb, fluff kids movies that don't really matter. And now they also have DreamWorks, which historically has done hit or miss as far as quality of their films goes. They have had, you know, real successful, critically acclaimed films and commercially successful films like the first couple of Shrek movies that we mentioned to the Snoop and Boots movies. Are do could we see a, a time when we Universal has an Illumination be sort of their I don't want to say the crappy kids movie company but you know the one pumping up the fluff like Coco. The, yeah you know the Illuminate you know the Despicable Me movies those sort of box office safe movies and DreamWorks is going to be a little more experimental with their films a little more out there with their films you know the ones that if they are going to get an Oscar is off it's going to be the DreamWorks film of the year you know this is going to be the Pixar to the Illumination Disney Animation Studios. Type, type comparison. Uh, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if we see Universal attempt a you know something like that with their two animation studios that they have now. Yeah, honestly, I'm down for it, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because I know you haven't seen it yet, Tristan, and I don't know if Hayden likes this movie that much. But I thought Bad Guys that came out from DreamWorks this year was also I, I really good. I saw that one day Wait, a couple weeks ago. You liked it? I liked it. Oh, I, I didn't. well, I, I gave it a well. Well, I gave it a three out of five. I like it was a perfectly yeah, cute it was movie. Wait, wait, wait! You gave the same score as Smile. Yeah, and I like Smile. Like, I like these movies. Uh, you know, I'm not saying. Yeah, Bad Guys would probably be like number thirty five on my list, right? Like, I, I think it was a good movie. I thought Bad Guys was pretty solid. I yeah. thought it, like it was very safe. It was, and story wise, was pretty cliche, but the animation story-wise. style. Was quite I wild. agree. Story wise, was safe. But I, I really like the animation style. Yeah, and the fact that the this anime, movie is yeah. a great story and great animation, yeah. I do have faith in DreamWorks. Like this is yeah. giving me more faith than I've got than I've had in them in the last decade. Like, That's for sure. Like this is the best movie they've made in the last decade, and Bad Guys would probably be top five from the last decade. Like you know they haven't done good movies lately, and they have done two pretty good ones. One really good one in Puss in Boots. So I have faith in them. I have more faith in them than I did earlier. And I had less, I, I had like no faith. After I heard that Universal bought it, I assumed they were just going to drag it down the Illumination route. But I think you're right, Tristan. I think they're putting a lot of effort into this. And the fact that Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, made so much money compared to its budget. Yeah, the fact that this was a big hit. It's a hit. If this, if this wasn't a hit, I think, I don't think we're going to see any more attempts at DreamWorks, you know. I don't want to see these higher caliber films, but it is, you know, these better, more well-made films. Uh, but the fact that this was a big success commercially and critically, I really hope we see a lot more of them taking you know, big swings for it. It's a hit despite the fact that they try to butcher this movie's chances by releasing it on VOD on the third week. 
Yeah. Like this movie like was barely in theaters by itself. And, they and had didn't it come out the same weekend or the weekend after Avatar 2? It came out the weekend after. Yeah, like this movie yeah, was exactly. not... Yeah, exactly. You're right. The, the release strategy for this movie was as to give it as little chance as possible and it absolutely smashed it out of the park. Yeah. So. They try to butcher this movie's chances and it's still just beat it out of the park like this movie's doing great and good for it uh, i love it uh but tristan you were saying that there's a chance this wins best picture or sorry a uh, best animated movie i would hope it does does it not have a chance what's winning then pinocchio pinocchio oh pinocchio what's this better than pinocchio yeah it's better oh, yeah it's not gonna do it. well it's, well, it's gonna say tristan if you believe this movie can win uh best animated film i would recommend you bet on it because the bet for this movie is insane Oh yeah! You put a hundred bucks down on Puss in Boots. If it wins, you make three grand. That's a, that's a pretty pretty good payday. Yeah, how confident are you in in this? Yeah, I I, I, I I just placed my bets on this uh, this morning, so I was looking at everything. Uh, yeah, this one's pretty high. We want a really good bet. I know you picked this movie for the podcast, Tristan. Uh, but Triangle of Sadness. If it wins Best Picture, if you put a hundred bucks down, you make twelve and a half grand. Yeah, but that's not winning Best Picture. <laughs> It's not a chance. Look, I think Pussy Boots has got a chance. It's legitimate. I, I do believe the best animated movie of the year. It is the uh, best, but it has no chance. Uh, Triangle I, of Sadness legitimately isn't going to win. There's no, there's no chance in hell. Right. I, I really like Puss in Boots. I would be ecstatic if it won. Like, no offense to Del Toro and Pinocchio. And it's a perfectly good movie. But, like, this, I feel like winning Best Picture would be a huge message to the studio is that this studio animated film was the one that came out on top. This Puss in Boots film thrown out the end of December and is just genuinely a great film. And I hope that this would encourage actual quality in these sequels, right? Like, this is just supposed to be some dumb sequel and it was an incredible film. So I, I hope... This would win. I think it would be a really good winner, but I, I don't see it. I, I would be shocked. It would be the biggest surprise in the night if this won. I, I would. I would be pretty. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Depends on what else happens in the night. That, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, Triangle of Sadness wins Best Picture. Then I'd be wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or someone else gets slapped or something. You, know? you, you <laughs> never know. <laughs> yeah. All right. We can move on to number seventeen here, and this is going to be a pick from Tristan. And a film Ooh. that is in my top 10, and that really? is The Northman. <laughs> <laughs> the Northman. Yeah. What a good movie. So this is the smile on Hayden's list oh, where he puts exactly it at 43. Uh, Hayden has this at 43. Tristan has this at 12, and I have it at 8. This movie's so good. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, The Northman came out earlier in the year. What is it like? Mountain? The newest Robert Egress film. Uh, this is the third film after The Witch and Lighthouse, and this was easily my favorite. Hands down, my favorite of his movies. I didn't honestly, didn't love his first two movies, but this one, I thought this one was incredible. It's like a uh, historical revenge epic set in the uh, Viking times, and every the performances in this movie are great. The action in this movie is unparalleled. And a movie, we've talked about a couple times on this podcast, or even the, the last one, about how this movie, this year's had some great action movies. This action and horror thrived in 2022. And I think the Northman kind of reigned supreme or is one of the best uh, action movies of the year. Some of the best action scenes, certainly, of the year. Uh, overall, I really love this movie. I love the cinematography. I like the performances. I like the action. The score was epic. Uh, all in all, I thought this movie was awesome. Uh, it, unfortunately, hopefully, if you get a chance to see 
fake it. It is absolutely a movie to see in the theater. It looks great. This movie looks so good. I'll tell you, though, uh, I already mentioned on the podcast, I won't go into it again. Uh, Probably the worst theater experience of the year for me because my audience was just absolutely miserable. It was the worst experience ever. However, I stood outside the Cineplex with my buddy and we just stood there for like 15 minutes going over all the cool ass action sequences. We were talking about our favorite kills. It was just such a thrill. It was just such a good time. And I thought the ending was perfect. I thought the storyline was really great. I agree with you, Tristan, that I, I'm not a huge Eggers guy. Uh, you know, I, I would go as far to say that like, I, I think uh, his other two movies are, are a little overrated. I feel like people really like him, and he's just not my kind of thing. Uh, the, the Witch, pretty solid film. I like it. I can't say the same thing for The Lighthouse. I, I think that's a pretty bad movie. I, I'm not a big fan of it. But The Northman blows them both out of the water like the northern is just so good it's just like it's a viking revenge tale and there's twists in it that feel justified all the performances are really great but at the end of the day none of that matters because you're here for some fucking viking action baby i'll never get over the moment where they threw that arrow from the wall and the dude grabs the arrow and just chucks it back yeah are you fucking kidding me that Insane. just looks so good. And then when he throws that arrow and the rest the of that action sequence. It's a one shot action shot of them raiding a village. This, oh. It's a one shot action sequence. It's insane. He throws that oh, arrow. And then it shows him just running up the wall, going over the wall, going down, murdering the, enti- the entire village. They take the axe on one guy and they drag his throat across the wall. All of this is in one shot. It is the coolest action sequence. Actually, it's not even the coolest action sequence of this year because there's so many good action movies. But it's one of them. It's just a really great action flick. This is easily the best action year ever. Like, like I just, there's about five action movies that are in my top 10, I think. Like, I just, I really love this year, specifically when it comes to the action movies. Like, we got some good-ass action movies. I don't know if it's just because I saw them all in theaters, and so it was just really fun to see all these big-ass scenes up on screen. But it was, it was a great time. And this is one of them. I had a great time with this one. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that my theater experience wasn't the best, I still had a great ass time. It's so fucking good. I got this on 4K. I have not seen it since. But I, I do. I, I should check this out before I leave soon. I do want to watch it. Hey, you're the, you're the ball humbug on this one. You know, why, why, why are you so self- Ah, nice one. Um, on it, I was bored. I was kind of, <laughs> I was bored. I was just kind of waiting for it to end. Uh, Tristan asked if I wanted to go watch it with him. Yeah, the I theaters. had to do this. Uh, instead, I took that $12 and watched After 4. He said no. Oh, my God. Uh, and I don't regret it. No regret. Uh, but no, this movie, I was just bored. Um, like, the action was cool, but you guys say how cool the action was. But, like, I don't know. There was, like, maybe 30 minutes of action in a two-hour movie. It just felt too artsy-fartsy. The whole time. The best scene, in my opinion, was the soccer scene or football or whatever sport they were playing. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. That was good. That was good. That was really good. But uh, even the final battle, I was kind of just... It, it felt like an artsy-fartsy version of a fight scene. It which, wasn't artsy-fartsy. They were fighting to the death in the middle of the Yeah, honestly. <laughs> How was that not bad? No, like, 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 that's too extra. That's you know? insane. No, that's, it's that's so good. I don't know. It, perfect. I, I just I came to the realization, I don't give a shit about Viking. I don't, I don't <laughs> care for Vikings. I don't think they're cool. Uh, <laughs> so I wasn't going to watch this movie except Tristan made me. I really like this one. I have lots of nice things. 
go check this one out. Uh, see for yourself. Watch the first three minutes, and then if you're if you're waiting for it to end, just end it then. Don't watch the rest of it. If you at that point either you're already into it like me, or you're already just waiting for it to end like Hayden. Uh, but trust me, after you see that one one shot scene them raiding yeah. a village, uh, you're gonna be hooked. There's no way you're not. That was insane. Yeah, I agree, and, and that's pretty early on. That's like what twenty five minutes in. Like, when oh you get yeah, to another that, thing. Yeah. Like, watch the first thirty minutes, and you'll already hit that scene. Yeah. That scene doesn't impress you. Then honestly, the rest of it probably won't either. But if that impressed you, and it should. You're gonna, you're in for it. You're in for a good ride. Yeah, what a thrill. I love yeah. this. Um, have you seen the other two films from Robert Eggers' hand? The this Witch the and Lighthouse. Yeah, Robert. I've only seen those. Okay, I was gonna say, I was like, man, I thought Eggers was really cutting back on its artsy fartsy this movie. Like, oh yeah, that's no, <laughs> the most mainstream. Film. Yeah, Hayden would hate well, those too. Check out the Witch because I like. I, mean, I think Hayden would like the Witch. I don't think he would like the Lighthouse at all. I agree. I yeah, think- yeah, he he might like the Witch actually because it's more horror. Yeah, uh, it's a straight horror. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a horror movie. It is good. I, I do like the witch, um, but but you know this is just more my style. Um, I'm a horror guy, but you know I feel like I'm more of like an action dude or a comedy or drama. Like like you know there's some good horror, but like th- this is my kind of thing. Just seeing dudes drag someone's neck across the wall. Are you fucking kidding me? Ah, oh, great time. I liked it. Um, anyways, we can go on to number sixteen here. This is another pick from Tristan. Ah, all my picks. Uh, well, well, we just did three of Haynes in a row. Yeah, we're just starting That's with true. yours. Yeah, uh, but we have Emily the Criminal. So Tristan Hayden are right on the same page here with 22 each, and I have it at 16. Yeah. This, so we're all pretty is, close. Yeah, Emily the Criminal is a fun one. It's just a, it's just a good time. I agree. It's just a fun movie. Honestly, I don't know if I have that much to say about Emily the Criminal, but it's just a genuinely yeah. fun flick. It's one that I heard was really good when it first released, and I just kind of put it off and i'm glad tristan picked it because i was almost at the point where i just for- totally forgot this movie existed just totally just flew past me i forgot all about it and i don't know if i ever would have checked this one out but my god it, w- it was just a fun time like, it was just a really fun movie i thought aubrey plaza was incredible in this like i i just I think love yeah i love really her good. i love aubrey plaza so the more stuff she does the better and i think she's been picking up steam i feel like she's getting a lot of recognition now so she she still hasn't on like any sort of Oscar or anything she's been in, which is just a shame. She always puts out great stuff. Yeah, typically she's in smaller scale projects. I find or you know less, you know Oscar worthy. Yeah, films, she's maybe. good. But like, is there any movie that? Uh, I feel like this one was maybe more of a swing for her for get some you know some awards consideration. Hopefully, and I think the bear last year was probably or, was the bear or black bear. I don't know what it's called. Bear or black bear something like that last year. That one I don't like so as much. This one's way better. This one's better. Yeah, this one's way better. That last one was, it was trying to be, trying to do something silly, and I don't care. Yeah. This one, I, it, it did something silly, and it exceeded with it. I thought it did great. Honestly, this movie was just the Aubrey Plaza show. Like, she was really, really good. She was badass and yeah. really exciting. I mean, like, the this whole movie, a fun movie hinges on her performance, on her nailing the performance. Yeah. And she's the kind of actress that you can just bank on her doing that, because she always does. And she absolutely crushed this one. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know the same spot I had it there? What, what, what are your thoughts, Emily the Criminal? Honestly, I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, I watched it with my mom. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. I think Aubrey Plaza? Yeah. Yeah, she's dope. Yeah. I, th- I, I really liked the ending. How, like, you see her kind of learn the ways and then train others. I thought, I thought that was like, a nice little way to end, end the film. Yeah. Uh, speaking of watching with your mom, 
I know this was on the other podcast, but I forgot to ask, what was, what was mom's thoughts on Babylon? She didn't watch Babylon. Ah, uh, unbelievable. I, 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 uh, she thought that it was too damn long, so she went to bed. And you said how bad the first... <laughs> yeah, that was also the thing. You, you said, you, the reason she didn't watch it, actually, is you said how bad and how it could be your mom. And honestly, one weird scene, other than that, fairly, fairly normal, uh, as far as Babylon goes. Uh, I've probably seen, I've seen worse things with my mom, so, you know. Okay, well, I've never seen a movie with mom that had, like, naked chicks in it, and I, I just thought that's, that'd be weird. That's but. not true. We watch, or, I, don't, I know that we watch a Why Him with mom and Grammy, and that one is probably the most questionable thing I've watched with my mother. Why, does that have naked girls in it? Oh, probably. Not a lot. Uh, it's well, maybe not neutered. Just penises. I think they talk a lot about double-dicking. A lot of double-dicking. That's yeah. what they talk about, but they don't show anything. I, the only naked person I've seen with my mom was the first episode of Orange, Orange is the Black. New Black, and she yeah, will never let it down. Movie. Yeah, She has referenced that every chance yeah. she gets. Yeah, no, my mom's, mom still references that. <laughs> she goes, remember when we saw him, uh, Orange is the New Black together? Yeah, she, she'll she never let it but down. So she references Why Him. Well, she references watching Why Him with her mom. But like, mom, understand. I watch it with my mom and my grandma. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. just not as bad, so I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Um so anyways, I you know, I maybe I overhyped it for mom, but I, I thought, you know, you guys dodged a bullet. You know, you know, you don't want to see yeah, a naked one with mom. Well really see she dodged a bullet. That's a long ass movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's one. true. It's a long ass yeah, movie. That's yeah. a good point. She's the one that dodged the bullet. It is on the worst of the year, not on the best of the year that's podcast. So. But you did watch Emily the Criminal, which is on the best of the year podcast. That's right. So it is one of the best of the year. Yeah, she made the right pick. Uh, speaking of movies, mom has seen. We have at number oh. fifteen, mom's pick, Elvis, which uh, was picked by mom. Uh-huh. Has she seen this? Right? I think so. Yeah, she did. Yeah, I she feel did. like every mom has seen this movie, so that was my, that, <laughs> every mom has seen this. Movie. That was a Grand good movie. guess from me. I did not know for sure, but I felt pretty confident. This was number twelve in the box office. I have it at twenty-four. Tristan has it at nineteen, and Hayden has it at seventeen. So once again, two in a row, we're kind of on the same page. Yeah, we're all pretty close here. I thought this one was quite good. If you like those musical biopics, if you don't like those movies, this one's three hours all about Elvis, so it's probably not for you. Uh, but it's, uh, it's pretty solid. If you like Elvis or you're an Elvis fan, or, or more like me, who I didn't know anything about what's going into this movie. I knew, I could name maybe one or two of his songs. I knew he was the king of rock and roll, and I know he's left the building. That's all I really knew about Elvis going into this one. So uh, I, I learned quite a, you know, quite a bit about Elvis as a person, as, as a character, and Austin Butler absolutely yeah. crushes his role in this movie. And so does Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks is a fantastic villain. Um, overall, I thought this movie was a lot of fun. I think this one has a, the biggest problem Babylon has as well, but it's just too damn long. Yeah, three hours is too long. But I, yeah. I always give biopics a little bit of leeway for being a little... Because I know it's difficult to wrap up, you know, 20 to 30 to 50 years of someone's life in a two to three hour film. I understand that can be difficult. So I'm willing to give it a little leeway on, on, on its length. Mostly because it justifies it by telling quite a bit about his story and performance is great, singing was great. Uh, overall, I thought it was quite a good, good story and a good way to tell it. The editing in here, uh, all over the place. Uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. It was a little much at other parts. Um, but overall, I thought it was a very fun style to edit a movie like this. Um, I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. The movie was chaotic. It, yeah. it felt like the movie was on drugs, kind of like yeah. Elvis was. So right? it, it felt fitting. I on I love the music. I didn't really yeah. know any of Elvis's music, obviously, because I'm born in 2005. Bong, bong. <laughs> it was dead like 20 years. Exactly. Ago. Oh no, it was a lot of fun. I think the whole like how society has changed 
uh, was I loved how they like really focused on that. How him just like shaking his legs was classified as like sexual and inappropriate. But like the girls obviously loved it. But if a dude did that on a stage at school, the girls would look at him like he's a fucking dork. But the teachers wouldn't question it because he was just wiggling. Exactly. (laughs) But like, so society is so different from back then. And I thought it was really cool. Like, because I obviously didn't know that. It was cool to learn that. Uh, Tom Hanks, eh, it was, it was a common name, but Austin Butler. That he was man, Austin that, Butler. That man was fucking Elvis. Like, that guy, that guy was good. Um, the whole movie's fun. It felt like Rocket Man, just less good and too long. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hold on. You like Rocket Man more than this? Payton's a big Rocket Man fan. Well, damn straight. Rocket Man is good. Um, but this is better. This is, <laughs> I, I liked Elvis a lot, even though I have it the lowest. I'm also just not a big musical biopic guy. So, uh, believe it or not, I picked this. Uh, remember, Tristan, for the biopic draft? I picked this for the best musical biopic, baby. Yeah. Let's go, Elvis. Woo! I'm t- <laughs> did it win? Um, no, no, I, I did not win. Um, Tristan won Which that one? pick. It was, it was a good pick. What did I pick again? Amadeus. Amadeus, right? Yeah, yeah. which which is obviously better. They both picked a better movie, but um, you know, Elvis easily the best, easily the third best musical biopic ever, in my opinion. Um, I thought I think this movie's hilarious. I don't even know if this movie's supposed to be hilarious, but I think it's hilarious. I really think the only issue of this movie is Elvis is good, and uh, Austin Butler is good in this movie. But there's a reason why I don't want him to win Best Actor, and he's not even the best performance in this movie. Because there's a little guy called Tom fucking Hanks. Are you kidding me? Tom Hanks? Honestly? Might be Tom Hanks' best performance ever. No way. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks is hilarious! Tom Hanks is so ridiculous. I love him. But it's like Tom Hanks and Austin Butler signed up for two different movies. I know! Austin Butler thought he was in the super serious Elvis biopic that's bringing Elvis back to life, whereas Tom Hanks thought he was in this sort of crazy, kooky sort of you know world where Elvis is his hero and he's this evil villain that's trying to take Elvis. And in the end of the day, I think a decent job at trying to pitch both those two ideas of what an Elvis movie could be—a more lifelike, you know, true-to-life story of Elvis's coming up and who he is as a person—and this crazy sort of super rich megastar versus an evil corporate villain who's trying to take him down and take yeah. all the money from him. And I, I think the editing sort of reflected that in its, its sporadic nature of being crazy one to second and then back to fairly normal editing the other. And uh, yeah, I, it really did feel like two separate movies sort of being thrust together. Whenever you had Awesome Butler and Tom Hanks on screen together, it was this really weird mashup of like this tongue-twisting Jafar-like evil villain from a Disney movie back in the 90s. Uh, and then Austin Butler just doing this, you know, true-to-life performance of Elvis Presley, uh, which I thought made for some of the most fun parts of the movie. Uh, yeah. But I wouldn't say it made for Tom Hanks' best performance in his career. Uh, well, to be fair, I, I don't necessarily love Tom Hanks in most of his movies, but in this movie, he came out to fucking play. He, uh, he, he got oh, COVID he from this. For sure. he, he got COVID from this movie. Like, he was putting his life on the line to give us this fucking performance. He knew what was up. This film... Yeah, well, Austin Butler's voice still hasn't been the same. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And Tom Hanks has recovered from COVID, but uh, Austin Butler has not recovered from whatever the fuck happened over at that movie, but... No, I haven't um, heard him talk. <laughs> He's the man doesn't even smoke in 40 years. He's only like 25. Yeah. Honestly, I do like Austin Butler, but... yeah. 
he uh he was only the second best performance of this movie tom hanks is just so fucking insane he is like like just this twisting his curly mustache evil villain so like over the top the he's white scene is potentially the best scene of the entire movie like no question um i just think everything about tom hanks is hilarious honestly i don't even know if elvis is the lead character in this movie like this is the story of tom hanks and his downfall and his corrupt passion of taking over this man's life and elvis is good in this movie but it's the fucking Tom Hanks show. I, I actually watched the second half of this movie a second time on the cruise because our TV just plays movies on loop. And we were just sitting down after having a few drinks and like we saw the second half of this movie and Andrew never saw it. So we decided to watch the second half of the film with her. And maybe the first half is more of the Elvis show. But Elvis is barely in the second half of the movie. Like It is all Tom Hanks and his corrupt power and him just falling from grace. And I thought... Tom Hanks is incredible. Like the, he ends with having all of Elvis's possession. Essentially, he basically owns him, and he has millions and millions of dollars. But the movie ends with him gambling it all. Basically, he comes out on top, but he's still the loser at the end. Like it, it's a really fun story of Tom Hanks's character, and you know Austin Butler's fine. But but this is the Tom Hanks show. I, I thought he was fucking hilarious. And even though i don't think austin butler is the best performance from the lead acting category i don't even think he's the second best i think he's strongly the third best uh from the acting lineup i hope he wins because i placed 100 bucks on him let's go austin hey fair enough what, what are the odds yeah what you winning uh i put 100 bucks on him and if he wins i make 230 bucks so bit over oh, yeah. Good odds. yeah he's not winning yeah for how for the how risky it is for him to win I think it's fifty-fifty between him and Fraser. So I thought. Uh, really, you don't think you don't think a uh, Collins got a chance? I don't think he has any chance anymore. I he's my favorite performance of the year. I, we already talked about Banshees. I guess I can talk about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Colin Farrell is my favorite lead actor performance of the year. I absolutely love that performance. I would be over the moon if he won. I would lose my fucking mind. I don't think he has a chance in hell. I, I think he lost all steam. Uh, he hasn't won. A, he didn't win a single precursor except for Globes, but Elvis also won Globes. Like Austin Butler well, also that, won. And that. Globes, I don't consider Globes a precursor. No, I, no, Globes I don't either. Are, 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 they, they do not matter. Globes no. are the least important award that has ever existed. <laughs> I uh, agree. The high school participation award it means more to me than none of <laughs> Globes mean nothing. They are useless. I agree. A Hollywood Walk of Fame star means more to me than a gold. <laughs> well, well, I agree with you. Well, that's why I'm saying Colin Farrell has no chance. That's the only thing he's got. Yeah, that's his point. I do think Colin Farrell. Mind you, I think Austin Butler's performance in Elvis was also. I thought it was. I thought he was very, very. No, I think Austin Butler's really good. I just think this is a really strong lineup. I think Austin Butler, yeah. if well, he showed up, good. yeah, if he showed up last year, I think he would have been the strongest. But yeah, no, and the fact that and I like Robin Malik's performance in Bohemian Rhapsody, but like that pales in comparison to this year. Oh no, no, no. I mean, like, and he's won the best, the best actor Oscar. Yeah, but 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 Robin Malik's was terrible. It was a horrible performance. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't Austin Butler. No, that's right. it's like a bad winner. It was a bad. I don't think it was a very good winner. Even no. at the time, I don't think it was very good. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. Austin Butler is really good in this movie. Uh, he's just the third best of the year. Like, this is just a really good I, line. I agree with the third best of the year. I agree with you there. I, I do agree. We can move on to number 14 here. And look at that. We got two films from the box office back to back. I will say, okay. box office did pretty fucking good in this ranking. Like, it, yeah. you know. Oh, bo- it was a good year for box office. It was office. a good year for box office. No complaints. But in number 14, we have 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was number three in the box office with over $453 million domestically. Great showing for MCU here. Hayden has yeah. it at number seven. Tristan has it at almost double that at 16. And I have it at almost double that at 37. Well, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was over double you as well. So, yeah, we were all decently spread out here. But Hayden had it in his top 10. I had it in my top 20. Quentin barely had it in his top 40. So, uh, Hayden, over to you first. You're clearly the, the highest on this one here. or the So, I, walk, I walked out of the theater and my mom was just boggled. I was, I was blown away. <laughs> I thought Neymar was such a cool villain. I thought they, at the start, right when it started, the way they handled Chadwick Boseman's death, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this movie. But then it just started going. I thought everything was just so fun, so lively. Editing the Doom Black Panther movies feels so different from the generic MCU movies. I think that's part of the reason why I liked it so much, because I'm kind of sick of the MCU. I think the Black Panther mantle was held correctly. They, uh, spoiler alert, the way they brought like, Killmonger back for that one scene. I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know if it was just like the hype of a good MCU movie finally coming out, or if I genuinely liked it. So I rewatched it, and I realized, no, it, it, it's frick, it's just good. It's an awesome movie. The action was great. I thought the the Iron Man like girl, she was Iron Man. She was fine. She was probably like yeah, the worst part of the movie. But I mm-hmm. think the main girl who becomes the Black Panther was amazing. She killed uh, Shiri. Shiri is a character. I can't remember the actress. I have no clue what the actress' names is. But she uh, Latita Wright. It. That's it. Yeah, Latita Wright. She did amazing. And again, Neymar, one of the best MCU villains. I loved him. I think. Yeah, they just have so much potential for the Black Panther. Yeah, no, I'll jump off of what Hayden was saying. Edited-wise, they do feel a little different. Uh, they feel a little a little more thought and care put mm-hmm. into the editing. And I so I say particularly Thor, Love, and Thunder, which editing haphazardly slapped together, it felt like. Uh, Wakanda Forever does still feel, uh, like I don't want to say more classic MCU, but, you know, the better part of the MCU. I think for sure the best movie, in my opinion. Uh the stuff I really liked in this movie, I thought Angela Bassett's performance was great. I really liked her character coming out of it. I remember when I was driving Hayden and Jada home at theaters, I'm like, guys, you guys do not think the mom was awesome? She was the best part. And they both go, no, she was lame. I'm like, oh, all right. I guess I was a minority there. But then luckily I see, oh, everyone else agreed with me besides Hayden and Jada. So I guess I, guess I wasn't so much a minority there as I thought I was. Uh, I think the one thing I, the one that I was wanting to in this movie, particularly in the first half of the film, more of a discussion on who the next Black Panther would be, more about give and take on laying out the pros and cons of selecting different people to be the next Black Panther. Because we saw that, honestly, more in the first movie when they weren't really even picking a new Black Panther from the second one here, when they are truly deciding who's going to be the next Black Panther. There was never any discussion. It was always like, it's going to be Shuri. The moment, pretty much, we figured out we needed a new Black Panther, everyone just turned to Shuri and goes, yep, if you want it, it's yours, you're going to be the next Black Panther. And discussion beyond that, was she right for the role? Was she the right pick? Why is she the right pick? Should M'Baku have a real chance of being the Black Panther here? Because he essentially was going to be the Black Panther in the first one if things didn't go the way they did. Um, yeah, I think that was probably the one thing I was wanting more from this movie. Uh, Hayden already said, mentioned how Namor, I thought he was an incredible villain. I thought Namor was super cool. Uh, unfortunately, I can't remember who the actor who, who played him was, but I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a good job at introducing him as like an, an interesting villain. Uh, is he really villainous? Is he doing what's best for his people? Is he doing what's best for himself? All uh, those sort of questions are still sort of being had even at the end of the movie. Um, you know, is he making the right choices for his people? Is he making the right choices for himself? Uh, this, this idea of, of being a leader and how, you know, leaders don't always make the right choice, which was, you know, developed a little more in the film. I'm um, looking at father and that kind of stuff. I thought this movie overall was quite well done. 
Uh, Quentin, you're obviously the ball humbug on this. Why did you have the 37? We know you aren't the biggest Marvel fan in general. Um, but how come you believe this one is, you know, not the best Marvel movie, or you believe it's Marvel, Multiverse of Madness instead there? I too kind of quickly add, I, I love the writing joke of Tristan's always in the middle, and when he passes it on to the next person, he goes, all right, so you're the bah humbug of this movie. What's your thoughts? <laughs> you're the classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always go in the middle. I pass up his humbug. Yeah, that was me with Smile, and that was Hayden with Northman. I like that. Tristan's just in the middle and setting up the, the person. I'm the, the moderate. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I like this movie. I, I think this movie is really good, and I think this is a huge step in the right direction for the MCU. And I, I kind of agree with what Hayden was saying, where they kind of did the impossible. Like, I was really prepared, actually, for this to be, like, a bottom 10 movie of the year. Like, I was, I was expecting a disaster to try and fit the shoes of Chadwick Boseman, which seemed genuinely impossible to do, and to do it tastefully. And I actually thought they yeah. did it really well. I thought yeah. there's a lot of good things about this movie. I thought the action was better than the rest of the MCU films of the last few years. Although, unfortunately for this film, the action movies this year were really good. So it looked pretty bad in comparison. Like this movie That's just, fair, yeah. yeah, like, unfortunately we got movies like Top Gun Maverick and RR and Avatar and The Northman. Like there's just too many incredible action scenes in film this year that this movie still looks really bad action wise. But you know, it's in the right direction. I do really love the scene Hayden touched on, which was the Killmonger scene. Best scene of the movie. Like, it was a really cool scene. It was one that I was genuinely shocked by and actually made sense with the story. I also really liked the villain, Namor, Namor. Uh, he was good. And I also really liked Angela Bassett, like Tristan was saying. I thought she was the best performance that I've seen from the MCU in probably the last phase and a half, maybe. Like, like I thought she was really, really good, except for maybe even Elizabeth Olsen in <laughs> Multiverse of Madness. I thought Elizabeth Olsen was actually better. But I thought we had, like, the two best performances from the MCU in quite a while with those two supporting actresses. I thought they were both really great in the movies they were in. And, yeah, I'm glad she got nominated for the Oscar, honestly. Like, like I'm kind of excited for her. I did not bet on her to win, so I hope she loses, but good for her. I, I thought she was really great. Uh, the, the movie itself, though, is just fine. Like, I still, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird about it. I don't like Shuri as the Black Panther. I, I think Shuri is really badly written in this movie in the sense that she is nothing like the character she was in the first Black Panther. It's a totally different character, and for me, they just, they're just they too drastically different that it doesn't make sense. Because in the first movie, she's like, you know, the minion in Despicable Me, or like the dog in Puss in Boots 2 we just discussed. She's like the dumb comedy relief character that's meant to make me want to bash my head in. Like, she's just, she's supposed to be really goofy, so the kids like her. And then in this movie... She's matured a lot, I guess. We just saw it. We just missed it off screen. But now she's like a really grounded and a really strong character. But the entire time, I just kept watching this movie going, if you watch these back to back, this is a totally different person. Like This doesn't feel at all natural progressed from the first film. I watched the first movie last year in 2021. So relatively recent, I saw the original Black Panther. In anticipation for this movie, I figured, well, I should probably watch the Chadwick Boseman one because it's been a few years. And it's a totally different character. And I just feel like she works so drastically from that movie that I just can't believe anything she does in this film. I keep seeing the what are those and the goofy little fist bump she does with herself. Like She's just dumb in the first movie. 
And in this one, she's trying to be a more grounded character. It just felt like they took the most popular character from the original Black Panther movie, aside from Chadwick Boseman, and they went, okay, I guess this will be the new lead because the kids like her. I just feel like there's so, there's so many better choices of this entire cast, right? Like I feel yes, like I, have, agree. I was really hoping Mbaku would become the next. Yes, that, that was that, that's the that's that was the natural progression. Before I watched this movie, yeah. um, but I, I had a feeling they're gonna go with Shuri. Uh, she is the next like lineage in line, right? It makes sense to go to her, uh, you know, as far as just royalty goes, right? To it's passed down from the lineage, and she is obviously the next of kin. Right. Um, I don't I don't think it was too like she was always smart. You think that she was stupid? Oh uh, well, well, she made wanted, dumb jokes. You're right. She was smart. Yeah. Yeah, she was. A You're right. I should clarify. Even from the beginning, uh, but like seeing that she isn't cracking as many or as goofy or as silly, um, I always thought that was fairly well justified with the fact that her yeah. brother, the one closest to her, within two years she saw her her father and her brother both get brutally murdered, and then her mother, and then her mother, and now she's expecting to be the leader of an entire country at the age of, like seventeen after just having her entire family get murdered up from under her. And now she's donning a mantle of a position she never wanted to have. An entire nation of people depending on her to survive. And not only that, it's a nation that has the most resource, of uh, the most in-demand resource in the world that's now knocking at her door wanting more of it. Uh, I, I, I'm not too surprised she wasn't cracking as many jokes in, in the first place as she was in the first one. So yeah, to me, fair. that never really felt too unjustified. But as I mentioned, I think they should have had more of a conversation of who's going to be the next Black Panther. Why are they going to be the next Black Panther? Yeah. Is that the right choice for the next Black Panther? I think that should have been a more of a bigger concept in the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie than it was. And yeah. I think that's the only thing really that felt missing to me from this film, that they never really justified why they chose her. They just sort of went, well, she's the only one related left, and the rest of the family's dead. I guess it's going to be her. If why that... wasn't M'Baku involved in that conversation or some other people? Even I agree. Yeah, at least some scenes where they discuss it, because I was actually excited for that. I was excited to, like, because, you know, the first film is a very political film, right? Like it's a great yeah. representation of the black culture. And I thought, you know, considering the first film is political, like they could have once again kind of went for more like the politics side of this movie and discussed who should liberate this country. Like like who should run this group. And I really thought that that was going to be kind of the focal point and it just wasn't at all. Like it was just assumed, yeah. okay, you know, the kids like this character, she's going to be leading it now. We'll just pick her. Like there's no discussion in the movie. Like, you know, they kind of just glossed over it. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing I, w- I was hoping we get a little discussion of. Yeah, and I'm really hoping in the next Black Panther they do rectify their mistake and make them fuck with the Black Panther. So I'm <laughs> yeah. That. yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll 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 change the yeah Black Panther three. They'll definitely go back and fix their mistake. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it, it, I, I like this movie. I, I think this is a step in the right direction for the MCU. Uh, I, I had a good time with it. Um, you know, no complaints. And you have anyone you want to say here about Wakanda Forever? No. No? No. It's a good movie. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Coming in at number 13, another film from the box office. We got three in a row here. And that is going to be Nope. So this is a number 14 in the box office with over $123 million domestically. Hayden has this at 35, Tristan has this at 14, and I have it at 6. So, you know, kind of the reverse of Black Panther. Yeah, I'll jump in on this one here. For I really like Nope. I actually, I had no, man, should I put it in my top 10? Should I leave it in my top 10? I didn't know. In hindsight, after right now, now I'm thinking like, smile, I'd smile above Nope, I shouldn't have had <laughs> Nope. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it just, it, I like them both, I love them both, but Nope's the better movie than Smile. It, objectively speaking, the better. 
Uh, nope is really well done. This is the third movie from um, Jordan Peele. Um, his last two being Us and Get Out were both fantastic, and this is he's three for three at this point for making masterpieces, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the way this one really addresses Hollywood as a whole, and the influencers and then they superstars in Hollywood and celebrities in general. I, I think it really tackles it in a cool, cool and unique way of having it be like an alien film. Um, uh, discussing, you know, big celebrities and, 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 and turning it into an alien movie. I thought it was a pretty, pretty unique idea. Overall, I thought this one was quite well done. I, I, I do think, and I think that's the reason why I have this a 14 and why I took it on my top 10. I do like Get Out and Us better. I yeah. do. I, I, I do think this is my, my, my third is, um, but it's not my least favorite. It's my third favorite because I love them all. Oh, here, I'll go before Hayden's the humbug of the, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tristan's line. Nope is one that kind of did the opposite of what it did for Tristan, where like it grew on my list. Like I feel like I had this down at like 18 at the start. Yeah. And I just over the course of the six or seven months since this came out, I'm glad it came out over the summer because I feel like I still haven't forgotten like 10, 11, 12 shots of this movie. Like, like there's just moments of this movie that stick in your brain that are truly horrifying. Like, you know, uh, not trying to diminish smile or some of these other horror films, but like there are shots in this film that are freaky as hell, whether it be the monkey looking over at the camera as we're the viewpoint of the child under the table. Like that, like that shot is so eerie or whether it be the alien sucking everyone up. Like there's just moments in this film that are genuinely terrifying. And like Tristan said, the commentary on Hollywood and just the industry eating you up and also about spectacle. I just can't get over, you know, this poster that I picked, like the shot of the eye and just the, the shot of spectacle and just our need to see the disaster before us. It's like a car crash. We shouldn't be looking at it. It's terrible. It's a horrible thing that we're witnessing is a wreckage in front of us or something disastrous, but we can't look away. Humans just have this need to look at disaster. We just love the spectacle. We love the chaos of it. That's why, you know, you see these terrible pranks on YouTube or TikTok or something. Like, like we, human beings strive for just chaos and disaster. And so even though these people should be horrified at an alien right in front of them, nobody can look away. And the fact they can't look away is the reason why they die. Like, just the fact that this movie really plays into just the human psyche and how we react to disaster is a really fun concept. It's basically Jaws in space, right? Like it's basically just like disaster, this giant creature in the sky, the whole the clouds are his ocean, and it's just a super fun time. Like it kept going up in my ranking. I just can't stop thinking about moments in this movie. It's gorgeous looking, one of the best looking films of the year. Uh, this is the only film that we all saw together in the theater. So, you know, that was a fun experience for me at least. I love seeing it with you guys. And I remember walking out, we all agreed this was the worst one of his three films. I disagree now. I, I think this is a lot better than Us. I've now come to the point where I really, really like Us. I think Nope is better now. Like, this is my second favorite Peel film. And they're all a 4.5 or a 5. Appeal has not had a bad movie yet. I love everything he does. I've seen them all in theaters. And they've all been some of my best theater experiences of the years that they were released. I'm whatever this guy makes. I, I I I'll say this every time. I will be their opening night. I am obsessed with his style. I is the exact kind of horror films that I like. This is my favorite horror film of the year. I think. I'm not a big horror guy, but just his style really works for me. Uh, so I guess it's time for the Bahambug. 
scored. Uh, you have a 35. You're not the hot bug. You know, 35 is a good score. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of this movie. <laughs> I, I think I gave it three, maybe three and a half. Uh, this, I, I honestly, I kind of want Jordan Peele to stop. Or, uh, <laughs> that's it. You're off the podcast. No, 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 no. Here we are. <laughs> make a comedy. Because <laughs> like the, the Cable Man, I don't, I don't know any of the characters. The only one I remember is the Cable Man. That guy was fucking hilarious. I love that guy. I think he was a great comedic relief in this movie. I would like to see this man, and like he does Peel and Clay. Like the dude's funny. He can he can rock a comedy. Well, actually, I um, I, I don't know if you guys heard, but I believe Jordan Peele said that he's gonna take a break from doing horror. He's gonna make something else. So he's actually yeah, taking he a break. Yeah, beginning he was wanting to make a trilogy of horror films, then move on to something else. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think this like, his next movie is. I don't think it'll be a horror. I think no, no, I don't think it is either. He'll eventually go back to horror, but yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he'll take a break for a while, which is good. Honestly, I like when people show their style in different ways. So I, I'm down for whatever he makes. Because like. This movie, each each horror movie he's get out was a friggin' awesome. But each yeah, one, yeah, like yeah. it's like a couple steps downstairs, and so, like he's getting close to the floor at this point. <laughs> so like he, he can just stop, go back up to the top, make a couple comedies or something else. But this movie was fine. I I found like Quentin said it kept getting better and better. For me, it kept getting a little worse and worse over time. Uh, I found it kind of forgettable, especially with the amount of good horror movies we had this year. This isn't my favorite. Obviously, I have Smile Above. I found this movie... I found the alien kind of not... Like, the whole movie focused on the alien. But I don't know. It felt kind of like we didn't really get to experience the alien as much as I was hoping. Yeah, I don't know. just wasn't my forte. Well, it's kind of like Jaws, where, like, the horror aspect is just in the unknown of when he's going to come back, right? Like, just he's always in the sky. Uh, I, I, I like that they don't see him... Like, if you saw him all the time, it wouldn't be as, like, intimidating, right? But, like, there's no cool music. That's true. You know, the score jaws is fucking incredible. Hey, I agree with you on that. <laughs> I do think it was fucking hilarious how I said, Jordan Peele, best horror director out there. Absolutely love him. Then go straight to Haney. He goes, he needs to stop making fucking horrors. This game, this game, <laughs> get the hell away from that jar. Perfect timing. I love how that's how he started. He's like, get that man away from fucking horror. He's ruining the genre. Get him no, out. No, he's not ruining it. No, he's I know. I'm, just, I'm teasing. Yeah. <laughs> Same cup of tea. <laughs> Try something different. Yeah. All right, we can move on to number 12, another film that is in my top 10, unlike both of you guys. Uh, and it's going to be one of my picks. At number 12, we have Decision to Leave. So I have this at number four. Hayden has this at 19. And Tristan has it at 31. He's the uh, Bahumbug of this. Look at that. Movie. I'm the Bahumbug. Uh, look at that. We finally got him. Uh, I'll go first here. I, I picked this movie. Honestly, I'll, I'll make a little caveat. Right? I have not rewatched this since I've seen it. Well, to be fair, I've only rewatched three movies on this list, so I, I yeah. guess that goes without saying. But I watched this at the perfect time, all right? And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to break the fourth wall here. I'm going to talk about something that had nothing to do with the movie, so it probably impacted my decision. But I was watching this at a film festival, and I was about to walk into the film festival and look down at my phone, and I got the update that Taylor won Big Brother 22. I'll tell you right fucking now. <laughs> I sat in that movie, and I was, it, it was the biggest high of my life. One of my favorite winners finally won the fucking show, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this masterpiece. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Is this the greatest night of my life? Like, I was just, I was just on a fucking high. I love that Taylor won the season, and I love this movie. I, I, I was just, I don't know if that impacted my decision at all, but I just need to put that out there, because it might have. I was on a 
fucking thrill this entire time. This yeah. movie, <laughs> this movie was really, really fun. I think it's the best edited film of the year. Like it just, the way this movie tells its story is just so exciting. I liked the mystery of it, although it's basically like a false mystery, right? Like the whole movie is like a who murdered this guy. And we all kind of knew who it was. That's really not the point of this movie because it's secretly this love story about these two people that shouldn't really be together, but really want to. And the use of the cinematography, which like some of the shots, there's always like a line in between them or one of them is blurred out and it's only focused on the other. Like they're just never focused together. Like they're never really meant to be. They're never meant to be in that shot together. So the use of its cinematography to never, like, these two are so close. They both really want to be with each other but they just can't. It's kind of like, you know, like there's just this sexual tension in this whole film. It's just really exciting. And I really love the lead. And I love this whole mystery of him trying to figure out who it was and him coming to terms with the reality of what's going on. I thought the ending with the, you know, the beach scene, I thought was incredible. There's just so many moments that I really, really liked. I just, I can't really explain it other than I was in the best fucking state of mind in my entire life watching this movie. It was so fucking good. So I, I guess I guess I'll go now. Yeah, this movie. I gave it a nineteen. You know, I actually I wanted to like this movie more than I did. I went in hoping it'd be awesome. I I I, I didn't really know what it was about. I knew it was a murder mystery. It was good. It was actually really good. But it felt normal. Like like nothing crazy really happened. The cinematography and the edit. Outstanding, probably yeah. one of, if not the best of the year. Um, but I don't know. It felt it felt generic. Thirty one feels low. Four seems way too high. I think I think I got it in the sweet spot, man. I think I think nineteen's good. I'll jump in here, but first I'll clarify. Say that I watched this right after finding out Gabler won Survivor, so I was already. <laughs> <a terrible man. laughs> <laughs> No, no, that, that was just a joke, of course. I, I, I watched this way later. Um, <laughs> overall, I, I, I liked this movie. Um, I didn't love this movie. I think as Hayden and Quentin have both already mentioned, the editing and cinematography are hands down the best part about this, this film. They are the reason to watch this film. They're the reason to write home about this one. They're, they are the, absolutely the best parts. Outside of the editing and cinematography, the film is fairly mediocre. I thought it was okay. Uh, didn't love any of the, the, the lead characters. I guess the lead guy I liked. The, the main female there didn't care for her too much at all, really. I hated the ending of this movie. Quentin mentioned the beach oh. scene. I thought the beach scene was brutal. Uh, it went on for about 30 minutes too long. Um, it, like About 30 minutes left in the film, I'm like, all right, this is good. They can wrap it up. And it kept going for 30 more minutes. And nothing progressed. It just kept going. It kept playing. But nothing else really changed or, or the mood didn't shift. Everything, you, you know, the movie was done, but they just kept the cameras rolling for 30 more minutes for no reason. Uh, they kept walking on a beach for so long. I'm like, I get it. She's in the water. Keep going. They just wouldn't <laughs> move on from this. They would not move on from that. It lingered and it lingered, just like I am right now with this bullet point, because it wouldn't stop. It was brutal. Uh, that absolutely knocked it down like five to six points for me. Just immediately. I thought that was forever. Two and a half hour film. I found 30 minutes and cut off right there. Way faster. Like it was, that was terrible. Uh, overall, I thought it was pretty, as Hayden mentioned, uh, it wasn't, nothing was exceptional plot-wise. The plot was fairly mediocre and pretty meddling. The cinematography and editing were the best parts. But even at times, the cinematography, once you picked up on the tricks and the camera pans, I kind of, all right, 
they're not in the same room. It's going to pan out. There'll be different rooms or whatever. Oh, okay. This is you know you kind of picked up on the same tricks that they're using halfway through the film. I like this movie. I didn't love this. Movie. I thought there were parts in this film that were really really well done, and uh, the rest of it was kind of ignored. And the sushi scene was awesome. The two of them eating the sushi in that room, man. What? It, it felt normal. Yeah. You know, you could cut that tinge with a. That, that was like the hottest scene of the movie. I loved that scene, and that was the one shot where. It's such a cool shot where they're eating the sushi. One of them you can see like in the foreground, and the other yeah, one you can yeah. see through the mirror. Yeah. Ah. It was. Yeah, I, I, I love that scene. The cinematography was very well done. Yeah. Cinematography. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, and to be fair, I get what you guys are saying. It's, it's mostly just like a romance film. Like it's it's really not like a it's not a huge murder mystery film. I think they it's do. Not, kind I didn't of, even think it was a murder yeah. mystery. I never considered it. Oh, uh, okay. Like, I didn't even think there was a mystery. I didn't know there was supposed to be a mystery. No, well, no, there wasn't. But, like, the, the trailers and kind of, like, the, the synopsis, it makes you think that's what it is. And when you start watching, you realize it's really not. Yeah. So, I think it's going in... It's like a, a romance of two star-crossed lovers that were never meant to be. It's yes. Romeo and Juliet, but, but not. Yeah. All right. So, we can move on to number 11, the film that is not quite able to crack our top 10. And that is going to be another Hayden pick. We have... Ooh. Scream. So oh, I have this at 29, Tristan has this at 15, and Hayden has this at 8. Just out of the top 10. Yeah, <laughs> almost made. Oh, yeah, the scissors. Yeah, 11, that's a good spot. Alright, Hayden, you want to go ahead here? You pick this one. We know ah, heck yeah. We know oh, you're a big Yeah, I, I, I love me some Scream. I'm really excited for this new one coming up. So, but Scream 5, I was just happy to see Jenna Ortega. I, I got a big crush on that girl. Uh, <laughs> gotta admit it. I picked the follow. I picked this movie. Um, I thought this movie was great. I thought it brought back the Scream hype very easily. Uh, horror movie franchise reboots tend to not do so well. But man, you can't, you can't knock Scream movies. They always do so well. I thought the bringing back of the old characters was fitting. Again, I, I only guessed Scooby-Doo Bad Guys, so I didn't guess this one either. But I thought it felt exactly like the old screen movies that's why some people i heard disliked it but personally i, I loved it yeah i'll jump in here i really like the uh, i love all the screen movies i think it's the best slasher franchise or the best slasher franchise and this one i think is a great addition to, to the series um probably honestly this is gonna be my second favorite overall of the series next to the very first one i thought oh. i thought this new screen movie was awesome jenner take as hayden mentioned was awesome with a lot of the new characters cast that they brought in were all quite well done this movie got very, very meta at times, almost to the point of being too meta at times, and that's probably one of the bigger criticism I've seen of it online, but I love it. I was there for all of it. Uh, I think the Scream movies have always been meta. It's always fun of the Scream films, the, from the first one right to the, you know, the fourth one, and the Scream remake here for the fifth one. Always been very meta, and I think that's part of the charm of them. Uh, they're very tongue-in-cheek, and I thought this one, I uh, did that tenfold. I thought this was a great addition to the, to the universe, to the franchise. I'm excited for whatever this next one has in store for us. Uh, I love all the Scream movies. I'm never get tired of these bad boys. What do you think about it here, Quentin? Yeah, Scream is interesting because I guess this is, you know, speaking of Jenna Ortega, uh, this is probably kind of like the fallout for Tristan where I don't remember much about this movie. Like, this movie is really, like, I remember really like, liking it, but when I was making this list, I was kind of thinking to myself, am I thinking of scenes from scream three four or five like i'm kind of getting all these ones mixed up here like i remember the first and second one very well but I, they're kind of starting to blur together because they're just all so meta they're also you know the very they just commentate on the on their own films and franchise and at this point they're all really blurring together for me 
And at this point, I feel like they're almost impossible to put into rankings because they're all just a giant, you know, blob of great movies. Like, I just, I have a great time when I watch these movies. And every time I watch one of them, I have a blast. I think the Scream franchise is easily the best horror franchise ever. Like, every horror franchise has a bunch of stinkers, but I think the Scream franchise hasn't missed yet. I feel like every single time, it's a really good time, or at worst, it's just fine. And this is one of the ones where I thought it was really good. I really like this movie, but I genuinely couldn't tell you what was in this movie and not in four and not in three. Like, they're, they're all starting to blur together for me. And I just don't know if I can rank these ones anymore. Like, like I, I can't tell you the difference. I just know every time I throw one on, I'm going to have a great time. I think the Scream films are super fun. I really liked it. And I have it at 29. It's just a good time. Just nothing like memorable or special that makes me go, oh yeah, like this, like, I, I don't really agree with Tristan, like, this is the second best Scream movie of all time. Like, one and two are easily the top two for me, and then the rest are just, they're good times, but they're all kind of indistinguishable for me. Like, this is just a good movie, and I really like it, and I'm excited every time they make one. I'm excited for Scream 6, and I bet your ass, after I watch the movie, I won't remember anything about it. I, I, I really like them. They're just a super fun time that I can throw on at home with a few drinks, and I'll, I'll just have a blast. It's as simple as that. Yeah, that's fair. I do get the screen movies do kind of blow up a bit because, well, you know, Mr. Teenagers, they all, you know, kind of does. I, I have trouble remember who's the bat, the movie, right? Um, I've just actually rewatched the, the, the second and third one. I'm planning on watching the fourth one sometime soon here in anticipation of the sixth one coming out. Hell yeah. Next Monday. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 of course, right now I remember all very much first as a fourth. But the reason why I rewatched it was because I couldn't remember which one was. So I agree with one that I do. The, of all franchises, screen movies do really blend together a lot. Uh, but as you also mentioned, individually, they're always. I've never watched a screen movie wow, that's a bad movie because they're not. They're always great. They're always a fun time. Um, and so they're most definitely more of the horror side of a mystery genre. I love that. So, yeah, I thought this newest one was uh, just as good as all the other ones. For Scream Seven, they should do Scream Your Citizen. Have it in your city. Scream your citizen. Oh, a citizen home would be a fun spot. If they us. call it Scream Your Citizen, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> scream Your Citizen? I'm going to scream. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it in theaters, though. That's pretty Same. Well, I'd, like, I'd watch do you, like, they're kind of the same at this point. Because they're all high school? Oh, yeah. Always in high school. Do, do it at, like, an amusement park. That's a good point. That, well, well, this next one's in New York. Well, I was about to say, well, maybe that's why Scream 6 might be... Uh, you know, more distinguishable for me because it's not going to be in a high school. That's a good point, actually. I never thought of that. That's why they probably all feel pretty similar. And they've been crushing it with the poster, so that's an indication of how good the movie is. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's why the recent Marvel movies have sucked because their posters are trash. <laughs> is that right? Only, only based on the posters. That's how I judge all my decisions. Honestly, the next year, let's not even watch the movies, guys. Let's just rank the sixty films based on the posters. I would be so down just to rank movie posters. Personally, <laughs> it'd be way more interesting conversation. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, uh, we can get a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, we did the best actor bracket for the mark for the movie madness. Then we did the best actress bracket for the March movie madness. And this year, you know, in like four or five months time, we're going to be doing the best movie scores in the movie madness bracket. Um. I was thinking of posters. The only thing, Tristan, is like, is more of like an audio medium. Like, uh, you know. Yeah, well, a podcast. You can't see Yeah, podcast, you know. Maybe this was a YouTube video we could, but it's a little yeah. harder to like. Dis- so guys, uh, if you're looking here, there is a shark looking up at someone at the top of the water. It is called Jaws. Well, I think it was Jaws. Most people know the poster. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, 
Uh, it's, it's a little harder uh, for a visual thing. I agree. But I agree. I would love to do like a poster thing sometimes because I, I love posters. Or I think taglines would be a good one too. I would, yeah, movie taglines is another good one. Yeah. There's so many brackets we can do. We, we got tons. But yeah, I agree. Uh, the posters are a huge thing. Um, and yeah, I also agree that the MCU has kind of been slacking on the posters. But you know. Uh, the Ant Man and the Wasp posters were so disgusting. They were all <laughs> so bad. Yeah, yeah, the Ant-Man ones are brutal. I, I don't the know the Ant-Man ones in particular, which is weird because they have a cool color scheme, right? And the purples and the and the blues, but all the posters are disgusting. Yeah, terrible. Uh, what are you gonna do? All right, well, that will be for the 2023 podcast where we discuss Ant-Man: The Wasp: Quantumanium. I'm sure that will crack the top ten on that list. But let's talk about the top ten for this year. We did it, guys. We are at the top ten films of the year according to Whoa. us. Oh, yeah. Let's go, baby. And to celebrate, we will start with one of my picks at number 10, and that is going to be The Menu. So I have this at number 7, Tristan has this at number 10, and Hayden has this at 33. So it didn't crack his top 10, but it cracked mine and Tristan's. Yep. That's all that matters, baby. Absolutely. I loved this one. I thought this was incredible. I had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, It starts off kind of slow. You know, you don't really know what's going on. And then it kind of builds from there, it builds from there, it builds from there, and then it snaps. And all hell breaks loose, and it gets it gets pretty wild. I thought this one was incredible. I, if you mind, we've had a couple of these sort of you know, class warfare-type movies uh, this year. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, Class, I mean, even. I think Menu uh, stands out head and shoulders above the rest as just being easily the best sort of class warfare, done in all sort of horror Type genre. I thought this was done fairly well. I really enjoyed it. Audrey Taylor Joy. We didn't even mention her when we discussed the Northman. She crushed it in the Northman, uh, but she was even better in the menu. She she held this film. I thought she was awesome. Yeah, honestly, this is the movie that made me actually finally fully understand the Audrey Taylor Joy hype. Like like she is a huge actress right now. Like Queen's Gambit, huge. Uh, you know, Northman is my eighth favorite. It was directly below this movie for me. Like I love the Northman. But this is the movie where I went, okay, I get it. Like, like Anya Taylor-Joy is really, really fucking good in this movie. Uh, you know, Ralph Fiennes might be a little biased because of Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, but I, I don't think this guy ever fucking misses. He is so freaking good in this film. I think this movie is a genuinely fun thriller where everybody in this room, there's a reason why they're all there, right? Uh, Ralph Fiennes has a grudge against all these people, whether it be the most ridiculous one, for example, he just thinks the guy has stooped low and has done bad movies lately. Even if he's got the most ridiculous fucking re- even if it's the most ridiculous fucking reason ever, there's a reason why everyone's there. And I, I just think this whole purpose, it starts to kind of unravel. You kind of start to see behind the curtain. And I really like this whole theme of you don't know what's going to happen until the last act. Every single staff member goes... All right, sit back down. We're not finished with the courses yet. You'll see what the theme is of this, you know, of this menu when we get to the last course. And you really don't. Like the entire time I kind of thought, are they going to like eat each other? Like like is like are they going to be served humans or are they going to like murder them in some like grandiose fashion which, you know, uh spoilers for those who haven't seen it. They kind of do, but not in the way you think. I think this film is very clever and very fun. I don't know if this is just me being, you know, a little artsy fartsy, like what Hayden says with the Northmen. I think this is the funniest movie of the year, you know, except for maybe Jackass Forever, which is just hilarious in its own other way. But like as a movie movie, 
this might be the funniest film ever. Like I genuinely like had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard at when they played the dude's food at the end. It just goes, oh, well, what's his name? Jackson's bullshit. <laughs> like I died at that. I gotta tell you, I don't recall laughing that hard in a moment for a film in quite some time. I was fucking dying. How the dude was like, uh, uh, so, so, some butter, and Ralph finds like, oh. oh Let's get the man some butter. And then like as he's cooking, uh, Ralph finds is like, that's an interesting way to do that. Like the entire scene is hilarious. Ralph finds doesn't miss a fucking beat. He is just on top of this dude the entire time. I genuinely had a great time. Whether it be them looking at the tortillas and it shows all the terrible things everybody has done on the tortillas. And there's like those three guys that have like those bank statements and they call over Hong Chow and they are like, what the fuck is this? And she goes, those are tortillas. Like, it's just fucking hilarious. Like everything about this movie is just a genuinely fun time. It's super fast. It's super smart. And it's really sentimental. I also really got the feels when he was making the fucking burger. And you kind of realize through the story that Ralph Fiennes is actually not the one punishing these people, but he's punishing himself. He's the one that's lost his way. He no longer finds the joy in doing the thing that he used to love. Like, it's, it's a really fun movie about, you know, art, whether it be food like this film or whether it be film itself or any other medium. You know, as a critic, people, you know, tend to watch these movies. I, I watch a shit ton of films and sometimes you kind of just start getting all up in your business like, oh, well, you know, this isn't the best fucking thing ever. But I feel like I've started to stray more away from that. I've put Jackass Forever in my top 20. Like, I don't really give as much of a fuck anymore is just if i have a really good fucking time and i feel like this film kind of plays into that where you kind of start to lose yourself you start to hate the mcu and start to hate you know the people that don't take your art seriously and there's just a point in time where you kind of need to realize you're the one that is lost in yourself ralph fines is the villain of this movie and at the beginning you kind of think everybody around him is the villain and he's gonna secretly be like the hero right like all these people clearly aren't great people but the reality is he's probably worse than all of them. Like he's clearly just lost in his ways. He no longer cares about the menu. He no longer cares about the thing that he loves the most. And he's the one that really needs to die here. And I think he is such a layered and incredible character. I think Anatelia Joy is really great. I think the entire supporting cast is great. I, I just really like this movie. I have it at seven. I also think it helps because this is Andrea's third favorite of the year. This is my buddy Isaac, who I watched, The Northman. I, like, I watch all these films with him all the time. Shout out to him. He's going to be on a few podcasts this year. This is his favorite film of the year. And so like, I, me and my wife and my buddy, we like sit down at work and we talk about this every now and then. Like, we just talk about some great scenes. Like, it's just, it's just, it really is a movie that gets me excited to talk about. I really, really like this film. Uh, I'm glad it, it squeaked into the top 10. I'm glad it cracked there. Tristan was right on the money at 10. I, I I love it. It's great. <laughs> I don't know how to top that. <laughs> Sorry, did I, I talk too long? I, I rambled there. I uh, honestly don't really remember this film. Like, to rewatch it, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, remember, I remember it being... It's his buddy's favorite movie of the year. It's fine. <laughs> it's I don't funny. know what your buddy's talking about. It's definitely not the best of the year. I thought it was quite good. 33 might be a little low. Yeah, it was But honestly, I, I stick with it. No, this, you don't. This movie, like, it's it's... From what I remember, it was fine. The best part was the tortillas. After that, it, yeah. it, it got too crazy, in my opinion. Like, it got... What? Really? Too crazy? What about the mess? When it hits the mess... No spoilers here. The mess... The mess is what did it in for me. When that yeah. happened, I was so, I was in. You know I, what I mean? I that was... Know. 
it that just was insane. It went directions I was totally not expecting, which I was fine with. But like I don't know, it got too crazy for my liking, which is why I have it. I like fucked up movies, but it was I don't know. I'm not surprised. I, when I watched one, I didn't think it would level a lot more than you did. Uh, it is slower paced, which isn't necessarily a bad thing by any means. It's the uh, overly long film or anything to begin with. It doesn't feel too long or anything. Uh, but it's not fast paced. It's not. It's a horror film, but not your horror film. There's no jump scares. Something scary happens. No one's going to sleep having nightmares of the menu. Uh, it's more horror just in the way it depicts humanity as a, as a whole and one's relationship with art. And it does, I think it gets decently scary at times, but never horrific. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised you don't love this one. I think this is one that you'll probably come to a little more with age, and as you get older, uh, maybe you'll revisit one in five, six years, you'll probably really like it. For anyone who hasn't seen the menu, I recommend a watch. Uh, there, there are some, some truly crazy scenes in this one. Uh, it does get off its hinges, and they, as Quentin mentioned, Ralph Fiennes and Arnold Hathaway were incredible. And whoever the other dude is, uh, Jackson, uh, whoever that, he did great. <laughs> he was really good. I don't know who the fuck that guy is, but he was great. Yeah. Yeah, he crushed it. Honestly, I thought all the performances in this one were quite good. Um, yeah, I really like this one. If you like, if you like suspenseful horror thriller type films, uh, particularly ones that have to do with class warfare, class separation, and art in general, you're probably gonna like this one. If that super weird description I just gave doesn't sound interesting, you probably won't be. Uh, kind of a weird movie for me. Yeah, and not like my buddy's part of this podcast, but I do just need to jump back in and clarify because I know he's listening. Uh, this is his second favorite film of the year. I uh, forgot he loves Top Gun Maverick. So this is oh, his, you know, <laughs> need to clarify, yeah. uh, you know, he, he still loves this movie. We still talk about it. Uh, it is a good yeah. time. I agree with Tristan. I recommend this to anybody that likes thrillers. Like this is just a yeah. really fun, slow burn thriller that I think really pays off. Like I really think works. Um, yeah, no, I, I like this one a lot. We can move on to number nine here. You know, we're going to do a little bit of a reverse here. I picked this movie, and obviously I was the highest. We have Hayden picking this next movie. He's not, he's, he's not necessarily the highest, but obviously uh, you know, the other two people sitting here with me are pretty high on this. We have The Black Phone, which is an incredible horror film. Tristan has this at 8, Hayden has it at 16, and I have it at 23. Okay, good. So I, when you said Smile, we went over Smile earlier. I saw I had Smile at 9. I didn't put Smile above Black Phone, did I? Because I certainly like Black Phone more than Smile. Yeah. I, so, hey, I remember when this one first got, like, announced, like, like, like the beginning of last year, it was coming out in the summertime. Hayden showed me the trailer, goes, man, this Black Phone movie's going to be awesome. And I watched it, like, eh, it looks all right. I'm sure it'll be awesome. And Hayden really wanted to go watch it. We went and saw it in the and oh, my God, did I love this one. Uh, this one, I don't know. Something about this movie just absolutely connected with me. I love this movie. Um, it's a fairly, it starts off, at least, as a fairly standard whole film you know kid get kidnapped by that bad guy in the map uh but i think it's pretty, pretty deeper from there i think those places from there are a little more creative than most slasher grant slasher you know movies end up going i really enjoyed i thought awesome start to finish i thought this one was a great the relationship with the different kids and a uh, domestic violence and how it's a you know a dangerous cycle of violence from one generation down to the next and how if one generation doesn't step up and stop it it won't stop and they uh, how all the kids in the past to help the kid now in order to, to save the kids in the future. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie in general. I thought this one was awesome. As far as horror, I think this, as I mentioned a couple times, our, this has been a great year for horror movies. And this one, surprisingly not my favorite horror movie of the year, but easily my second favorite horror movie of the year. I thought this one was awesome. Yeah, I'll jump in here too, because even though Beatrice and I have a 
relatively different score. I feel like I'm on the completely same page here. I thought this was just a genuinely fun horror flick. Like, this was just a really, really good time. Maybe even in hindsight now, I feel like this might be one of the few times that I might be wrong. I feel like I'm never wrong with my picks, but 23 does feel a little low because I had a really great time with this one. This was genuinely one of the scariest horror films of the year. Like, it was just a really creepy, really great film. Like, I, I agree with just with the telephone, and honestly, the scary stuff was when you, like, turn around and there's a dead kid there as he's talking to him. Like, stuff like that is just really creepy. And I think the lead kid is really good. Like, I feel like most oh. of the time, the lead horror, per, like, like, you know, the lead character in a horror film is kind of a hit or miss because it's mostly the the monster you're excited for, and they're kind of vanilla. And especially kids in horror flicks, except yeah. for, like, maybe it. Like, it most of the time, yeah. Most of the time, they're pretty bad. Uh, but I thought the lead kid in this was really great. Like, everything about this movie was great. Ethan Hawke was terrifying. I thought he was so creepy looking, yet he looked really cool. He, like, stood there, like, half naked with his mask on with the belt, waiting for the kid to come upstairs because it was a trap. Like, there's stuff like this that are really terrifying and really effective. I, I, I thought it was a great time. Uh, I have it at 23. It might feel low. It's just a genuinely fun horror flick. I had a really good time. Yeah, I think I thought the main kid did all right, but by far Ethan Hawke was my favorite part mm-hmm. of this movie. Um, all the posters are about showing Ethan Hawke or the black phone, but Ethan Hawke was like so menacing in this movie. You like whenever he was on screen, you'd always feel like a pit in your stomach, and how all the other kids helped this one kid by like telling him the problems and how they died or how how they got they fell for these traps set by Ethan. Um, like by leaving the door open or whenever he's sitting there up at the top of the stairs ready to beat the shit out of this kid, they would warn him. And like Tristan said, all of them had to come together, help this one boy defeat Ethan Hawke and have him be defeated in order to save future generations. I thought it was very well done. Super scary. Not my favorite horror of the film. I was actually down just because I was so excited for this movie. But by no means is this a bad movie. I thought the ending was very good. And I thought one kid that really stood out was the sister. Yeah, I thought she did great. I thought the sister did even better than the boy. She did amazing. She was probably my favorite kid in the movie. Uh, but overall, such a good movie. And such a... It felt super like Stephen King. But it was made uh, written by his son. Based really? on his son's story. It does feel sort of like a Stephen yeah, King. It does feel like a King movie. I didn't even think of that. But it feels yeah, very I didn't, Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, the story was written by his son. Uh... And it's just super, like, menacing, and really, I really, really, like... If you're a horror fan, this one's a must Absolutely. Yeah, this is one I wasn't even excited for, to be honest with you guys. Like, I, did, I didn't oh, have that much hype. I, I thought yeah. the thrill was, like, a generic horror. Yeah. And then we watched it, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah it looked kind of generic, the trailer, uh, but it's far from it. Uh, I was oh. actually so not excited for it that Hayden picked it for the podcast, and I just went, alright, fuck it, I'll just watch this on the airplane ride to the states because i was visiting the states so i i just threw it on the airplane like it was i watched it on a fucking airplane and i still was like sucked into it like, it was just such a great time uh like i was ready to just like write this one off i was not that excited it was just super fun like it was a good time it's very king like though that was a really good call hayden thank you Uh, you know, we just did one of my picks, and then we did one of Hayden's. It's only fair that we then revisit one of Tristan's films, because at number eight, we have The Fablemans. So uh, <laughs> Tristan has this at number four. 
I have this at 11, and Hayden is the humbug of this group. He put it at 24. Look, I, I love this movie. This one absolutely me on a personal I, I really felt this one. Um, and, and, you know, it's, obviously people don't know it's sort of like a, a biopic, but not quite a biopic off Stephen King's life growing up. A Steven Spielberg. Um, <laughs> wrong Stephen. Not bad. Yeah, Spielberg, of course, not Stephen King. That's Spielberg's the king of blockbuster, so, you know. That's the thing, right? His name's Stephen. He is a king in my You know, yeah, yeah. Steven Spielberg. And it's about him growing up and him finding a path as a young boy growing up and how that impacted him as he became an adult. Uh, so it's sort of a mix of a, a biopic, a coming-of-age movie, and a love letter to cinema all sort of smushed up together in this one incredible movie. And of course, if you know me, I love all three things. So this one's going to hit, hit me pretty hard. I really enjoyed this one a lot. When you get up to like the sort of, you know, between your 20 to 10, I mean, you're, you're like 10 to 1. It's not really a question if it's a good movie. It's really where do you personally feel on it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was going to like this one the most of all four of us. This one really struck me hard. I liked The Fable Wins all this one I absolutely I'm happy to see it's getting some Oscar buzz and consideration, even though I don't know how many will really take home at the end of the night. Uh, at least it's getting quite a few noms. And a, uh, if you like biopics or love letters to cinema, absolutely go watch this one. Um, this one is, if you're comparing this one to Babylon, it's, you know, the love letter to cinemas of this year. Uh, this one's easy to bet. Uh, I put Babylon at 10, so I have them back to back. Yeah, that's because you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And this was. Like I said with Babylon, it just I just went off of like the one that had like some scenes that really spoke to me because like it just felt we were putting this in ten, but as a whole, uh, this is easily like a much cleaner film and it's much better made. Like this is a really great movie. I really liked it. I would say that the best part of the movie is like the last twenty minutes. Like it ends on such a high. Like, like it's it's a perfect Oscar movie. Like if this one best picture and people were going to go back and watch all the films that won best picture like you you would watch this movie and go, oh yeah that's such a best picture film like it's it's kind of crazy that this is losing to two films that are just far from being an oscary film that uh, this feels so clearly the winner of the year and yet it's probably going to walk away with absolutely no wins but honestly it doesn't really need it it, it ends on such a great note. It's such a beautiful and personal story to Spielberg. And I really admire when directors make something so personal. I know Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. were two films that Spielberg made. And everybody was going, wow, Spielberg really got personal here. He really spoke about his life. And he did for both of those films. But I feel like this is the one where he finally kind of came open about, you know, insecurities that he still has now. Like how he depicts his parents is so fascinating to me. And I just think a movie like this of somebody, especially as huge as Spielberg, just coming out and so openly showing how vulnerable he is and how he's still kind of like a really, you know, like he, he still has issues that he still hasn't really personally addressed in his life. Like, I, I feel like his depiction of both his parents are not well portrayed at all. Like, his parents are not the uh, most, you know, squeaky clean characters you would see of a director documenting his life like i feel like he's very open about his relationship with his family and maybe how they have affected his filmmaking and who he is as a person and i feel like stuff like that is beautiful about film and i think that's kind of what makes art so wonderful and this poster 
that everybody has seen is kind of like the ending of the movie. And it's such like a fist in your ear, like almost like the ending of Breakfast Club kind of moment where you're yeah. like, booyah. He is off walking into the sunset, ready to make film. Like it's such like a fucking here we are, baby. Spielberg is ready now. You can watch this movie and then just start watching some of his old classics and it would just be perfect. Like this is just such a great movie, a really good time. It's kind of like Babylon where it's just, it's a movie for people that like movies. And sure, that's kind of, you know, oh yeah, roll your eyes kind of thing. But uh, there's something magical about stuff like this. Alrighty. Time to shit on this film. <laughs> uh, no, no, I am. Uh, I like this film. But uh, when you said Tristan has one of the top 10, I was shocked because Tristan picked shit movies this year. <laughs> yeah, um, he keeps going on Hopper. I picked all the bad movies. Yeah. Here we are, number eight. None of, them, pick, none of them were in my top 20. Pick on the podcast, though. I'm sure this is my final one, but that's... No, but I, I, I love my boy, Steven. Uh, Stewart. Of course. Not King. Not uh, King? <laughs> he's only okay. <laughs> he's okay. But no, this film, it, it gave me weird vibes at times. Especially, the one scene that really was wacky was when the, the mother was in her lingerie dancing in front of the car lights. Yeah. And then... Her father, or his, the son's father, says, hey, why don't you record this? That just feels weird. Dancing nearly naked, because your like, clothes are see-through now, in front of your husband, your husband's best friend who you're cheating on him with, and your son recording it. I don't know, it just felt weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, the scene had a lot of weird scenes. I think the first half was meh. The second half picked it up. Uh, I liked when the son started going to school, having teenager interactions. Uh, it felt more like grounded. Overall, the film was fine. That's why I put it at 24. I think four. I mean, hey, I'm glad you liked the film. I wish I liked the film that much. Uh, for Steven Spielberg, this felt very middle of the road. I wouldn't be shocked, or I would be now, but this felt like a last film. Like, if you were to end make, like making movies, this would be a good one to go out on. Um, but I think he's still making he's more. Still, he's still making. He'll which make is, him until he dies. Which is like, weird. Is. The man's ancient. He's not that old. He's only, like, what, 65? I, I think he's pushing 70. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm kind of with Hayden, though. I, I, th- I think this should be his last movie. I think this would be such a good send-off. It does feel like a send-off. Off. It feels like his final yeah. goodbye. If this was a send-off, it would have been the biggest market push for the Oscar ever. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh fair. yeah! Spielberg's final fair. film, absolutely. Yeah, like his send off to the love of cinema. This is it. He's a finally done making film. We're ending with the Fablemans. Oh, question, Quentin. If this was his last movie, right? Exact same film, nothing changed. Yeah. But this is his last movie. Do you think it wins Best Picture? I think. It, yeah, I, I think. I think it could. That's, I, I agree. It's most because it, the film itself is of to win the Best Picture. It's come out in a pretty tough year for it to win Best Picture. I feel yeah. like. Uh, but if this was Spielberg's last film ever. I think he'd probably get here. Yeah, I think there's um, a lot of directors where if they announced it was their last film and it was of this caliber, like obviously if it ends on a whimper, then it doesn't matter. But if it's of this caliber, uh, I think there's a, quite a few directors that would just automatically get a win. Like I think it's as simple as that. And, and yeah, he would be I on agree. that list. Which is silly. It shouldn't matter if it's the last film. It should be if the film's good enough. I agree, but you know, this is kind of how I the agree. Oscars work. I, I completely agree. Like, this movie is good enough, right? Uh, like in, in a vacuum, just watching this film, yes or no, is this one good enough to win Best Picture? Absolutely, it's a yes. Uh, will it win Best Picture in context of the other films coming out this year that or did come out this year or any other marketing pushes and whatnot? Probably not, no. It's probably going to go to, you know, Maverick or everything all at once or, you know, Banshees or something. Um, but this one, I think, is what's definitely good enough. I love this movie. As I mentioned, I think one of the big things is Hayden also mentioned when he, he 
gets to high school and sort of teenage and stuff. How this is still a come very much yeah. through and through. This is very much a story of a young man growing up, finding who, who he wants to be in the world. And he finds that through his love for cinema and his passion for cinema. And you can only feel that, as Quentin mentioned, it being a personal film for Spielberg. You can feel his personal love and passion for cinema really coming through on the lead character here, who, by the way, performance-wise, this Spielberg's kind of got looked over performance-wise from the Oscars, but I did think the lead guy here did a great job. They don't he, give it to kids, though. Yeah, it's tough for a child actor, even if you ever get any noms in the Oscars, especially at Best Lead Actor in a year like we've had with some great, you know, lead performances. So I'm not surprised he didn't get any noms for it, but I, I thought he did great. I'm a little disappointed he didn't get any. It's also pretty clear that he does not like his dad still because he made Paul Dano lose his wife to Seth Rogen. That's like the biggest fucking burn you could give your dad. Why? Well, Seth, R- Seth Rogen's a good looking guy. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm just saying. Like, if I had a son and he made me, like, lose my wife to Seth Rogen, I, I, I would be um, very disappointed oh, in my own part of What if he casted you, though? What if he casted you as Paul fucking Dano? Exactly. That's a good point, actually. They did, yeah, he did cast his son, uh, sorry, he did cast his father as Paul Dano, and Paul Dano's fucking awesome. And he's really yeah. good in this movie. He's so good. He did really Paul Dano is easily the second best supporting act in performance of the year. And honestly, most other years, he might be the best. Like, he is absolutely incredible. And fortunately for him, yeah. he's against Kihui Kwan because he probably could have, he yeah. could he could have gotten an Oscar. He really could have. He was oh, so he, good. I think he would have had the Oscar if Kihui Kwan didn't. Uh, well, actually, sorry, let me take it back. He didn't even get fucking nominated. The Oscars hate him. Oh, no. Because the acting performance in the movie, I completely... <laughs> well, no, they get, well, Judd Hirsch from this movie got nominated, but not Paul Dano. They just don't oh, like the right. guy. Yeah. Yeah, the, I forgot all about that. No, Never mind, I take it back. Yeah, the uncle, the older one. He's only in the one scene. Yeah. Or like two scenes. And yeah. he got nominated for Best Support. He was great. I thought he was incredible. No, he was really good. I thought he was incredible in this one scene he was in. He wasn't in it for much. He is actually um, really, really good. Unfortunately, there is a little performance called Paul fucking Dano that didn't get nominated. Get out of here. Yeah, that was unfair. Yeah. And I thought both his parents were, were as we already mentioned, they were... I don't say in a critical lens, but they were most definitely, they weren't rose-colored glasses. No. You know, looking back on the shadow. They were both depicted in very honest and real ways. You know I mean? They, they, they both, they weren't bad parents. They clearly loved their children, but they both had flaws and they did what they, they thought was best for themselves and for their family as a whole. Uh, but they, by no means did they always make the right choice. And by no means were they the best parents. Uh, but no one really is. And I, I think it wasn't a, much of a critical look at his parents, rather a very honest look at his parents and, and parenthood in general i agree that well honestly that i think that's what made me like the movie even more which is how oh absolutely if this was just yeah. a, a real rose color glass yeah and a perfect coming of age story of him having a great life and that's why i became a girl that would be boring that would be lame yeah. that would be really short um when this one feels much more real much more raw a uh, honest is the big thing here yeah. and, and vulnerable at parts it felt really, really personal important. yeah it, it was a, it really felt like we were yeah. spe- this was steven spielberg's therapy session like it was just him yeah. going over his life it was raw it was beautiful uh and, and Spiel- steven spielberg is one of the greatest blockbuster directors ever like, like he is a huge figure in this industry and for him to be co- be so personal here is great and honestly uh I, i'm shocked this isn't winning best picture like it's lost all steam now and has no chance because when I watched this movie, I went, "Yeah, this this is best picture. Like this is this is yeah." I don't know why this isn't more of a best picture contender. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, guys, it got the nom, right? At least it got the nom. But I mean, you got a lot of noms. Yep. Got a lot of noms. I don't know how many awards. I would bet money right now that's going to win none. Really? Not a single one, eh? Nope. That's so disappointing to me because this is such a good movie. Yeah. I don't think it stands a chance in any. Um, if you think it's going to win one, let me know, Tristan, because uh, the odds for this movie at winning anything is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Not surprised. All right. Top seven. Here we go. Here we are. Number seven. We have another pick from Hayden. This would be my wife's favorite film of the year if she was on the podcast, because that would be The Whale. Oh, yeah. So we have The Whale here. Tristan has that six. Hayden has it at nine, and I have it at 19. We got another humbug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's 19. I don't, what, what more do you want from me? This is a good movie. Um, you know, a, you two and Andrew would have it in your top 10. That's like a little too crazy for me, but. Uh, here, I'll just go first to get all the negativity out of the way, because I do like this movie. Um, yeah, it's just a good time. I, I think the writing's really great. I think Brendan Fraser is incredible in this movie. Oh, my God. Like, I personally like Colin Farrell more. Like, like, like I, I think that was a better performance, but I think this is an Oscar performance. Oh, like, no offense to Austin Butler, but, like, you know, yeah, Tom Hanks in your movie. Like, you weren't even the best part of the movie. But this is this is the Brendan Fraser show. Like, th- this is a Oscar-winning performance. He should win. I have a feeling he might not win, but I really hope he does. He's so good in this. This is a really, you know, uh, this is his comeback. Like, I love that comeback narrative, and especially for a film like this, where it's about a guy even builds into the comeback narrative of the character and story itself of a man that's lost everything, and he just wants his daughter back and he believes the kindness in everybody it's just this sad beautiful man that believes there's goodness in everyone and he has so much faith in the world and it's just a really hopeful film that's really great there's just some things that like i didn't love but like it really doesn't matter like i I think the the the, you know the biblical stuff is a little too much on the nose i think like him turning his camera on was a little too cheesy that didn't really work for me but like the scenes that don't really work as much for me there's just as many scenes that really do. I really love the ending. I know I saw on Twitter they uh, were not a fan of the ending where he like kind of rises up and he stands and he like goes off into you know uh, whatever. I don't want to spoil too much, but I think the ending's beautiful. I, I think it's a really gorgeous ending. We find out what this review. We, we find out what that report was that he was reading at the beginning of the film and throughout. At the end, it's such a beautiful note that they touch on. It's a great time. It's a really beautiful film. I'm shocked and glad that you guys both have it in your top 10. I, I know Hayden picked it, but like when I was watching this, I didn't once go, oh, Hayden's going to love this. I kind of just thought it was kind of like a movie where people are talking. And I didn't really think that was his thing, but I'm glad you guys like this as much, even more than I do, because it's, uh, it's a really good movie. Okay, I'm going to hop in. I think I was, vo- I was flabbergasted yeah. when I went to saw this movie. Um, I think... Brennan Fraser killed it. I actually teared up near the end uh, when him and uh, Sadie, Sadie Sink did amazing also. Sadie Sink killed it. But uh, the two of their relationship felt so raw, so real, um, where you have this girl who ha- ha- doesn't want a relationship with her father but only goes to see him just for money. And then you have the father who, who will do anything to have his daughter. He will give her all of his money when his short-lived, like when his sh- the rest of his life, which is not, he doesn't have long, uh, he's just going to give it all to her, just for the last few days to be spent with her. Um, what's the nurse's name? Uh, Hong Xiao. 
Wong Shao's, yeah. She did amazing. She she blew it out of the park. All three of them killed it. I loved how the cat was small. We only stepped outside of the house for like one scene, really. I think Brennan Fraser, like it was just beautiful. The ending was impeccable. I think nine is I, I think that's very fair. Over I think Brennan Fraser deserves the Oscar. Uh, yeah, I'll jump it. I absolutely loved this movie. I was at this one number six, just a couple below that. The Fableman. I thought a uh, Brendan Fraser's performance in this movie was incredible. You know, you have good performances. This one, this is a great performance. This is a performance you remember. This one, absolutely deserving of of the lead Oscar nom nom to the win. I hope it. I hope it wins it. I don't know, but I absolutely hope it does. You already mentioned Sadie Sink. I thought yeah. Sadie Sink stole the show. I truly, I think she may have had the best performance. Of the year, no, I, I think she's the. Year. I think she's the Tom Hanks of Elvis. No, I was going to say that she really is. She is the Tom Hanks <laughs> of Florida. She cried, every scene she was in. She absolutely. I thought she was incredible. Really disappointed she didn't even get the nom for the best supporting actress. Because she's young, I think. Yeah, I, I maybe I don't know. She's not like she's old enough. I would think. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think her age has much to do with it. If if I can just jump in here, I think it's just yeah. because. I don't think the whale was super beloved. Like it only got like three nominations, and two of them yeah, were for performances. The Oscars weren't huge on the win. Yeah, yeah, like the Oscars just weren't huge on it. And also, um, I kind of agree with the Oscars where I, I, I really like Sadie Sink, but I thought she was the third best of the three performances. Like I really liked her. I think this is a performance yeah. buffet. Like this is just some great acting yeah, in this Hong movie. Chow, the Hong Chow got the nom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Hong Chow and Bernard Fraser got the nom, so it would have. You know, uh, if this movie was more likely, if this movie was going to get nominated for Best Picture, maybe got a few more noms, like, um, she probably would have went, went along for the ride. But uh, just because it wasn't as beloved, uh, they, they can only, I guess they only rewarded two. Yeah, which I think is disappointing, because I really do, I thought, incredible in this movie. Is it I, Best Performance of the Year? One of. Oh, no, no, no not Best Performance. One of. For sure, one of. Uh, yeah, I, the script in this movie was fantastic. I, I love the, the script, the screenwriting. The, uh, the Brendan Fraser's character in general was was uh, tough to watch at parts, yeah. but a uh, incredible at others. And uh, I did get a little teary eyed a little early on. The scene with the mother, um, when, when she was when the mother came in for the one scene, she was only one scene. Another great performance, only being a one scene character. Uh, I thought she was also incredible. Uh, overall, I love this movie. I, if you like drama, it's really personal. You know, small films only take place in one setting handful of characters and it's just more of a deep drama about people and who they are as individuals it really dives in deep at parts and uh would recommend this one for sure would absolutely recommend this one bring some tissues with you you'll probably tear up a little yeah you guys said you both teared up i looked over at andrew and the movie was over and like her entire outfit was wet (laughs) i'd be like mom there's no way mom (laughs) yeah yeah this is a real mom movie yeah i looked over at andrew and like uh while i was watching the movie and near the end of the film, I was like, why, why are my feet wet? I looked down and the entire floor was covered in water. Yeah. Like she just, she couldn't stop crying. With, uh, him crying in the water at the bottom. Yeah. Good. You would never cry. You're a man. Yeah, exactly. I only cry on to- at Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. He only cries at real heartbreak. That's right. Puss in Boots. That's fucking right, baby. The first Puss in Boots? Both. Oh my God. Different reasons. But both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I cried because I wasted an hour and a half of my fucking life with that first movie. All right. We got it all back. Let's watch that second one. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, We can move on to number six. This is another Hayden pick. We're back to back here, but we have probably Hayden's favorite horror film of the year, and that is going to be Barbarian. 
So yeah. Hayden and Tristan. Oh my god! Top five. Incredible. Um, I, I I was blown away when I saw you guys both put this here. But we have Hayden at four, Tristan at five, and I'm at twenty five, which I, which I guess is a lot lower. Um, here I'll go first once again with the whale. I'll I'll get rid of any of the negativity right off the bat because we're in the top ten. Let's focus on the good stuff here. Uh, I like this movie. This is. A little lower than the Black Phone for me. I think I put that at 23. And they're kind of on par where they're just genuinely fun horror flicks. Like, this is just a really great horror movie. If anybody that loves horror hasn't seen this or Black Phone, I would obviously recommend both of these. They're just really good times. Yeah, I guess I said, like, you know, it is, uh, you know, I don't love horror flicks, uh, or at the very least, like, I don't love them enough to put them in my top 10, maybe. And, and I do have an issue with like the ending of this movie, I would dare say the first two thirds of this movie are really good. Like it would crack my top 15 maybe, uh, but, but I'd put it down like 10 because I, I, I don't know. The ending just seemed like a huge miss for me. I'm sure you guys both obviously loved the ending, but like, I kind of like if they took the ending of smile and to put that in barbarian, like, like I'd be sold, but I just thought like the ending kind of ended on a bit of a whimper, but the first two thirds, obviously when they're in that apartment and you don't really know what the fuck is going on. And then, oh my God, when they start going down the stairs in every single level, you don't know what the hell is going on, but it gets weirder and weirder and scarier and scarier. It's really good filmmaking. Like this is a really scary horror film. One of the scariest horror films of the year. Like, like yeah. it's a genuinely yeah. scary time. Really good. And then I absolutely loved the editing and directing decision to just like absolutely slap us in the fucking face halfway through the film and just turn it into like a comedy for half a second. Like we give it time to like take a fucking breath. We got the dude from Dodgeball just being a fucking jerk on the phone and he's just an asshole and he's the one that secretly owns the apartment. Like there's just, the film knows when to like let up the tension for a second and give us a time to breathe and it's fun and lighthearted and then it gets quickly back into fucking terror, like very quickly. In about five minutes, we're right back in. It gave us half a second, and we're right back into seeing him now experience this place. Like, it's a really fun time. Like, like I do think this is a really good horror flick. So I guess I'm not so shocked at Hayden putting it at four, because I know he's a big horror guy. Uh, oh, but Patricia, you put it at five. <laughs> like, like, what was your thoughts on Barbarian? I thought this movie was a masterpiece. I thought, like, this, this is how you do a horror film. Right from the beginning, like, you know... Uh, I don't get into too much spoilers here because honestly, you go in as blind as possible. Yeah. I didn't even know what this movie was about. I I didn't know a thing about this one. All I knew was I saw a bunch of buzz online going, "Man, this the horror movie of the year. This one's incredible. It's incredible." I mean, he go, "Ah, screws with," and they, uh, oh my god, was it incredible? Yeah, this one go in as blind as possible. Um, so skip ahead if you don't want me to spoil things for you. I'm about to now. Uh, but when like when it starts off at the the, uh, the Airbnb and it's double booked, so there's two of them in there. Immediately, I think everyone just doesn't trust. Bill Skarsgård's character for shit. Yeah, like, I didn't trust that guy at all. And throughout <laughs> the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie, there's this uneasy tension where you don't know which characters you should trust, which characters you shouldn't trust. And by the time you finally find out which ones are the good guys and which ones, it's way too freaking late already. People are already dying, and there's bodies piling up. It just cuts, as Quentin already mentioned, to a random fucking douchebag in a car just, just driving down the freeway bitching at people. And then it completely goes off its rails for like 30 minutes of like a dumb comedy before it comes back to the house and it keeps going um, and dives deeper into what happened in the house and the backstory and everything. I thought if there's a way to do a horror movie, this is the way to do it. Without, like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, like, Get Out or Us, you know, the, the, those sort of types of, you know, more enlightened horror as people deem it as. This is more of a standard horror film. It does have a deeper message or meaning or whatever as well. Um, but that's not what it hinders on or what 
depend on uh, in order to find value in this film. This movie is just a, a nuts but scary ass horror movie. There are scenes in this movie um, that I still remember months. I haven't seen yeah. one since theaters. There's one or two in there that I think is truly the scariest scene I've ever seen in a film. I thought it was so well shot and so well done. I just couldn't mention, though, with the Northman, like the worst viewing experience of the year for him. That's me with Barbarian. I <laughs> love this film. But by God, the people in the theater were so goddamn annoying during this film. They wouldn't stop talking. They wouldn't stop, like, joking and not, like, laughing at parts where it's funny to laugh at, but laughing because they were clearly nervous and so they didn't know what else to do, so they started laughing. Do that or cry. Yeah, which just throws <laughs> it off for everyone else in the audience. Super suspenseful film. Like, they're heading down to the basement. If you're watching the movie, the basement's a scary part. That's where the scary shit happens. It's in the basement. It's one of those movies. And, like, shoot out, don't go in the basement. The booby lady's down there. Shut up. I'm trying to watch this freaking movie. The kids behind us were texting on their phones the whole time. Bad viewing experience. But phenomenal, phenomenal film. I truly regret not going back and watching it a to have a better viewing experience. It was so good. I would have went a second time. We should have gone a second time, honestly. It was so good. The only down part was that freaking annoying people in the theater around us. Brutal. But it was an uh, incredible film. Not the movie's fault at all, so I didn't take any points off for that. Yeah. I, I put it at five. Or two. But that's a good point about the Scar's Guard, though, Tristan. Like, even when he had the bottle of wine still sealed, he's like, oh, I, I didn't open it just so, like, you, you could see me open it in front of you so I know you didn't do anything to it. And you're watching, you're like, shut the fuck up. We know you're... Yeah. He's, like, so overly innocent, you're like, I'm not fucking falling for you, you loser. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, now that we're talking about 25 is too low because I, you know, I, I think the movie starts to lose steam, but I think the first like 45 minutes is like incredible. It was it's oh, such yeah. a good time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, this, this one was incredible. <laughs> Skarsgård's great. Yeah. I didn't to me, this, this is what a horror movie should be in my opinion. You know, yeah. This is the way you do horror. Yeah, this is it's what everything you want in there. Suspense, yeah. action, jokes, fun characters scary moments that truly like can't get out of your brain like it, it had everything yeah well, well hayden you picked this and you're the highest on this well, what was your thoughts that's true i, I thought i'd be the highest on hayden's even even above no me so when i we watched this we both like sat in the theater for a couple minutes wow that was that was fucking <laughs> that was amazing fucking like i thought this like this movie genuinely one of the most terrifying movies i have ever seen it is batshit crazy like there's so many twists and turns where like, Tristan, at the start, you just don't trust this fucking dude for shit. Don't you trust know, for shit. You do not trust him. And it turns out he was just a genuinely good guy. Didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> do anything wrong. <laughs> you did nothing wrong the whole time. I fucking hate him for it. It, like, it just came out of nowhere. They were in a dark room, and then shit happens. And, like, the movie just turns from there on. But then instantly gets good again. And, like, yeah. it's like, it's kind of like sine and cos in math. It dips up and down, up and down. <laughs> Yeah, for an hour and forty minutes. Bet y'all didn't think we'd bring trigonometry. <laughs> hey, did at the beginning of this podcast didn't Hayden say that he failed math because he was watching all these movies? I think he's lying. I think he might have mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's in my brain. I've been racking math for a while, but uh, this movie is absolutely just insane. And I've been thinking about it. What we when did we see it? When did it come out? Like May, June? Like mid- no, no, no. It was. I think it was, like, August, September. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. But I've been genuinely thinking about this every day since then. Yeah. And it's just been going up and up and up. And I realized it's just, like, nearly the perfect horror movie. Yeah. Um, there's n- I don't have anything to say, say bad about it. You didn't like the ending. I thought the ending was, I think it was the weakest part of the film because it started off so strong. 
the middle was great, how like it kind of was a fresh start for a new character. And then we got into the third act. I think it was the weakest part. I thought it was very fun. How yeah. like it was between or do we really want to get into it? We don't have to. We don't yeah. have to get into it? Okay. I don't know. It was just overall such a fun movie. I think twenty five is Oh, that's embarrassing. That's yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it's bad. Um I think this movie was great. I loved it. Uh I think it was clearly the best one movie. Oh yeah. No, this one and like we said it before, you're full of great horror movies. This one stands alone as being deep. This one really separates. I walked in knowing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Absolutely oh yeah. I, I, I saw the post. It. Yeah. Give me a quick second. I'm just checking my actual ranking. I just want to see where it ranks among the horror flicks. I just want to see. Okay, so for horror movies, are we counting? For horror, like we count nope, but I wouldn't count the men. Okay, that was my question. Do we count the menu? Okay, so if that's the case, that's the case. My top five horror flicks of the year would be one: Nope, two: Prey, three: The Black Phone, four: Barbarian, and five: Scream. Those would be my my top five horror flicks. Yeah, you're you're way up. Yeah, you have Prey above it. That's yeah, both Barbarian. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you two were too high on Prey. I I I just thought Prey. I thought Prey was quite good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess you guys are with Prey how I am with Barbarian, where it's just a really good horror flick. Uh, it's, it's really good, but, you know, like it's not like my favorite. Uh, but no, I, th- this is really great. Uh, I think the first hour is up there with, like, nope. Like, 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 like I, I, I think it's, like, really good material. I don't know. I think it loses steam. Maybe at the moment Hayne says... You know, obviously, like the Scars Guard thing. Like, you know, once it gets to that, uh, who knows? But it, it is a really good time. This is definitely like, if I'm going to recommend a horror flick, this and probably Black Phone are probably, you know, they're just standalone classics. They're not like Prey or Scream where they're based off of, you know, IP is just purely great original horror flicks that like feel like you could have saw them in the 80s. Like, this feels like a 1980 horror yeah, flick. No, Same with Black like- Phone. Yeah. Like they're really Marian, Black Phone, Smile, like all these I, just great original horror films coming out. Nope being another one, you know what I mean? That aren't a tied to any sort of guys or pre existing IP. Just original, creative, crazy ideas for horror movies. Plus we did have, you know, Scream, Prey, Terrifier 2, these other entries of the more pre existing uh, horror films or franchises that, that were also it's a great year for horror and, movies. And and like even those pre existing ones, right? Like Prey and Scream and even Terrifier 2, I guess. Like, like they, they add more to the original films. Like, they yeah. don't feel like they're just needlessly a cash grab. They actually, like, feel like they have substance, and they're really great, yeah, and they stand that, up on yeah. their own. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't even mention Halloween Ends, which that's, like, the one that they had. They're contractually obligated to make a third movie in that franchise. No, 13th film in that franchise. Didn't care for it. You know what I mean? Like, like there were some bad ones, but they were few and far between compared to that. Yeah. The wealth of great horror movies we had. We are at the top five. All five of these films are incredible, but let's kick it off with the most successful film financially this year. And that is, of course, speaking of sequels that feel like they have a lot to tell, Avatar The Way of Water, uh, which I guess uh, technically is number two at the box office because I only pulled the numbers financially uh, from the domestic box office. So that would be $658 million domestically worldwide far and above the most successful film of this year uh is it what number three of all time it, it's fucking incredible uh, the, the yeah, length this film Titanic, I think it's three of incredible all 
It passed Titanic. Titanic came back and beat it with its 20th release. And then Avatar The Way of Water beat it the week after. So it beat it twice. <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water. Hayden has it at number five, right on the money. Tristan has it at seven, and I have it at 20, uh, which I guess feels like a gap. Um, I'll quickly go first. I really don't got that much to say. This is just a genuinely great blockbuster. Like, this is just a great time. I really liked it. Uh, I, I think the first Avatar is better. I'm curious uh, where you two stand on this defense here. I think the first one's like quite a bit better. Like I just, I, I feel like it's nostalgia speaking. Like I just grew up the hell with the first Avatar. Like I just love that movie. I will, I watched the first Avatar with Andrea who saw the first Avatar the first time in her entire life before we watched this movie. She never saw it before. And we watched it at home on my brand new 4K TV. It was the first time that she ever saw it. And it was so fucking good. It still looks incredible. It looks so good. This movie is not far off though. This movie looks really, really fucking good. And the middle part is my favorite part where there's in the water and it's just such a vibe. It's really, really fun. That's all I gotta say. It's just a fun time. But uh, truth be told, I have not thought about this movie once after I saw it. Like it's just a good time. I fucking loved it. I remember standing outside the movie theater with my buddies and we were like, where the fuck is Avatar 3? Like, let's fucking go right now. Like, we were fucking ready to go. This is just such a good time. And that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's like Black Phone and Barbarian. It's just a good time at the movies. This is why I love cinema. 2022 is hard to rank because there's just really good shit out there. But, uh, you know, this is good. I don't know what else to say. You guys have it in your top 10. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, I think this is better than the first. I didn't grow up with the first at all. I think That's I've watched fair. like this in my life. Um, I, like you said, it's close. I think this is a step above. I think it looks visually better. I mean, what? There's 13 years between them. It should look yeah. better. The first little bit is kind of meh. It's just them going across the water. But then once they finally get to the wa- whatever it's called, what do they call the reef? Yeah, the reef. The water. Um, the water. I- <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to call it. I think just all the characters shot, have their moments to shine. And I think, um, especially the daughter. The daughter plays a major role in this movie. I thought she was a fun character. I think both the sons are great. All of them are just so likable. They work on each character individually. I think the bad guy was fun. The one person I didn't like was the only he. I thought he was a bit annoying in this movie. Uh, but yeah, it was just a fun film. I... Walking out of the theater, I was just flabbergasted because I did not expect to like it, especially when, ha, that I have to wear 3D glasses. Wasn't a fan of that. I didn't care. Like, I, I was probably fine with it. I was just felt inside of the world. Sometimes I would take the glasses off and then put them back on. It would just like bring me right back into the land of Avatar. I felt away from Earth for those two hours, and I felt like I was there in the film experiencing it with them. It felt like an adventure, and that's why I put it at five. I thought the theater one I've never felt before. Um, the movie felt different from all the others because I felt like I was there, and I loved it. Yeah, I'll jump in here. I, I agree with Hayden. Quinn mentioned how he never really thought about the movie after seeing it in theaters. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to think this movie one <laughs> That's location, true. one location only. <laughs> in the theater, baby. That's the only spot to, The only spot that matters. Just watching them on the big screen in IMAX in the high frame rate with the 3D. I hate 3D, but I thought it was incredible in there. That's the way to watch it. That was such a spectacle um you know that's the main draw of the avatar who cares about the characters a lot you're not here for that you're here for 
big alien, big monsters, and that big blue sea, and it delivered in all three of those things. I had thought this one was an absolute blast. Now, comparing the first to the second, I know Quentin likes the first, he likes the second. I'm going to give you the real bad answer. I don't know which one I like. Bruh, I love it. Unbelievable. Okay. It's the worst answer, but see what I'll give you. Yeah, it's absolutely a cop-out, all right? And I am okay with that, because I love them both, and I can do that. I like all the blue people. I just want all, <laughs> more blue turquoise people, the awful blue people, all the different shades of blue people. I want them on the big screen, okay? I want seven more of these bad boys. They're just so much fun. They're such a good theater experience. Who cares if it's not, you know, as deep and all these moral messages and, you know, all these levels to it. It doesn't need to be. It, it's got so much beautiful artwork and it's such a visual spectacle to watch on the screen i, I loved it um yeah we don't really have to talk too much more about this one because yeah. no one hasn't seen this the one. brightness is not oh yeah, yeah. Honestly, it was so bright even with the 3d glasses it was tinted glasses in a dark room and surprised why it's not as bright as normal but of course james cameron knows that he makes it for that experience he tailors a film for that so it's super bright that's why when you put your glasses on it's still so bright and vibrant yeah. Um, it doesn't doesn't dull it out or dull the senses at all like three tends to. It's not an afterthought with the Avatar movie. It's a forethought. It's a reason they're making these films. Here's one thing that's driving me nuts though about the Avatar movies as a whole for both of them. And, and to be fair, I guess yeah, I'm jumping the gun here for the second Avatar film because it's not out on physical yet. But these are easily top. Like both of these movies are easily top ten most visually stunning films ever made in the history of film. Yeah. And they're not on fucking 4K. What the hell is James Cameron doing? Is this not the easiest way to make money ever? Just slap that fucking thing on 4K. Well, Way of Water will go on 4K. Yeah, they both will. Guaranteed. And they're probably waiting for like a 20-year anniversary or something. Well, well, here's but what I was I thinking. I thought the first Avatar movie, I was holding off on watching it. Like, like we were going to watch it in September, no, October in anticipation for this. But I kept going, oh, well, let's wait. They're going to release this on 4K and we're going to buy it. And it's going to look fucking stunning. Um, and, you know, it still looked fucking stunning even on the Blu-ray. But, like, we waited until, like, the week before. And I thought, well, there's literally no announcement and they didn't drop 4K Avatar. Like, was this not the moment to drop it? Like, in anticipation of the second Avatar, drop the first one on 4K in September. Like, was that, was that not the goal? Did that not make sense? Yeah, that would have made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I assumed they already had it on 4K. I, I was unaware that this was an issue. I'm, I'm wondering if it's James Cameron, though, because I don't believe a single James Cameron film is on 4K, unless I'm mistaken here. I, is Aliens not on 4K? I don't think Aliens, Terminator, I don't think Titanic. Uh, I think they announced Titanic might be coming on 4K, but I might be jumping the gun. Well, Titanic's not. Titanic feels like they would have. Like, these films... Or some of the biggest blockbusters ever. It just feels like this is like a slam dunk to get 4K. But, you know, just a quick aside, because I, like, think the first Avatar film would be, like, an instant buy for me and anybody else that has 4K, because it's just, it's such a visual film. And, and Avatar 2, you bet your fucking ass I'm buying this on 4K. This is Andrew's second favorite film of the year. Yes, that's right. My wife's two favorite films of the year both have whales, but she loved this movie. She's just a big fan of whales. She's a big fan of fucking whales. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> big, big whale fan. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, if, if you're going to make a movie and you got a whale in it, uh, even if you're like the MCU, the, Andrew's yeah. fucking sitting there opening night. That's all I'm going to say. She <laughs> loves free will. <laughs> yeah, I'll we'll have to do a whale podcast and the yeah. greatest podcast of her life. <laughs> 
She'll just put them all in first. She won't even have a ranking. It's too tough to rank. Yeah, <laughs> too, too hard. All right. We can move on to number four here. Uh, we're going to take a break from the box office and go to one of my picks, which was widely successful in the box office, just not in America. That is going to be RRR. I have this at three. Hayden has this at six. And Tristan has this at 11. So we still haven't reached a movie that all of us had in our. Nope, not yet. Wow. Wow, okay. Well, we almost did, Tristan. You ruined it. I'm sorry, guys. I, yeah, I had smile above this. No. Yeah, look back. The smile. I can't believe it. Yeah. You're killing me here. Um, yeah, here, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, RRR. I don't know if this is just because uh, this is the year where I'm finally back on blockbuster cinema, baby. I don't know. I, I, I've done the opposite of what Nope has warned me to do. I am all about the fucking spectacle, baby. I don't give a fuck. And this film looked so good. It was so exciting. Natu Natu is amazing. Both these characters are fun. It's such a simple story that is so fucking exciting. Like, it visually Stunning. One of the greatest looking movies in its style that I've seen in quite some time. Like it's just it's very, very campy, very, very lighthearted and fun and exciting. And the action sequences are just amazing. I still can't get over the shot where they like flip the camera over the lake and it does like a 180 spin to show like the actual character. Or, you know, when we see the reflection on the guy's eyes of the fire and the whole army the dude fights in, in like the first 10 minutes of the movie. Like this movie is hitting at, at 100 in every action sequence of the film. The bridge scene is amazing. Like there's just every, every action scene I could stop and talk about. Just the action of this film is incredible. It's three hours and something long, uh, but, but I'll be honest with you. Like I watched this and I plan to watch half one night and half the night after. I, I lost track of time. I watched the entire thing in one night and it was at 1 a.m. when the movie ended. I just went, holy fucking shit, it's over? Wait, it's 1 a.m.? I, I thought I was just going to watch an hour and a half. Like it just, I lost my concept of time. I was just so excited in this movie. I have it at three because it's fucking awesome. And that's the only reason I need to give. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I'll go next. I have it at six. I think, damn, the action in this movie was action I've never seen like as good in any other movie. Like every action scene, the one I really remember was when they were like storming the building with all like the rich fucks. They had fucking tigers on their side. They had all these animals with them. Oh my god, it was just beautiful. Everything about this film was just beautiful. I had no plans on watching this movie until Quentin picked up the podcast. So I thought, eh, I'll grind it out in the car ride. And I just fell in love with it. I, I had it at four, but then, you know, two movies came, bumped her down. But I was genuinely blown away by this film of the genuine friendship between these two guys. Um, yeah, it was just so much fun. And I was genuinely impressed. Yeah, as both Quentin and Hayden already mentioned, the action, top notch. So, the, you know, the, the action scenes, the overtop can't, the, you know... It, who cares if it's not realistic? It doesn't need... Just go ridiculous about it. Have tigers jump in and things blowing up out of nowhere. Uh, super fun. Absolute blast. I only had it just outside of my top ten there. As Quentin mentioned, it, it's a bit of a simple story. Uh, and it's three hours long. There's really no reason why this story needed to take over three hours to tell. It didn't feel three hours, though. I agree. It didn't feel as run the full... Because of how a, uh, great the action was. And the pacing was really well done as well. The pacing was great. 
and not to not do the song that I got nominated for for the Oscars. Uh, great original song. That's how you do an original song in a movie. Actually, have it be in the movie, not an end credit song. And it's still like an action scene. Yeah, it was a great dance. Yeah, they were going for it. It was so good. Yeah. And I, I hope they do live performances at the Oscars because I would love to see them perform this live on stage. That would be incredible. Yeah. Uh, if Not yeah. Too Not Too wins best song, uh, easily the best winner of that category in the history of that category. Yeah, it would be a huge win for, for, for it. I hope it wins it. I absolutely do. I think it got snubbed uh, international. Best. Yeah, well, India was being stupid with that. Well, that's India's fault, yeah. Was even in contention because India sucks. Uh, you know, no offense to our India listeners out there, but um, yeah. yeah, I don't know why they didn't pick it. Honestly, this film, you know, uh, I'm biased. Should have been nominated for score, visual effects, director, and best picture. Like, like just that that should have been the five. Uh, and then obviously international if uh, India got their shit straight. But like, I thought some like the elements of this movie that worked worked really really well. Uh, you know. This isn't going to be like a screenplay nomination or anything like like it's nothing great like that. But like it's kind of, like this is probably the Avatar for me as it is for Trissa. Like you know Trissa's probably more like Avatar's more of his style. Uh, this is definitely more of mine. Where like it's just like a dumb blockbuster that's not meant to have a rich story. You're just meant to have a great fucking ass time with it. And I still think of those action sequences. And I saw this movie months ago. I, I still don't stop thinking about it. some of the fucking action in this film. Like. My God, the action this year was top notch. Like, there's so many great action movies, and I think this might be the best. Like, it's, it's that fucking good. I really liked it. Um, I'm glad you guys liked it too. I was a little worried it'd be like me at three, and you guys both had it at like thirty. But I'm glad we're both, we're all on the same page here. Are our fucking rules? All right, on to the top three, Quentin. The final top three, three. and coming in at number three. Do we all have this in our top 10? That would be a no-go, but it is from the box office, and that is going to be The Batman, which is number seven in the box office with over $369 million. Tristan has The Batman at number two. Hayden has it at number three. I have it at number 12, which seems low. But I fucking love this movie. I, 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 <laughs> you can't say you fucking love yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Trish, you go first. You have it at number two. This is your second favorite uh, film of the year. And look, I don't really much things to be said here. The Batman is just a mess. All right, I thought after the Dark Knight, we would never get that caliber again. And here we are, like 10 years later. Not, yeah, no, 12 years later, whatever. Close. And they, uh, just another absolute masterpiece in the Batman universe. Matt Reeves and Robert Patterson. Knock this one out of the park. This movie in general was, it was incredible. Look, I guess the only knock on this one, once again, it was the runtime. Is this the th- third three-hour film in the row we're talking about here? Um, a lot of three-hour movies on this list this year, but a, uh, if it takes that long to get a movie this good, I'm down for it. This one was incredible. Uh, Paul Dano is back again, another great performance in this one. Colin Farrell also had another great performance in the year, uh, even better in this one. The Batman in general, the score was incredible in The Batman. Just an absolute great score. It's really, it's a perfect superhero. MCU kick rocks. Like, this is how you do a superhero movie. This is, this is the They'll way it's done. No, they're, they're not able to. They don't got the moxie. All right. <laughs> like, they're, you know, they, this movie took a lot of big risks, a lot of big swings, and it, it knocked them all over. I absolutely love this one. 
the humor was there, the action was there, the cinematography was there. Uh, everything you want in a Batman movie, really. The only way you can make a Batman movie better than this one is if you made The Dark Knight, but we already got that. So this one's, this one's pretty freaking great. That, that, that's a really good point. I actually did not realize the Batman, Avatar, and RR were all over three hours. Like, that is kind of crazy that, you know, I feel like nowadays everyone's complaining about the length of movies, and we have the three longest films of the fucking year in our top five. But, like, that is kind of hilarious. Yeah, that, we'll go, because then Babylon films in all three of them. And that's in my top 10. So, you know, we, we all yeah. like long films. There's nothing wrong well, we with don't, that. Well, we don't like long films. We like good films. If yeah. They happen yeah. to be long. I agree. I agree. The length isn't really. I, I, yeah, I agree with the what he just said. It's not that yeah. important. It's if you justify the time you're using. All right. If, if you're taking three hours of my life, you better justify that. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, then you're going to get knocked for that. And if you're only taking an hour and a half of my life from me, you're, you're going to get marked on the curve for that. Right. It all depends on a, uh, if it justifies its runtime. Yeah. No, I, that, that's a good point. The Batman. RR and Avatar are all really, really long movies, but like you never once leave the movie and go, uh, like they should have, they, they could have cut an hour, right? Like, you know, that, that's not the critique of the movie, right? Like, yeah. I, I think that that's a testament to how good the film is. That, the, you know, the issue is in the length because it feels justified. It feels like they have a story to tell and it doesn't feel like they're really dilly dallying here. The Batman has like one of the coolest car chase scenes ever. I, I love that scene. It's so fucking cool. But it, didn't, it didn't go to space. Uh, yeah, yeah they didn't go to outer space. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, that's a good point. Um, but I think the Batman, what really works for this film is the cinematography, the score, the lighting. I think Robert Pattinson's great. I, I think the Riddler's really fun. Like, like, there's so much fun stuff about this film. And I agree with Tristan that you watch The Dark Knight and really you go, bro. <laughs> They should just stop making Batman movies. Like, they're never going to yeah. top this. And they've never once topped it, and they still haven't. But I'll tell you right now, the Batman was pretty fucking great, and it felt pretty justified. Like, I, you know, I, I never once had an interest in a Batman movie since The Dark Knight, because it just felt like we saw everything we need to see with the Batman, right? Like, there's so many other superhero movies. I have very much felt the superhero fatigue about six years before everyone else. So I was really not that excited for the Batman. I love Robert Pattinson and the commer and, and the trailer looked pretty fucking great, but like, you know, I'm sure this will be good. We'll watch this opening weekend. I'm sure it won't be amazing. And it just is like, it's just a really, really great time. I put it at 12 because Cause you suck. I just, <laughs> well, Hey, you know, I'm sure that's one of the reasons. Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know if I ever want to rewatch it. Like, it's just, I feel like it's like a one and done. And I know like, you know, I'm not saying that that's the knock against it, but like, yeah, I don't know. I like the chase scene. And like, I'm not saying the runtime, didn't, you know, if it was too long, but at the same time, it's a pretty long ass movie. I just, I, I don't know if I care that much for this movie. The Dark Knight's like almost the same length that I would rewatch that one again. And I've already seen that movie like eight times. Like, like the Batman, I saw it once. I don't, like, it was good. It was really great looking. And like, I don't know. The Joker scene sucked. The Riddler was like. Yeah, but that was like, know, like barely even minutes. in the movie. Yeah, not even. That was like 30 seconds. Yeah, well, and I guess the whole third act. I don't know. Like the whole, they're all up on like the bleachers looking down at everyone and they like are going to like 
snipe the the mare like that whole action sequence on the top felt like such like a downgrade from like the incredible action we got in the middle portion with the car chase and the club fight and, and all that stuff is so good and just when we get to like that scene where like it's not even the riddler because he's behind bars it's just like his followers like dressed up as him in the bleachers and they're fighting batman like that's the, the whole final fight scene is kind of fine it doesn't take away from the fact that I still really like this movie. I have it at 12. I love the movie. But, like, the third act is, like, whatever. Like, I think the peak of the movie is the car chase scene. And then, undoubtedly, when Batman faces off against the Riddler when he's at the jail cell. And he's, like, it, he's kind of interrogating him. Like, that shit is so good. And I like how the Riddler, Paul Dana, once again, similar to the Failmans, killing it this year. Oh, yeah. If only the, you know, the Academy noticed. But, like, he was hilarious how he's, like... I did this for you, like me and you, we're together here. Like fuck the fuck the government. Like me and you, like we're on the same page. Like the Riddler, in his own delusion, thinks that he's with the Batman. He thinks he's his friend. Like he thinks they're on the same side. Like it's really interesting to have a story about a superhero where the villain is actually created because they're inspired by him. Like he's actually like a fault to the system of what these villains are becoming. Like, he's part of the problem. And I think that that was a really great touch on the Batman that you don't see with most superhero films, but actually makes a lot of sense, right? Like, if you're gonna be some really psycho fucking lunatic like the Riddler over there, and you're seeing the Batman dressed up as this creepy guy on screen punching people in the city, and people are terrified of him, you're gonna be, like, inspired. Hey, I can be a fucking creepy guy that people can be intimidated by, too. Let me just throw this mask on and duct tape some people. So I think the Riddler is really exciting. He's a fun wrinkle to this film when the Riddler has been kind of, you know, Jim Carrey-ish, like kind of silly goofy. It's fun to have this kind of twist. Jim Carrey is pretty good. I actually don't no, 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 Jim Carrey is great, but it's a fun oh. twist on this character. I, 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 I do like this movie. When I first heard uh, Robert Pattinson, to me, he's the vampire from Twilight. I, I actually haven't even seen Twilight because... Fuck that movie. Oh my this god! Movie, this <laughs> movie. What's wrong with Twilight? Uh, I'm not. Not. I'm not into Vikings or vampires. Uh, <laughs> but th this movie, Blue Out of the Water, it gave us a different side of Batman that no movie has done. He was a detective in this movie, which that's what Batman is. He's meant to be the world's greatest detective. Um, in this movie, we truly got to see that he wasn't just Christian. Not not an awkward Christian Bale. That I love that dude. But Christian Bale was just a. A man in a bat suit. This dude was Batman. And that's what it felt like. He was in the car chasing down uh, the penguin. He was the one at the crime scene in the first five minutes of the film. The one who was able to solve what happened exactly and how. He's, he's the world's greatest detective. And in this showed. Um, and that's the reason I have a number three. It was Batman from the comics put straight into a movie. He didn't need the Joker to carry the film, which is what happened in The Dark Knight, in my opinion. I love that movie. It's still better. But Batman was the best in this film because it was him straight from the comics slapped into a movie where it felt realistic with uh, the Riddler instead of having a hypnotizing Batman Beyond. Is that what it was? Uh, Batman Forever. Forever. That was it. Um, he was genuinely mind-controlling the public, which in the third act, we saw how he was able to get into their minds, make them they were doing was correct therefore mind controlling them into doing what he wanted which was sending a message to the batman to the government pointing having them at gunpoint causing a huge riot causing fires flooding all of that 
because he was able to get it to the public saying, do what Batman does. You can become a hero if you just put on a mask. But that mask was actually a sign to the Batman trying to prevent what the Batman wanted. This feels the most like they just took a bat and onto the actual screen. And it really felt ripped right from the comics. And I agree. I do think this is probably the best version of Batman we've seen as far as Batman himself as a character. I agree. Dark Knight, I think, is a better film. But it most does hinder on the Joker and Harvey Dent and these other characters. But this one really relies on the Batman. This is a Batman movie. Sure, there's Catwoman, the Rhythm King, but pop up in there. Commissioner Gordon has a little. But the Batman is the, the mainstay. He's clearly the lead. And it really focuses all around the Batman. Not even Bruce Wayne necessarily. Just the Batman and who the Batman is, as Aiden said. And Robert Patterson absolutely crushed it. Mind you, I knew he would. Right when they said Robert guy, I'm like, well, they're not hiring Patterson if they don't think he's going to crush it. And everything I've seen Patterson in, he, whether it's some silly rom-com about a vampire, or if it's about him fucking a mermaid, he always nails it every time. And the Batman was no different. He crushed it once again. And I'm super excited for whatever the next Matt Reeves, Robert Patterson Batman movie will be. I'm sure that it's going to be incredible. Just like this one. I'll back up what both of you guys said. This is the best Batman. Yeah, he's a great actor. But a, uh, the Batman in this one is easily the best Batman. Yeah. And I think that makes me super excited for the potential of what they have in more Batman. Because uh, let's be real, the Dark Knight wasn't the first movie in that franchise. It was the second. Yeah. I am, do, does that mean I think the next move, next, the Batman 2 is going to be you know, just as good or better than the Dark Knight? Probably not. But it, do I think it's going to be an incredible Batman movie? Almost certainly. Yeah, is is this a crazy take? I'm really not excited for the Batman too. I, I I think this was a really incredible standalone film, but it feels weird to have this be like a franchise. Just feel like a really great one-off take, kind of like the Joker. I don't know if I'm like super excited for the Joker two either. I feel like they're just good standalones. I don't know if I want like franchises out of them. I like the creativity they keep adding. Um, yeah, I'll still watch it, but like I like. I'm not excited for it. I'm super stoked for it, but I know what you mean. I hope they don't try to make the franchise, even though, and I'm worried that they're going to because they're already a Penguin show and, and a couple other projects in this universe. Yeah. I don't want there to be other projects in this universe. I just want there to be more Batman movies where they just take good comic books from the decades worth of Batman comic books, several of which are incredible that have never even been touched into an animated or live-action film, and just take the books that Matt Reeves in particular just feel connect with him or he can build into this universe. Give us a trilogy. Yeah, I'd be down for, for a crisp trilogy of just three unique separate Batman stories. All takes place in this universe with Robert Pattinson at the helm as the Batman and introduce Rogue's Gallery of other characters. I think the biggest thing is going to have a good story and make a movie off that, not a want for a sequel and try to make a movie off that. Uh, find your story first, then worry about connecting it. And not the other way. Don't pull a Jurassic World. In, well, in everything, just don't pull a Jurassic World. Just yeah, stay, don't give us a movie where bugs. Stay as far away from Jurassic World as possible. We'll Unless Mothman's back then. Mothman would be cool. Yeah, Mothman comes in, yeah. Ties really in the want, Jurassic World. I think Robert Patterson has been pushing for this. Robert Patterson has been pushing for Condiment King to be the bad guy. And I would love if Condiment King comes in, <laughs> comes in as one of the bad guys. I would love to see that. I want Clayface. I want Clayface. Clayface would be awesome. Simple as that. If Clayface is the villain it would, it would honestly i take it back if clayface is the villain of batman 2 i would be fucking stoked that that would bring my hype back that's or, the only uh, reason i'd be good with uh ventriloquist uh I'm no only clayface uh, clay i don't know if you guys know this because no, neither of you guys were here at the very beginning of pop topic but when we started pop topic 
one of the first five episodes was the announcement of the Batman. And me and Welldog spent the entire episode discussing what villain Robert Pattinson should face off against in the Batman. And we both came to terms that it had to be Clayface. So if full circle, if they bring Clayface against Robert Pattinson, me and Welldog will be their opening nights. Full circle for this podcast. That would be pretty fucking cool. Um, uh, uh, you know, other than that, I, I'm obviously going to watch the Batman 2 in theaters because they look so freaking good. Like, there's no denying it's going to be a great looking movie. And I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't care as much if they, if they make it. Um, it's similar to like Joker 2. I'll, I'll be there in theaters. You know, I'm, I'm not going to refuse to I'm not go. I want a Harley Quinn origin story. I love a Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I these like original properties. Yeah. Fun. It's weird that only the Batman story, like the Joker, Batman, like only they're getting original stuff. Like, like let's get all the DC stuff. Heck, MCU, like Marvel, Disney, are you listening? Like, like, just get these normal, original, unique concepts for the superhero films because this is the stuff that gets me excited. Make it, make it more I mean, this one had jokes. This one was funny. Pretty like the five. This film was like very funny in like a totally yeah, different way. But it yeah. wasn't like quippy one line. Exactly. No, it's clever clever. jokes. Like, come on. The thumb drive? Hilarious. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah, You know, it's no the menu, but it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, stop with the cutaway (laughs) one-liners. One-liners should be dead. Very on. It's so bad. It's like Rick and Morty comedy. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's cringy. it's, It's just... It's been so... It's been done so often that at this point, it's just not even, like, enjoyable, I think. But... So, moving on to number two... And technically, number one, we have a tie between number two and one. We have a tie. We have a tie. Oh, which, to be fair, we, we have ties in all these lists. I don't bring them up because it's really not that relevant. But since it is the very top of the list, I should point out, we do have a tie. My way of doing the tiebreaker is I eliminate the bottom vote. So theoretically, if the Batman tied with them, we would remove my vote of 12. Because that way, theoretically, there's somebody dragging the score down. So I always remove the bottom vote, and then whoever has the best score of the two then would be the winner. So we do have a way to break this tie. I just felt like I need to point it out now because, you know, we, it's tough to choose between these two. They're just that fucking good. But coming in at number two, technically, by the rules of us breaking the tie, we have my pick, everything, everywhere, all at once. So Hayden and I both have this at number two. Tristan has this at number one. Yeah, I do. Absolutely, I do. Yeah, you go first. Tell us why this is the best film of the year. Okay, so I'm not going to explain the movie too much because it's way too much to explain. I'm assuming yeah. everyone's up. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we've been saying for a while now that there are so many good movies this year. Like, like so freaking many good movies. And uh, when it gets like particularly these top 10, all the movies, like our top 15, top 20, are all incredible. Particularly the ones in the top ten, you know, those are all just knockout, in, in incredible movies. Um, so in order to differentiate between number one and number two, and whatnot, it really kind of comes down to like what movie wowed me, was I super impressed by, kind of not stop thinking about, and what movie really showed me something on screen I haven't really seen before. And so if you look at like my other previous number one picks the past couple of years, I tend to pick movies that Hayden and sometimes even went in and think like those aren't real movies, those aren't good picks, like Hamilton or, or Inside. Because not only were they incredible movies that I love, they also showed me something on the screen that I haven't really seen before, something I haven't experienced, something that was new and unique and, and it stood out from the rest, not just in quality, 
but also also differentiated itself. And I think everything all overall at once absolutely did that. I know what movie's going to be a number one now. Obviously. I think everyone can probably figure out together what major movie uh, hasn't been listed yet. But the reason why I put this one number one, even though Batman, that was my number two, which I, one is clearly going to be my number three. I had this one above the Batman because uh, I've seen great Batman movies before. I've seen great action movies before. I have never seen a movie quite like this one before. This movie goes places and, and explores ideas and concepts that I have never even thought about, let alone think about seeing put onto a screen. Um, it's super existential and it covers a lot of crazy topics. And it was a uh, not only an incredible movie, but something that really moved me to think about things and life in general uh, in a lot of unique ways that typically aren't experienced on film too much. So this isn't just a good movie. This isn't just a great movie. This is a movie that clearly stands out apart from the rest in both the uh, theme and form. And I think that's why I put this one at number one, um, even though the movie that will be number one is also. An- that's why I had this one at number one, is I thought this one was most unique and really i learned a lot watch this movie not just about life but about filmmaking in general i think that's what i always look for when I'm my number one pick something that's unique and stands alone on its rest as something that definitive of the year of being the best and i think this one i think this one truly is. yeah well first of all uh since you brought up hamilton and inside before the podcast uh before i got your guys's list for the podcast I was telling Andrew, I was like, well, he picked Hamilton in 2020, and then he picked Inside in 2021. Like, Tristan likes to pick the movie that's really not technically a movie as his favorite film. You think that's going to pick Jackass? That's what I was saying. I was like, <laughs> I turned to Andrew, I was like, I think Tristan's going to pick Jackass forever as his favorite film of the year. <laughs> I should have. That really <laughs> I thought Tristan's just going to pick the movie every fucking time that's barely a movie just to put it at number one because he yeah. fucking loves it. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, then, and then I and then I yeah. <laughs> never seen something like this one before. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there's three other jackasses. There's no other movie like this. Um, Not at all. And similar to the 2019 ranking, I put Parasite at number two, and I put Jojo Rabbit at number one. And Parasite is undeniably the best film of the year, but Jojo Rabbit was like my favorite. Like it was just I personally just loved it so much, and that's kind of the case with this. This is a five star movie. This is better than the best film that I put last year, which was Spencer. I love Spencer, top fifty film of all time. This beats it. Like everything everywhere is better than that. I loved Sound of Metal and Promising Young Woman in twenty twenty. This beats both of those by a long shot. This film would be number one in most other years. Uh, it's just, uh, there's one movie I really like more, but there's no denying this is one of the most creative films I've seen in quite some time. As Tristan said, it is so unique, so interesting, and it works so well. Like who would have thought that like Rackantui and rocks and dildos up someone's asshole, like, like who would have thought all this stuff could work so flawlessly in such a chaotic and yet controlled film. Like, it, it, the, the film rules in chaos. It's almost kind of like Uncut Gems in 2019, where the film is so intentionally chaotic and creates, like, this uneasiness, but it's controlled the entire time. There's not one second the Daniels don't know exactly what's going on in this film, and it, it, and it shows. Like, it's just, it's a masterclass in filmmaking. I think we can all agree here, um, this podcast is going to be released two days before the Oscars. We're recording this a little bit beforehand, but it's dropping right before the Oscars, but we can all congratulate this on winning Best Picture. It's almost guaranteed a lock to win, I think, at this point. Like, like I would be stunned if anything else beat this movie, and I'm stoked. This, w- this is probably top 10 Oscar winner for Best Picture of all time. Like This is just such 
a defining film for filmmaking, just whether it be Asian representation, whether it just be the fact that there is the multiverse, which is such like a neurotic feeling that the MCU has been going for, where like it just feels so insane. It kind of feels like the TikTok age where it's just so much shit is going on in your face at all times that it keeps everyone's attention. And at the same time, it tells a beautiful and really touching story about family trauma, about like generations defining a family's path and about enjoying the simple things. You know, Michelle Yeoh's character in this film has the worst life, according to Kiwi Kwan's character at the beginning of the film. She is the worst of all of the Evelyns in this world. And somehow, because she is the worst at everything, there's something special about that. There's something special about, you know, living the life you have. And it might be boring doing laundry and taxes, but that's what makes life special. Like, everybody lives with regret. Everybody makes choices, and then a decade later goes... I maybe should have went a different path in my life. And you live with regret, but don't let that define your character. It tells such a beautiful story in such a crazy, insane way. Yeah, I agree with you, Tristan. Uh, I've never seen a movie like this, and there'll never be a movie like this. This is a once-in-a-lifetime film that, like, you know, you look back at the Best Picture winners decades ago, and you go, okay, like, that film represents cinema of that decade. And I feel like in 2050, when like Hayden's children are watching films and they watch everything everywhere all at once, like that's gonna, like they're gonna look at that movie and go, yeah, I, the Oscars fucking did it right for once. Like they, you know, they miss quite often, but every now and then, Parasite was uh, the 2010s and so early in this decade, I think this is gonna be the movie of the decade that people are gonna go, the Oscars killed it. This is a defining film of the decade. It's incredible, and uh, you know you have it at one, Tristan, but I'm right there with you, brother. I love this. No, one. you're not. You put it at two, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> if you yeah. put it at one, it would be number one. And that's that's a good point. Well, Andrea asked me uh, what number one was, and when I told her the top two picks, Andrea was like, "Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once would have won if I was on the podcast." Probably. Yeah, she would have dragged the other one down. She's with this one, so you know. List would have been different, but great film. Well, what are your thoughts, Aiden? Honestly, uh, this movie is a lot like eating ribs. Yo, this movie eating ribs, like, like with lots of sauce, because like it's messy. Like it gets, it's all over the place. Like, <laughs> like it still ends up behind my ear, but. It was so good. At the end of the day, like, after that plate is done, you look at yourself and be like, damn, that was fucking awesome. Like, the one guy, father, what's his name? Kihoi Kwan? Yeah. Fucking love that guy. That guy killed it. Every, every scene he was in, he was making me laugh. He was, he was my opinion, the best part of this film. Oh, yeah. he, he killed it. Everyone else did amazing. The movie was all over the place from going from fucking sausage fingers to being a fucking rock. Like, it was chaotic it ended up being about a bagel like it went everywhere and that's why this film was perfect i put it at number two because i rewatched both of them and one was i found a little bit more watchable so and i got a little crush on someone in the movie so that's why i put that one as number one but overall i love ribs and i, I love this movie i gotta say the rib comparison was absolutely beautiful and uh, considering yeah. i saw this the second time 
at home on my 4K TV by myself. Uh, the ribs comparison's pretty good because at the end, my hands were sticky. <laughs> <laughs> what did he just... I, and I think I know what he got. I think I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> I think I picked up most of them. We all know why his hands were sticky. All right. We can move on now to our number one of the... Yeah. <laughs> I did rewatch this one. Um... And my guy, I'm going to see this at least once a year, every time. Like, this is just such a good movie. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on to number one, the movie that I have rewatched the most, uh, incredible film, the uh, number one film on the box office, uh, the first film from the box office to be our number one film of the year, uh, since we've been doing this for four years. The box office came out on top, and that is going to be Top Gun Maverick Baby with over $718 million domestically. Hayden and I have this at number one. Tristan has this at number three. My number one pick is never the number one. I thought, I thought this was my year. I thought I was going to nail it for sure this year. No, I thought we were going flawless this year. You thought I was going to top I, I honestly did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought, I thought we might have all been one. On, like, I thought we're all going to be on number one here. I, I thought it was. I thought we were going to have the worst all flawless and the best all flawless. But no. Well, okay. we're wrong for both. No. Yeah, we've never been. Yeah, we've never agreed on the worst or the best. Uh, we, we have not come to an agreement yet. We were pretty close yeah. for this one, but... Yeah. yeah. Tristan had to go fuck it up. Yeah, I had to go wreck it. So I put this one third. Uh, I love Top Gun Maverick. I really, really love Top Gun Maverick. Uh, to be completely honest, I just like those other two movies more. There's, I don't really have any reasons. That's I just fair. like the other ones. Yeah, more. that's fair. Uh, that's, really, that's really all it came down. I do love this movie. I thought the... All the fighter jet scenes and everything was incredible. The store is immaculate. I like uh, all the characters. Obviously, Tom Cruise was great in this one. Uh, my boy, Miles Teller. Always love seeing him around and thing. With a mustache? Oh, love the I mustache know. on him. The Val Kilmer scene absolutely touched me. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, overall, I thought this was a super fun movie. When you, like I said, when you get to the top five, when you get to the top 15, honestly, and you're like this, they're all great films. I think when you get to the top five, there's no... No question about it. These are phenomenal movies. It really just kind of comes down to what one connected with you the most. And uh, although I loved this one, the other two just kind of got to me a little more than this one did. A little more wild by everything I ever all at once. And completely honest, my bias for Batman put that one in number three. So that's why this one landed at number three. All right, I'm going to go because I won't, I won't quit and finish. For me, I loved Miles Teller and Tom Cruise. Their relationship was just what carried this movie. It was absolutely beautiful how, at the start, Miles Teller wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. And Tom Cruise was still being the overprotective father figure in his life. Um, but Miles Teller didn't trust him for shit, hated him for what he did to his father. Because he viewed Tom Cruise as the bad guy, the man who killed his father for his recklessness. But by the end of the film, you see this connection, the, the respect, the mutual respect they have for one another as Tom Cruise realizes Miles Teller He's grown up. He can make up his own decisions. He's able to act for himself. And Miles Teller realizes that Tom Cruise, although he's wild, he's crazy, he's still a smart guy, and he will do anything for the people he cared about and realized that it was just a genuine mistake for what happened to his father. Everything else in this film, the, the action, the music, all of it was just so fun. It's such a feel-good movie. But their connection, for me, is what made this carry through as the number one because it just was such a feel-good at the end of the film. Yeah, Top Gun Maverick, and I, I know this is 
might be recency bias. So I'm going to put this with a grain of salt, but this might be top 10 of all time for me. Like this is, I don't know what about it, man. I, I love the fuck out of this movie. And I saw the first one a few days before I watched this in theaters, but I watched the first, but I watched this in theaters with my friend opening weekend. Um, and, and, and I, I, I cried in the theater like a little bitch and my buddy, his girlfriend was there at the time. I girlfriend at the time they, uh, they, they broke up now, but, um, you know, at least they had that memory together, but, but she kind of ruined the moment there because I was crying like a little bitch. And she looked at me, she's like, why is your friend crying? And I was like, this is my moment with me and Tom Cruise Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, I was a little vulnerable with her for a second there, but I uh, watched it the second time with my, all my coworkers. We had 15 of us sitting together. We, I, I got the whole fucking office with me, man. I just couldn't stop talking about it for two weeks. And they were all like, fuck it, Quentin, we're in, let's go. This is the only movie I have seen more than once in theaters since Percy Jackson in 2010. And that's because my mom gave me trouble for watching a movie twice in theaters. She said it was a waste of money. And so I never did it since then, except for this movie. I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, but I saw this movie three times in theaters and it wasn't a waste of a single fucking cent. It was amazing. I just love everything about this movie. Like Hayden said, Tom Cruise and Miles Teller is such a beautiful relationship. It's just such a guy film, <laughs> you know, Andrew didn't love it, but I fucking loved this movie. I think their relationship building off of the first film, it's everything a sequel should be. It takes the material from the first film and amplifies everything tenfold. The relationship with him and Val Kilmer is great in the first movie, but it's really touching and beautiful, especially knowing everything about Val Kilmer. They amplified that relationship. Obviously, Maverick and Goose, the most important dynamic of the first film, they added even more by having him with his son flying in the jet that his best friend died in in the first film and having his son behind him unable to eject from the seat and him whispering, I'm sorry, Goose. They amplified that fucking, like they amplified everything. The score in the first movie is iconic. And there's a reason why this isn't eligible for best score this year because it's the exact same material. But for some reason, the score is so much more powerful this time. Like in my opinion, it's just such an epic score when they're hugging at the end of the movie and he says, it's what my father would have done. And that score is just blaring. Everything about this film is just 10 times what the original was. And maybe it's just because we didn't grow up with the original. So maybe the three of us are a bit biased as to why this is so high. But well, it I think adds I something from it. Like, it, it really does. Yeah, I feel like we did grow up with the first one. You're going to love this. I agree it, with that, too. It yeah. adds to it so well. It so beautifully complements the first that's a good point. And the fact that I didn't grow with it. And I now really like the first one. I saw the first movie. Then I saw this film. And then before I watched it again with my coworkers, I watched the original again. And when I watched the original the second time, I actually really liked it. Just because like it adds so much with the second film. Like They're so interconnected despite the fact that they were not, you know, the first film was not written to have a sequel. They're, they're not supposed to be connected, but they're just done so beautifully. I think it's great. I think uh, the action, you know, the fighter jets, it's so exciting. The cinematography with the iconic 1980s orange and yellow tint to everything. 
It's so exciting. I think the football scene, you know, as a reference to the volleyball scene, like everything about this movie is just super fun. John Hamm is so fucking good as just like a fucking jerk. Like when Tom, you know, when Tom Cruise gets shot down and they're all like, wait, Maverick's down. We gotta go back and save him. And John Hamm's like, nope, get back to the base. There's no time to save Maverick. Get back to, I was like, fuck you, John Hamm. Let's fucking go. Like, I don't know. I agree with Tristan that Everything Everywhere All at Once is undeniably the best movie of the year but Top Gun Maverick's my favorite like I, I, I just fucking can't I don't know what it is about this movie and it's funny because this should have been out in 2020 and if Paramount had enough leverage this would have been a Paramount Plus exclusive and this probably wouldn't have cracked my top 10 it would have been kind of forgotten about but the fact that Tom Cruise had so much power over this film he had so much stakes on this movie that he forced them to hold off until the theaters. And now this is the number one movie domestically. And it's huge at the Oscars. It's a beloved film. It, I, th I think it's insane that he held out on this movie. He believed in this product. And Tom Cruise, unironically, as Steven Spielberg even said to him in a video that went viral, he saved theaters he basically saved cinema like this is the movie yeah i never really liked Tom Cruise too much before like the past couple of years but i agree in my opinion on him completely turned around completely i love that really championing movie that's his thing that's the hill he's dying on this is what i'm championing and paramount owes tom cruise on like the shirts off their backs he <laughs> is paramount at this point he's the only reason that studio is still at all successful he is their cash cow top gun movies the mission impossible movies Without Tom Cruise, they'd barely have a studio anymore. So if I were them, I'd listen to whatever the hell this says. Because he's so far been doing them pretty damn well. Yeah. Um, the new Mission Impossible movie looks incredible. I'm like, all of a sudden, I was not a big Tom Cruise guy before this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm showing up every, every fucking time now for this guy. Absolutely. Like, I just, if he has this much faith in these products, I have the same faith as he does. I think he's incredible. Like, he is the... Really, like, he's, like, the movie star, right? Like, 1980s, 90s, like, they all had yeah. these huge movie stars. It really feels like Tom Cruise is the movie star. Like, is there anyone else that's on that caliber of just, you watch I his films, he really cemented into place that a, uh, I think a couple years ago, I'd make the arguments, The Rock and Will Smith would be up there with him. But I think after everything that happened the past two years, there's no question, Tom Cruise is number one. Yeah. Like, The Black Adam didn't do very good. Will Smith got ostracized from Hollywood ever since the last Oscars. Yeah, there's no question. He is the biggest movie star alive right now, hands down. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's incredible. I'm going to watch every single movie he makes now. Like, when I was watching Avatar 2, I don't know if you guys had the same promo, but on the IMAX screen, they had the promo of one of the makings of the stunts of the new Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Oh, my the God. The driving the motorbike off the cliff? Yeah, I was fucking sold. It was so cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sold on this movie. Uh, everything he does, I'm excited for. Uh, I, Top Gun Maverick is the first film that i ever saw on imax i never once bothered doing imax i never really thought i don't know like i i could just watch it for like half the price at a normal theater um but i finally watched this one on imax and ever since then you know I, i've seen avatar 2 on imax now I, 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 he's converted me like just oh, IMAX incredible sure. yeah. oh my the, god the batman was the first movie i've watched yeah same yeah, top gun maverick Looked so good on IMAX. I was, it was so fucking good. I couldn't believe it. Um, incredible movie. Uh, I'm glad we're all pretty much on the same page. I know Tristan had two above it, but we, we all know this is, this is a classic. This is really good. It yeah. was awesome. Not number one of the year, though. Uh, 
yeah, it is an honorable yeah. cast. I, yeah. That's fair. It is on the list. I never get number one overall. It never, never works out. Just in reference of the four years we've done so far, we have Marriage Story from 2019. We have Nomadland from 2020, Coda from 2021, and now Top Gun Maverick. That's true. The last two movies we picked one that went on to win best yeah. year. And Everything Everywhere almost won this, and that's going to win. Well, and Top Gun Maverick's still nominated. Could Top Gun Maverick pull it off? No. Not with that. <laughs> Like, I like honestly, Tristan. Name me one move that stands a chance against everything everywhere. I, I think it's a slam dunk. Yeah, no, absolutely. It deserves it. it well, on, honestly, like like I just said about Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick is my favorite film. Uh, I I think Everything Everywhere deserves to win Best Picture. Like, I think that's gonna be the one. And to be fair, Top Gun Maverick would be like equally incredible because that is the movie that brought cinemas back. It would be such a iconic film to win the big prize. But I still think Everything Everywhere would just be so iconic. It would be really, really good. So I would be stoked if either of them win Best Picture. But, uh, you know, one of them will. And it won't be Top Gun Maverick. And that's okay with me. That's everything for our end here. You know, we finally ranked all 60 films. Uh, This is actually going to be the last podcast that I'm going to be recording for quite some time i'm going to be taking a three-month hiatus so hopefully it takes you three months to listen to this podcast that is the goal uh and then hopefully that's the case it's going to feel like we never took a break but other than that uh we probably won't have any podcasts until july sorry until june Uh, june will be when we're back full throttle we'll be having two rankings a month for the next few months after that just to make up for it but we are going to be taking a bit of a break Until then, I won't be talking to you two for a while, so hopefully you guys have a good few months. You too. All right, have a great day, guys.